participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. Welcome back to another edition of the program. As you know, I love Wednesdays. Answer some questions, let our hair down, look ahead to the weekend, make some picks, get back on track. This is a big one, of course. Big pay-per-view fight week over in Abu Dhabi, that's what it's called. Abu Dhabi, that's what it's called. Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi. Remember that from Garfield? We spoke about this. When I was at ESPN, I uh, came up with a great song. We're going, going back, back to Abu Dhabi. That's very clever. We're going, going back, back. Now, anyone who still calls it Fight Island, I swear to God, I'm going to lay the smack down on you. It is not Fight Island. It is Yaz Island. It's a regular place like it was back in 2010 when we were there for the first time. UFC 112 in the front. Anderson Silva, Damian Maya. I mean, Frank, 
you were in your father's nutsack back then, right? I will not confirm or deny <laughs> that. By the way, I say that, and I and I think it kind of sounds weird as I'm saying it, but I hope you know that's a deep cut from the world of MMA. Understood. Henzo Gracie was promoting a fight against BJ Penn back in the day, and he looked at the camera and he said, I was fighting in front of five, 50,000 people when you were in your father's nutsack. He said that, and I just always thought that that was a great line. It is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you're not offended by it. Not Although you've all. offended me like four times since I've been here today. so Actually, I can't waste any time. Frank has a very tight schedule. Uh, you're going to a concert today, and he did it in a very passive-aggressive way. He kept mentioning throughout the morning, hey, we're going to get to the questions. It's going to be tight. We'll be, you know, we ended at four on Monday, had the football game to get to. Finally, GC, you know, smartened me up and let me know that he has a concert to get to. So I need to be done by when? I forget the time that you... Look, I'll um, get there when I get there. No, no, no. Seriously. Uh, where's the concert, by the way? MSG. Pumpkins, right? Yeah. should have told me. My good friend Billy I Corgan. No, he would have... No, no, no. You should have told me like, you know, weeks ago, months ago. Uh, Billy C., <laughs> he would have hooked you up. Or we could have had him come into the studio. That would have been Talk cool. Talk pro wrestling. That would have been fun. Although, you know, the world of uh, pro wrestling... Well, one small sector of the pro wrestling <laughs> world... Uh, the booger eating uh, sector of the pro wrestling world. They're very mad at me right now. They're very upset. What did you ever do to Tweeting upset, and tweeting and tweeting. All kinds of tweets. Uh, I guess they're mad that I said, if you like AEW more than WWE right now, you're a liar. I think the liar really like cut deep. Some people were mad that I used the word marks, freakazoids. I mean, I'll take it back. You know, if people are offended by it, I'll take it back. I think, I think you're, you know, I don't want to get down all this go down this path um if they're that offended i'll take it back i'll apologize for absolutely nothing ah ah my favorite is when they say you just did it for the clicks meanwhile (laughs) we're not the ones who clipped it off i didn't even think anyone would care it's not on the youtube channel like what what clicks what are you talking about uh people just like to say that you just did it for the clicks Anyway, I hope you'll get to your concert on time. If you get there around 8.39, do you think that would be okay? <laughs> what time are they scheduled to uh, hit the stage? So the show starts at 6.30. Who's the opening act? Tori Amos? No, her name is Poppy. Poppy? She does the music for the WWE NXT. Wow, and really? And they're followed up by Jane's Addiction. This isn't the uh, uh, the character who didn't wash his hands on Seinfeld, right? Poppy getting a little no, sloppy? No. Remember that episode? Um, I actually don't remember that. Episode. Jerry's dating a girl whose father owns a pizza restaurant, but he goes to the bathroom and realizes that the father didn't wash his hands. And then he looks over to the kitchen and the father is personally working on his pie and he didn't want to eat it, which is, by the way, a thousand percent something that I would do. <laughs> anyway, not the same person. Poppy from Trolls? Say it again. I'm sorry. Poppy from Trolls. No, not the, okay. <laughs> don't, don't we have questions to get to? <laughs> Wait, is that true? Really, the music from NXT? I love NXT. She's one of the yeah. They they put a, an EP out a couple years ago. Yeah, it's fun. That's amazing. NXT by far the second best wrestling brand oh, in the no. world. <laughs> uh, all right, and who are we going with? GC and the team? Um, no, team outing. Just my wife. Missed the invite. Oh. Wow, me too. It's funny you say that. I invited you earlier, but to go to the pumpkins? Yeah. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, what's the song? Um, uh, Today is the greatest. That was in our wedding video. Oh, that was really nice. Yeah. 
It's great. You think he'll play it? Yeah. You think he'll talk wrestling? Probably not. Today's a big day, by the way. Thanks for uh, wishing me a happy anniversary. 15 days, excuse me, 15 years ago today, uh, I launched jerrypark.com. My uh, my first foray into the world of MMA journalism, That's October nineteenth, two thousand and seven. GC, how old were you in two thousand seven? Six. Serious? No. Oh uh, Jesus. Fourteen. <laughs> fourteen. All right, that's fine. Um, I could live with that. Two thousand. Who's the youngest on the squad right now? Is it you? I think it's Connor. It is me. Yeah. All right. Well. 2007, October 19th, what a day it was, and it's great to be here. 15 years later, I'm still standing, as the great Elton John once said, right? And uh, we're, we're here to answer some questions. We're here to talk to some people. Happy anniversary to jerrypark.com, which is still up, by the way. I checked yesterday. It's still going, still going strong. It hasn't been updated in quite some time. And, of course, I've talked about its uh, origins quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, 15 years ago today. How about that? From my uh, cubicle at Spike TV came up with the whole thing. Now, on to today's program. Back into the show, we'll make our picks for UFC 280. You may have heard there's a big pay-per-view event going down uh, this weekend in Abu Dhabi, UFC 280. A hardcore fan's delight, right? I mean, I feel like this is maybe not the kind of card that's going to do a million buys, 700,000 buys. Also a little tough uh, going up against some college football on Saturday uh, baseball playoffs as well. So there's some competition. But if you're a true hardcore fan of mixed martial arts, I, I don't know how you can't find something to like on this card. Uh, it goes down Saturday afternoon, main card, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, of course, on ESPN+. And on BT Sport box office in prime time in the UK. So that's great. And uh, we'll, ga- we'll, you know, we'll, we'll make our picks. Uh, GC will make his picks, all that stuff and more. Uh, prior to that, at around... 3.40, the great Dominic Cruz will join us. I believe first interview for him since the loss to Cheeto Vera a couple of months ago. Obviously want to get his thoughts on the bantamweight title fight. Want to get his thoughts on Jan versus Suga. Uh, noticed this morning at the media day in Abu Dhabi, TJ Dillashaw very matter-of-factly called himself the greatest bantamweight of all time. I wonder how he feels about that. I feel like he'll kind of give me some really deep answer and I'll sort of lose him halfway and be like, all right, yeah, okay. Um, but I, you know, I personally feel like it's Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz, I mean, I just feel like he held the belt longer and I know he was injured. But anyway, uh, we could talk about that. Prior to that, we're going to be joined by Ben Askren, our old friend. And guess what? October 25th, Ben Askren's book comes out. Did you know Ben Askren has a book? Well, it's coming out October 25th, and it's a great read. It's called Funky, My Defiant Path Through the Wild World of Combat Sports. There it is. It's a nice, quick read, under 200 pages. In fact, uh, one of the great little recommendations. What do you call these things? Recommendations. Uh, Advanced praise, they say. It's actually in two spots. Uh, Is from yours truly. How about that? I mean, you have to think that's going to add at least ten to 15,000 um, book sales. So Did welcome. you read it already? Oh, yeah. Poured, uh, poured through it rather quickly. I'm going to talk to him about it, so I look forward to that. I got an advanced copy. In fact, I could let you know a bit of an exclusive here, breaking news. Our old pal, the man in the hat, helped him with the book, uh, Chuck Mendenhall. So uh, I don't think anyone actually officially knew that, but... Uh, 
You know if Chuck's involved, it's a tremendous read. Here it is, October 25th, it comes out. We'll talk to Ben Askren about that. A little uh, Makhachev Oliveira talk with him as well. I mean, who knows about the grappling side of things uh, better than Mr. Ben Askren, Mr. Olympian, Mr. Dan Hodge, trophy winner. Maybe a little uh, Bo Nickel talk with him as well. And uh, maybe a little Jake Paul Anderson Silva talk. He knows a thing or two about Mr. Jake Paul as well. Alistair Overeem is going to join us at 2.35. Uh, we'll talk to him about his big win over Badahari. There was a great scene afterwards in the ring with Rico Verhoeven. Uh, he beat him two weekends ago in uh, in the Netherlands. Glory collision for the great Alistair Overeem. Always fun when the uh, the Ream joins the program and Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso is going to join us. Do you think Alexa Grasso minds that, you know, now her name has become synonymous with the uh, the Amazon thingy? Like, Alexa, Alexa. Do you think it bothers her? I wonder. I wonder if uh, Alexa is a big deal in uh, in Mexico. I wonder if they have that. Would you be annoyed, Frank, if uh, all of a sudden, like, your name became synonymous with some sort of like voice robot thingy? Nah, I think I'd be flattered. Imagine your name is Siri and all of a sudden people are just saying your name all over the place. I guess that would be annoying. That might be annoying. Um, anyway, we'll talk to Alexa Grasso about her big win over Viviani Araujo and that will be at uh, 2.15. As you know, though, we love Wednesdays because we get to answer some questions and I'm really liking answering them off the bat. Of course, everyone was talking about this segment last week. I mean, everyone all up in arms, people... Uh, challenging me to fights, to debates, all kinds of craziness. So let's see what we have to answer this week. Without further ado, Frankie. It's time yeah. for good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment has arrived yes. to hear from the man himself, that is Ariel me. Helwani. Live from the Box Studios in beautiful New York City. It is beautiful it's today. It's nose. a beautiful day in New now, York City. To answer your questions. Yep. Get out of your seats. Out of your seat. On your feet. On your feet. Here he is. Here I am. Thank you, Mr. Mike Heck. And by the way, uh, I wasn't planning on doing this off the bat, but because we just heard Mike Heck's voice there, GC, do you want to let everyone know what you'll be doing with Mike Heck on Saturday? I would love to. Did you have uh, a bigger thing planned? Am I ruining this? No, I wouldn't call it bigger. I was gonna, I was gonna weave it in, but uh, you know, might as well do it off the rip. We, I mean, we, we just heard his voice. I feel like it's apropos. Yeah, it's it's gonna be great because he is going to be joining me here on Saturday for MMA Fighting's uh, UFC oh. two eighty watch party. There wow, it is. Wow, look at that. I mean, well, that is quite the logo. Quite the logo. Our, our beautiful faces right there in cartoons. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Me and Mike, Mysterious Frank's going to join. We'll have some special guests. There we'll reveal who those are. Wow. The day of. 1.45. Took a play out of yearbook. 10.45 a.m. Uh, Pacific. 5.45 p.m. GMT. Very smart. Can't wait. Got a lot planned. Going to be a fantastic show. Uh, come sweat out some bets. Come enjoy the fights. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I love the name Watch Party, by the way. Thank you. I uh, thought of it that myself. Any no snacks? From you. Yeah, there'll be some snacks. <sighs> I hate to inform you, though, that uh, uh, 145 is actually 645 GMT. They're five hours ahead. There's nothing going on different right now? No, there is a period coming up very soon where it will be four hours, but we haven't hit that period. It's once we change the clocks in a couple of weeks, then there's a couple of weeks where they're just four hours, and then they go to five 
I mean, this is from many years of uh, having to book people overseas. So Google, little, yeah, Google argues with you. It says 5.45. Current time in the UK. Google current time in the UK. 1.45 EST yeah. to GMT. 5.45 GMT. Yeah, okay, but who, uh, you're doing GMT for the UK audience. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just going by GMT. I'm going to trust you. Who uses you know? G? Okay, what's BST? Do BST. Ah, uh, Okay. Let's do BS today. <laughs> I guess I understand what 645, you're trying to do. 645, 645 yeah. BST. Yeah. I guess so it's should I GMT. go BST or GMT? Well, I don't even know who uses GMT. Should I say UTC? What's UTC? That's the universal time thing. And what is, no, what is the, what is the time that's, currently? That's the same as GMT. Hmm, interesting. Who uses UTC? I don't know. I think GMT is just for Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> Regardless, it'll be 1.45 in Greenwich, Connecticut, 1.45 Eastern Time. But 6.45 in 6.45 in, in the UK, 15 minutes before the main card. Yes. Whatever the main card starts, your time, take off 15 minutes, that's when we're going to be going on. We will be joining you for the final five fights of the evening. And it should be fantastic. we got a lot planned. It should be a lot of fun. Special guests, snacks. Special guests, snacks. Games. Games. Watch man. party. Might open some cards. Might, might open balloons. Cards. Breaking yeah, might packs. Balloons. Breaking packs on the wow. show. You're just going to have to tune in to find out, but it should be a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. Just curious, how come I wasn't invited to join the party? You're going to have to work on that as we go along. We'll see how the first one goes. All right. I see what's happening here. Um, all right. Well, that will be on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep the Helwani chip in the back pocket uh, a la... MJF and uh, you know. Oh wow! Look at that! Wow, that is a deep cut. You've become a big AW fan. Dare I say a stan since we attended? Yeah, my man Orange Cassidy, all Atlantic champ, baby. He's doing a great thing, by the way. I know you like his sort of laissez-faire attitude. He now comes out with the belt in a backpack over one (laughs) shoulder. (laughs) Perfect. That's my guy, OC. With his hand. You know what? I take back everything I said. If you think, by the way, let me just, Frank, make sure they clip this off. If you think that WWE can hold a candle to the AEW product right now, you're an absolute freaking liar. I mean, they are just smashing it. OC, as the champ, walking out, belt in the backpack, MJF cutting that promo, I mean, amazing. And cut. Can you send that out, out to the, the Freakazoids, Frank? You're right on it. Thank you. Uh, El Cubano is leading us off. Ola Ariel, let's fast forward to this weekend and to the long-awaited main event fight between Charles Oliveira and Islam Makhachev. Hypothetically, if Oliveira were to not only win, but do so in spectacular fashion and finish Islam, how would you write his post-fight promo if given the chance? Wow. I actually like this. I, 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 I feel like the wheels are turning right now. Let me just finish the, uh, the question. Do you take advantage of having Habib being present in the corner of his defeated protege in his own backyard and call him out? What? In the corner. Oh, if this is all of it. You know, I kind of like, like it if it's Islam. Anyway, I'll keep reading. Do you call it Volkanovsky for stepping up to the plate? Uh, would you seek the money fight with McGregor? Would you just state your claim as the champion and leave it open? All right. It truly feels like there's just so many ways Charles can decide to take it if he were to remain champion, Viva Hilwani. Um All right. Uh, I will say this. If I'm Charles Oliveira and I win the belt and I'm super hyped on Saturday, there's, there's actually a lot of different routes to take if you're both Charles and Islam. 
But if I'm Charles, I say, and let's just pretend he's, you know, speaking English here. Oh, Charles, you want to fight? Let me tell you something, Joe. They tried to screw me in May. The Arizona Commission, they were crooked as can be. They tried to rob me of something that I earned with my blood, my sweat, my tears. But as you know, the belt don't lie. And in this moment, the belt has come back home like a magnet, like a magnet on a refrigerator. The belt has come back to its rightful owner. They all said that Islam Makhachev had the style to beat me. They all said that he had the kryptonite to beat my Superman. Nope. 12 in a row, Joe. 12 in a row. They've tried to take me down. They said that I was the old Charles Oliveira. They said that I was the 500 Charles Oliveira. I am the greatest lightweight champion of all time. No one has faced the murderer's row that I have faced. And so now we turn our attention, Joe. I don't care if you have another question. We turn our attention to what's next. Because I know you're going to ask me that. Well, I got to tell you, there's a date in January in my country, because for the last three years, I couldn't defend this title in my country. I've had to go and defend the title and fight other people in their country. No more. In January, I'm coming home. Yes. Tell P. Diddy, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. I'm going to defend my title in my country in Brazil. I'm going to go home and I'm going to shower myself in acai and the people are going to serenade me and they are going to fed me. And I would say to anyone out there, take a number. Habib, I just beat your boy. You want some of this? You don't want anything close to this. Stay retired. All right. Conor McGregor, you want some of this? I'm the money fight now. I'll consider you if you beg. Alex Volkanovsky, you've been trying to steal my shine all week here in Abu Dhabi. You want some of this? Great. Come to Brazil. I ain't going to Perth. None of this nonsense of me going to Australia. I'm the champ. It's my belt. It's my division. I'll see you in January. Anyone else? Take a number and call my people for now. I'm going to celebrate on the beaches of Rio de Janeiro. Woo! I mean, that's a good promo, is it not? I feel like that's a pretty damn good promo. Now, if I'm Islam, you know, you 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 say kind of the same thing, um, but wouldn't it be something if Islam then turns on Khabib, like hits him on the back of the head with the belt and said, you've been trying to steal my shine. You think that I'm walking in your footsteps? No, I know he would never do that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but it would be something else. If I'm Islam, it's probably going to be a very emotional um, promo. This is for my team. This is for my family. This is for the late great Abdulmanab. Uh, we are now back on top. The belt would have always stayed with this team if my mentor remained in the uh, in the division in the sport. But now it's my turn to take the baton, to take the mantle, and to be the champion that I've always known that I could be. Everyone, whether it's Volkanovski, whether it's Charles rematch, whether it's Dustin, whether it's Chandler, whether it's Gaethje, whether it's Connor, I don't care. Take a number. I'll see you when I see you. Now, I got to tell you this. If Charles wins, the Volkanovski 55 stuff gets super, super interesting. Gets super interesting because you have to have Charles fight in Brazil. If Makhachev wins, I feel like you could do Islam versus Volkanovski in Australia and have uh, Charles fight, you know, um, in Brazil, just in a regular fight. If Charles wins, then maybe they just do Charles 55 and Volkanovski 45 in Perth. It gets really interesting if Charles wins because as we talked about on Monday, those two events are back-to-back. James says, 
What is up, Ariel? It's finally UFC 280 Fight Week, which feels like we've been looking forward to for a long time now, and it has remained intact pretty amazingly. Uh, but today my question is about the UFC's recent press release that prohibits fighters from betting on any UFC fights. Yes, uh, we reported this on Monday after the show. Now, I understand that in the NFL, NBA, and other major sports leagues, the players are not allowed to bet on anything related to their league or organization. Correct. But man, it just feels like more and more the UFC is taking away things from the fighters while the company is benefiting from that same thing that they are taking away. How much longer until the fighters and or managers actually do something about it, if ever? And we really couldn't think of a better name than Dana White's Power Slap League. Oh, two very juicy topics here from James. First of all, GC is our resident betting expert. What did you make of this uh, news that came out on, when was it, Monday afternoon? That And let me read it for those that may have missed it. This was an internal memo that was sent out to the UFC fighters and managers we are writing to advise you of a change to the UFC athlete conduct policy to which each UFC athlete subscribes under our promotional agreement and or ancillary rights agreement. I'm just going to read the bolded parts of this because it's pretty long. In light of clear direction that we receive from regulators responsible for the regulated sports betting industry. In the United States, we are compelled at this time to recognize in the UFC athlete conduct policy certain restrictions relating to wagering by our athletes, members of their teams, and certain others. In order to assist our athletes in understanding their obligations and the laws of the majority of states in which sports betting is permitted, and in further support of these integrity measures, UFC has incorporated a wagering prohibition into the UFC athlete conduct policy expressly prohibiting athletes from wagering on any UFC match. Note, this policy doesn't prohibit athletes from entering into sponsorship agreements with sports betting companies. UFC athletes may continue to pursue such sponsorships in accordance with applicable law. So, in essence, fighters can no longer bet on not only fights that they're involved in, which, yeah, is super dicey, but any UFC fight ever. Now, you know, you see this all the time. Bet Online, DraftKings, Bet MGM, like they're all over the place, and and fighters are making a lot of money off of these uh, potty match. Um, what's the one in Canada? Uh, Bet Nine Nine, I think it is. Anyway, there's a ton of them, and fighters are making a lot of money. GC, what do you make of this new rule from the UFC? Not only prohibiting the fighters, but everyone associated with them, coaches, etc. Yeah, so. I understand not being able to bet on your own fights, though. I always did love when a fighter would take themselves uh, as kind of like a double down and then they would win. That would be fantastic. But not being able to bet on any fights, period, is is tough because I know that there are fighters out there that like to bet. Like Jordan Levitt uh, has a bet MMA tips profile. I think I've seen uh, Sayud Yukub. Kakramanov posting slips before. So them losing out on the ability to bet on fights, period, uh, I mean, I think that stinks because obviously they they love the sport and betting brings them some enjoyment, makes the fights more fun on the weekend. So that that's rough for them. And then obviously with the team, the first person you think of is James Krause. Yeah, uh, people I mean, were calling it the James Krause rule. Yeah, I mean he's stuff. he's he's got the he's got the the Discord. The, uh, yeah, the Discord, the website set up. You know, he's got all these members. I don't know if he can still give out tips. Like, is that something that he can do and just not take it? But how are you going to police this? Yeah, how do you police this? Like Now, Chris Weidman told me that, and Chris Wade as well, 
they can't bet on DraftKings because they're, I guess, fighters. Like, he can't bet on the NFL. Oh, so he can't bet on any sports. Anything. Like, he's, he's, like, almost been banned from it because it's easier to just, like, not allow him. I don't know how they even know this, police this, but they were talking about it in my mentions. I feel like it's a, t- you know, and I was actually surprised, and kudos to a lot of fighters, um, Casey O'Neill mentioned it. There were a bunch of them that like yeah, retweeted, that. and uh, who's one? I'm, I'm I'm blanking. Jeff Molina was talking about it a lot. A, how are you going to police this? Unless you just go ahead and ban them from using the app, which is tough. But again, it it brings up, you know, once again, are they independent contractors or are they employees? Now, if you're an employee and there's an employee rule book, you have to adhere to it. If you're an independent, con- there's a guy literally coming right now to fix my garage. My garage is broken. That guy told me he's going to be there from 12 to 2. From 12 to 2, once he gets to my house, let's say it's at 1 and he's working there till 2, like, you know, he's working for me. Once he's done the job, I can't tell this guy what to do, where to be, anything like that. That's an independent contractor. UFC fighters continuously are not treated like independent contractors. Now, you see, I didn't really make a big fuss over this. I do feel like the integrity of the sport needs to remain as you know pure as possible. In other words, I do feel a little weird about people betting on their own fights, win or lose, because maybe you have an agreement with another guy. Like, I feel like an appropriate thing would be, yo, you can't bet on your own fight, win or lose. And, 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 and maybe it goes as far as to say, like, you can't bet on your teammate's fight or your training partner's fight. But if Casey O'Neill, for example, I'm just using her because she tweeted about it. If she wants to bet on Olivera Makhachev and she has no ties to that fight, what's wrong with that? I don't get it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Like Josh Allen, he can't bet on Cardinals Vikings, right? No, there's no way. So it's actually interesting that you brought that up in the employee thing. Like my roommate used to be an employee for the NFL. Yeah. And they had a policy where not only could he not bet on the NFL, he couldn't bet on anything. Like he couldn't even NBA? join nothing. Yeah. He couldn't even join our daily fantasy league for the MMA hour. He's wow. like, no, I, I can't do it. It's it's an employee violation. But he was an employee right. of the NFL. Exactly. Not an independent contractor. So that's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. I, I agree. Why why can't Casey O'Neill bet on the main event this weekend? And also, other than just banning them from using all the sites, and and now you're talking about them potentially losing opportunities. Um, and I, I know they say you can still be sponsored. I get it, but maybe someone wants them to bet. I don't know. Show their slips. It's 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 strange to me that they would go that far. I do agree that there should be a line, and I thought the line would be a fight that you're, you know, you're 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 involved in. You have ties to whatever. To me, the, the bigger question is, again, are, are they contractors or are they employees? Time and again, it seems like they're employees. They're told what to wear. They're told where to be. They have to tell their employer, essentially, where they are at all times. They have to be drug tested. Uh, they, they, they now can't bet on fights. They can't have sponsors of their own. Like, And, and the list goes on and on. What, I mean, they're employees. You were going to say something? Does it really stop them from betting or does it stop them from talking about betting and promoting it? But again, if what if, like what Weidman was saying, what if they get banned from all the sites? Right. That would be... And I don't even know how you go about doing that. Well, it seems like all the books have like your personal information, right? Yeah, I guess. Like your license and that sort of thing. Now, what if, and now you have to go around, like it's legal in 31 states, I believe it is now, and, and DC. Now you have to get your wife to do it or something? That's or what I'm saying. Like, like it doesn't actually physically stop them from doing it, but they won't be posting about it. 
I don't know. It's a weird one. And uh, a lot of fighters seem to be a little annoyed. And by the way, I know a lot of fighters who make a lot of money off of betting. Um, now, at least they're not going as far, like you said, your roommate, GC, like at least they could still bet on the NFL, right? Um, at least it's not just like a blanket rule, but it is a tough one. You're fighting for these guys three times, if that, a year, and there's all these restrictions. Now, as far as the Power Slap League is concerned, uh, remember, I reported this months and months ago that they had already filmed fights. They they have broadcasters. They were doing them at the Apex. Dana White is involved. The Fertitas are investing in it. Uh, this is like a new project for them. And the Apex is actually, you know, it's going on and on about the Apex on Monday. The Apex is the perfect venue for something like this. Apex is perfect for contender series, for grappling, for slap fighting, um, not regular UFC fights anymore, at least. Um, and, and hopefully never again with no more pandemics in our lifetime. That being said, how do I feel about all this? Very interesting question. You cannot tell me anymore. Look, I, I don't watch. I, I see a bunch of clips here or there. I don't think that this is going to become a thing. I don't think it has the longevity. I don't think there's enough interest. It is very, very niche. And it almost feels like it's built for TikTok or Instagram, right? It's built to have that, you know, one minute, if that highlight, and that's it. I can't see people getting emotionally invested in stories, in fighters, in feuds, in rivalries. It's, first of all, there's enough out there in terms of fighting, boxing, wrestling, kickboxing. People aren't going to get into it. At least that's my opinion. Uh, it's interesting though, you know, they made this big stink about getting into boxing, Zufa boxing, never took off because there's already a century-long system in place where boxers are making a lot of money. And so they realize, gosh, we can't, you know, have the same restrictions that we do in the world of UFC and then bring it over to boxing. Let's bring it to something that's in its infancy and, you know, try to dominate that world. All right, cool. Uh, good luck with that. That being said, you can never talk to us about your, um, your interest and your passion and your desire to keep fighters as healthy as possible and to shy away from brain trauma and brain injury and CTE and concussions and then go and promote slap fighting. Because in the sport of fighting like boxing, MMA, uh, defense is paramount, right? Like you're, you're supposed to not try to get hit. Of course, knockouts, all that type of stuff, they're promoted. But ultimately what we want are for the fighters to be safe and healthy. Here, there's nothing else. Defense is not promoted. There is no defense. You just have to take it. You just have to literally take it and hope that you don't get knocked out. So look, it's one thing for the UFC or to, you know, for Dana White and, and the Fertitas to want to get behind it. God bless. You can try to do as many businesses as possible. I do think it's really interesting that the Nevada Athletic Commission, which is supposed to be, you know, the government, uh, an independent body, if you will, that they've approved it. Now, obviously, we know that there are very close ties between uh, Nevada and the UFC. There's a reason why Bellator doesn't go to Nevada. There's a we reason why PFL isn't going to Nevada um, anymore. There's a reason why pretty much no major MMA promotion will go there. Uh, it's it's UFC country, and that's fine. They were there first. Them's the rules, right? That's how the game is played. But now, you know, are are they gonna? Were they going to sanction this if it was some other guy coming in? Um, I don't know. I, I, I wonder. And I wonder how they feel about, you know, when they talk to us about safety, health and safety and all that stuff, feels a little hypocritical to then say, all right, we're going to take this thing, sanction it, and let people get nailed in the head. 
repeatedly. Um, let's see how they regulate it. I personally don't think that there's longevity. I don't think there's enough interest. It's, it feels like something that you see on Instagram or TikTok and be like, that's awesome. Let's sink our teeth into this. And then, you know, over time, we're like, eh, you know, it's just a thing where people are slapping each other really, really hard. Um, I don't know. Do you guys like it? Do you guys watch it? GC, you watch this? Nah, I, I don't know how into it I would get. I, I kind of agree with you. I'd probably watch one or two and then I, you know, I mean, once how you've many seen times? a few, you kind of fade off. Yeah, like the beauty of MMA. There's the grappling, there's there's the Muay Thai, there's, you know, in boxing, there's the defense, there's the offense, there's the highs, there's the lows. This is just repeated slaps. And 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 uh, James is asking, is there a better name? Well, they can't call it slap fighting because that's probably trademarked by someone and they want to trademark their own name. So Dana White's Power Slap League, which again, you know, he's the big star, just like Contender Series, attach his name to it, his brand. Um, but I'm curious if they have success. You know, they've, they tried to do the boxing reality show, didn't work out. This, you know what this feels like? If, if you're an old school wrestling fan, this feels like when Vince McMahon got into the world of bodybuilding. Vince McMahon had his own bodybuilding league, the IBF and the International Bodybuilding Federation, and they promoted the hell out of it. And of course, later on, the XFL too. And what happened to those two? You know, just because you were successful at one thing doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful at another thing. Sometimes it's best to be, you know, focus on that thing. Stick to your bread and butter. Now, they've already won this race. They're successful. So God bless for trying to do something else. Uh, it isn't boxing. It's slap fighting. I, I don't have the um, the confidence that it's going to be a thing. I'm not that bullish on it, but what the hell do I know? I just think in this day and age where concussions brain injury, CTE, all that stuff seem to be the hot topics that everyone is quote-unquote worried about in positions of power. Um, now you're going to introduce this. Feels like a bit of a uh, hypocritical stance. Uh, my old friend TST asks, so you say that the UFC chooses to stay at the apex for financial reasons. Can we dig into that a little more? Is it actually more profitable to stay at the apex than go on the road? I'm probably totally off here, but let's just say it costs the UFC $200,000 to put on an apex show. Does it even cost that much? I mean, they own the building. All the uh, the staff members are theirs. I don't even know if it would cost that. I mean, turn on the lights, this, that, and the other. And of course, there's travel involved, but there'd be tra- 200,000 seems like a lot, but all right. Uh, and they bring in 500,000. Uh, and I don't even know if that's the number. But anyway, when they go to Orlando, sure, it'll cost them a million to put it on, but they'll bring in $2 million in profits. Yeah, maybe. I mean, not all of those fight nights are making two, 2 million. There was a time when they were making 500, 600, 700,000 in uh, gate revenue. So they spend more to go on the road, but also make more in return. Does it work anything like that? Or am I totally off? Look. They own that building, the hotel they've rented out. Now, they had them go to different hotels, but it's like, you know, they're, they're either staying at the Fertitta Hotel, the, the Red Rock, or somewhere nearby. All, they don't have to travel any of the staff members. They all live in Las Vegas. Everything is there, the lighting, the cage, the production, the control, like the, 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 the set, the pre and post, like it's all there. And let me just be very clear about the Apex. I think the Apex is one of the smartest things that the UFC has ever built. I think it's one of the greatest investments they ever built, including the PI as well. Like those two things, who would have ever thought that they'd be in a position where they had to use it because of a a pandemic? So let me be very clear. It's a brilliant thing. WWE has their own version of it called the Performance Center, and uh, it's smart for them to have it as well. 
what I don't like is now that we've, you know, gotten out there and the world is open and all this stuff, ESPN is paying them for 43 events, give or take one or two, um, a year. And they get paid pretty well. It's the greatest TV deal that they've ever had, over a billion dollars. Until ESPN, essentially, who who are the ones that are kind of dictating this deal, of course, they have other broadcast partners. But until ESPN says, look, we want a better product. We want the glitz, the glamour, the hype, the, the, the atmosphere. We want that back. UFC is going to stay at the apex. Now, maybe it'll be less and less shows, but once, twice a month, they're going to be at the apex. Uh, because the UFC is like, yo, we're good to stay here. And, and my impression as of right now is that the brass at ESPN actually doesn't mind, that they're thankful for the apex. The apex kept it going in the, uh, in the pandemic days. Don't speak ill of it. So until they say, mm, guys, we, we, you know, this is an ESPN product, you turn on top-ranked boxing, you turn on matchroom boxing, you turn on you know, PBC, you turn on pro wrestling, you turn on college football, you turn on baseball, basketball, football, hockey, it's all in packed arenas. Why are we still doing this? Until that happens, and I don't see it happening right now, they're going to stay at the apex because they're saving a lot of money and they're making all that money from the broadcast deals, not having to take the show on the road. It is very expensive to take that show on the road. First of all, marketing, ticket sales, um, uh, the 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 crew, the the arena rental, the you know to 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 put in everything your your grid, your lighting, your your cage, build all that stuff, unload, pack the TV trucks. I mean, it costs millions of dollars to do this. I, I think TSD, you know, classic minimalist move is uh, doing this very very cheaply. It's a very expensive proposition. Now they're making a lot of money off of it. Make no mistake about it. They're getting money to do all this, but. You could stay in your home base. Dana always used to mention the people, the lazy people out there who want to stay home and do, uh, you know, meetings via Zoom in their in their pajamas. I'm sorry, but doing events at the apex at this point is equivalent to doing your meetings at home via Zoom in your pajamas. Am I wrong? Am I being a hater for saying You're that? Not wrong. Am I being a hater? It's like you can't talk, you can't say anything anymore without being called a hater. What's the difference? Tell me what's the difference. There's no difference. Uh, Adriano. Hi, Ariel. Two wrestling questions this week for you. Wanted to get your thoughts on this past episode of AEW with MJF and William Regal. Do you think it's a shoot or is AEW making MJF have creative control over his last year of the contract? Second question is, heading into WrestleMania, Jay Uso turns on Roman by bringing back the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, the people's champion, The Rock. Hope you do it in his voice. <laughs> is that a possibility? Just kind of confused about where the bloodline storyline is going. Surely they won't let Jay turn on Roman at Crown Jewel and let Logan Paul win the title, will they? And then, uh, all right, there's a follow-up there. Let me answer the first part first. Uh, like I said this morning, MJF, right now the two most entertaining people in wrestling, if you ask me, are MJF and Sami Zayn. Uh, and I think, I, I threw this out there, if I was a part of a draft where every wrestler under the sun was available and I was starting a new promotion. It was like this expansion draft, but everyone was available. Who would my first pick be? It would be MJF, Maxwell Jacob Freeman. He's 26. He is unbelievable on the mic. He's the one guy, and there are several, but like he is the guy who is taking the sport, I feel like, the industry, the business, to a different place where we haven't seen it go in quite some time. He reminds me of a prime... Roddy Piper, he never 
breaks kayfabe. He always blurs the line. The stuff that he's doing with the contract, which again, why it was so frustrating that Tony wouldn't talk about it was he's talking about it on their show. So if that's okay, which we know a lot of that is wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but it's brilliant. Uh, the bidding war of 2024, it's all brilliant. And it's stuff no one has done in a very, very long time, if ever. He's an unbelievable talent. Now, of course, there are other people that I would you know, look at as well. Um, he's amazing. Sami Zayn is amazing. Bray Wyatt is amazing. Uh, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, um, Montez Ford, um, Hook. I mean, there's an incredible amount of young talent right now. Uh, but I just think MJF, like you see that seg- that segment yesterday with William Regal. Why was it so great? There was passion. There was authenticity. But it felt real. He was talking about real things. The email that he got when he was turned down. Regal being, you know, old and recently fired and being like this gnat who won't go away and the rest, like it was all tremendous. That's why we love wrestling. When Bray Wyatt comes out on Friday and starts talking about the past year and how depressed he was, you're not sure, is this real? Is it not? Is it a work or a shoot? And so again, when I spoke last week about the WWE product being better, that can change every week. Right now, they're on a hot streak. But, you know, talk to me in three weeks and that will change. Just like I said, and why I thought it was so funny that people were so mad about what I said when I said a month ago, two months ago, that the AEW product was infinitely better. It always changes. And that's why it's fun to have two great promotions. And that's what I wish we had in MMA, where if we had Bellator on fire, PFL on fire, one championship, someone on fire to push the UFC to not do events at the Apex, to not rest on their laurels, to not be lazy, that would be great. But they don't have to because no one's nipping at their heels right now. WWE has AEW nipping at their heels. And so you have to push the envelope. You have to come up with interesting, fun, different storylines. You have to bring back guys like Bray Wyatt and 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 other big names that they let go. You have to be on top of your game. Um, so, you know, I know no one listened to that or just chose to not pay attention to that. Just like I know they didn't actually watch the whole Triple H interview because I did ask them a lot of the things that they said I didn't ask. Just like I know they didn't watch the entire Tony Khan interview. So I don't get too worked up over all that stuff. But it was a little bit like, am I living in some sort of bizarre world here? Anyway, uh, that was amazing theater. And I highly, highly, highly suggest that you check it out if you missed it. As far as the second question is concerned, I don't think there should be any worry regarding the bloodline. The bloodline is in a great spot right now. Um, because you have the whole Sami Zayn dynamic and at some point you'd think they are going to turn on him, but I wouldn't do it anytime soon because it's going so well and it's probably the most interesting thing on WWE. Oh, Seth Rollins is another name, Kevin Owens, um, on WWE. So no, I would have Roman definitely beat Logan and I would keep this going until WrestleMania. The, the rock doesn't need anyone to bring him back. Uh, you know, it, it could be a thing where Roman starts just like, abusing the bloodline and, and beating up Jay and, and being mean to, um, you know, Solo and all this stuff. And then The Rock is like, enough of this crap. You're not the head of the table. I am. I'm the tribal chief. Like, you don't need any reason to bring back The Rock. So I wouldn't worry about all of that. Tammy Zane is incredible in that story. Um, Perry says, this morning you had a tweet about who you would start a wrestling promotion with and chose MJF. What's your reasoning behind this and why are you not acknowledging the head of the table, Roman Reigns? He's a hell of a lot younger. I I feel like that's the thing that some people miss. Um, You're starting a promotion. You want someone who's going to be around for 10 to 15 years. Is Roman going to be around for 10 to 15 years? Well, maybe in wrestling, but he's in his, you know, mid thirties. So you got to go with the younger star with the massive upside um, in his uh, in his favor, and I just think he's incredible on the mic. 
I think he's absolutely incredible on the mic. I think he is just, he is riveting. Anytime I come across anything MJF related, interview, promo, match, I'm watching it. That's my rule. He is just amazing. Uh, Danny, uh, my dear friend, Ariel. One last thing on, on uh, that AEW thing. Can I, can I say one more thing, Frank, if I may? Absolutely. I saw a lot of people say, Ariel, didn't you know he couldn't answer any of... And people are going to be like, ah, oh, he's so mad. He's so mad. I'm really not mad. I think this is a fascinating discussion to have. But I have been seeing a lot of people say, didn't you know he couldn't answer any of those questions because it was a legal matter? It was a legal matter. I kept hearing this thing, legal, so legal, 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 legal. My follow-up to that is, A, how do you guys know it's a legal matter? Have you been told it's a legal matter by who? Have you been told by some wrestling websites or were you told by AEW? Were you told in a statement? Were you told by Tony Khan? Were you told by anyone involved? Were you told by the brass? Were you told by Tony Khan? I've not seen any of that. So how do you know for certain that there's an investi- a legal investigation? And by the way, if it's an internal investigation, if it's a third-party investigation, if it's a Warner Brothers discovery investigation, that's not a legal matter. That's an internal thing that they're dealing with. So there's nothing legal about that. Until someone comes out and tells me that there's a legal investigation, that the police, and I believe actually the police in Chicago has already said, correct me if I'm wrong, that they are not investigating this. What's the sort of legal component to all of this? And if there is, like, I, I saw something with Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole on video. I saw a clip of it. What happened two days later? Steve Kerr talks about it. Draymond talks about it. The Warriors put out a statement about it. Everyone spoke about it. That, I mean, what's the difference between that and that? What's the difference between what we think happened in Chicago, the alleged incident that we have no footage of, and the actual incident that we have footage of? That's how... You handle those situations. You come out, you say what you want to say, and then you move on and say you're not talking about it anymore. But to just say it's a legal thing when no one has actually told us or confirmed with us that there's an actual legal investigation going on, where's the proof? Is it like wrestlingwebsite.com that reported it? And if so, what's the status of said legal investigation? And even if there is a legal investigation, why can't you talk about it? Why can't you say anything about it? And oh, by the way, as I mentioned multiple times, the only thing that had any sort of legality attached to it was the punk question, which maybe was 90 seconds of a hour and 15 minute interview. The rest, nothing legal. So I think it's funny how everyone's defending their guy. And I actually appreciate that loyalty. I respect it. But you're all off base. You're a liar if you thought that was a good interview. Uh, Danny. My dear friend Ariel, what are your thoughts on Dana's comments comparing this Suga versus Peter fight to Connor versus Aldo? Sounds like he's looking to build Suga up for the moment of all moments and almost setting Peter up for a catastrophic defeat. Let's say he is right. How do you see the TJ versus Aldo fight panning out? And what chances do you give Suga against either of those guys with the belt on the line? Shout out to GC Frank and Rick as well. Let's get the parlay pals back on the straight and narrow. I'm going to go as far as to say I'm guaranteeing victory this weekend. I'm taking a page out of Patrick Ewing's book, and I'm going to guarantee victory. Now, did Dana really say this, GC? Have you seen these comments comparing Sugar Piotr versus Conor Aldo? Or yeah. to Conor versus Aldo? I want to say it was in an interview with Robbie Fox. Now, I can't believe that he would actually... Connor. I think he was saying in terms of Suga's capability of becoming a superstar, like he is saying that if he beats Piotr Jan, especially in emphatic fashion on Saturday, 
Like he is going to explode even more than he already has. So I see a quote here. It is with uh, the great Robbie Fox of Barstool Sports. Quote, there was this comparison recently where Sean O'Malley said, I would love to be the next Conor McGregor and be a big global superstar. Well, it's about winning key fights. He's already got that thing that people like about him. Now it's about winning the key fights. This fight for him is like Conor's Jose Aldo fight. All right. So again, I feel like I'm being sort of baited here a little bit to crap on Dana, but I feel like the actual quote matters. I disagree with the notion that this is the same for Sugar. It's a big deal, but it's not for the belt. It's not against the current champion. I think you could say... Connor, prior to that, you know, he fought Dustin, wasn't a former champion. Dennis Seaver wasn't a former champion. This feels more like Chad Mendez, but he wasn't a former champion either. But it was for the interim belt. And that felt a little... I mean, no. Aldo is in Peter Young. I feel like that's disrespectful to... Peter, but guess what? He's a promoter and he's supposed to promote things so that you and I talk about it and debate it and, uh, you know, get all worked up over it. That's what a promoter is supposed to do. So yes, I do believe if Sugar wins and, and, and especially if it's in emphatic fashion, I believe that they will justify a title shot. And uh, by the way, I wouldn't mind a title shot. I wouldn't care if there's, I think it's, it's, it's warranted. Now, that would be against either TJ Aljo. I think he probably has a better chance against TJ. Aljo with the wrestling, with the grappling, you know, might give him a hard time. I think there's a lot of questions. It's not even, it's like there's no point in actually trying to break all this down because there's so many different permutation permutations. If, if Jan wins and Aljo wins, I don't know if they go back to that well right away. If... O'Malley wins and either guy wins, then I think they'll give him a title shot. It's a big fight. It's the biggest fight on the biggest stage of his career. I think it's a little much to compare it, but I get why he would do that. And it's fine. Nothing to get worked up over. Abey. Hello, Ariel. Dana said the Jan versus O'Malley fight winner gets the next title shot. I understand O'Malley's star power, but where does Marlon Chito Vera fit into all of this? Um, yeah, I, if I'm Marlon, I'm a little bit worked up, but you know, maybe it's Corey next and he's one away. Since losing to Vera, O'Malley beat three guys outside the top 20, Drew with Munoz, I'd argue consecutive wins versus Grant Edgar and Font and Cruz, uh, should put Vera ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, you know, I love, uh, Cheeto. So also if Yan and Sterling win, I can't see a trilogy happening. I agree. And I, I kind of think it's too soon. I, by the way, can I just say something? I would love to see Jan versus Marab. There's some real heat there with Jan and Marab. I even saw Jan say hello to Aljo and then kind of give Marab the cold shoulder. Like, I think there could be, I mean, and there's obviously the historical geographical um, backstory as well. That would be a fascinating one. Also from a stylistic standpoint, he obviously wasn't very complimentary of Marab. And there's Triple C. P.S. I say this as a huge Aljo fan. I think he should stop reading the comment section. Couldn't agree more. Much love, your boy Bay. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. The quote, retweets and all that, especially on Fight Week, like, man, put the phone away for your own sake, for your own sanity. Barbershop Vince says, hey, mate, first time subscriber, long time content consumer from Perth, Western Australia. Do you believe 
the UFC will be able to convince Islam to fight Volk in Perth. Shall he be successful this weekend? Although they'll fight in the morning here, it's not an ideal time slot for his main fan base. And it's a huge distance to travel from the UAE or Dagestan. I, th- I think they will. Um, you know, obviously he's got Ali by his side and I'm sure Ali's going to do what's best for his client. But uh, I think they will. But I, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but I, I think that they'll be able to convince him. Where it gets really interesting is if Charles wins. Uh, thanks for all that you and the team do. It keeps me sane whilst working away from home in the mines. Wow. God bless, my friend. Thank you. Daniel. Word up, Ariel. If Charles beats Islam, do you think he is the genuine lightweight GOAT? Eh, consider not only the finishes, the 11 win streak, but also most submissions in UFC history. He's in the discussion. I don't know. Personally, I don't think his early losses should count against him. If he had been beating Cairns in a small organization, would that really make his legacy any better? Stylistically, I would say Islam is the hardest matchup for him, 100%. Also, oat milk is disgusting. Oats don't even have nipples. Wow. I saw a video of someone like breaking down all the different types of oat, almond, rice, pea milk. Frank, did you know there was pea milk? Yeah, there has been pea milk in my house. Have you tried it? I refuse to. There's just something about pea milk that kind of turns me off. Oats. And like the branding for it. Like they're going all in with the whole pea thing. Yeah. How, like just, like is, aren't peas a vegetable? Yeah. Doesn't work for me. That I draw the line. I used to be a big rice milk guy, but that was like a long that was like 15 years ago. Is oat your king for non-dairy right now, milks? Depends. Depends on the brand. It's a little sweet, don't you think? I'd say almond is sweeter than oat. Yeah, I go I go plain oat if I'm gonna do oat. I can't lie, I think I've I think uh, oat has officially passed skim milk for me. Ah, uh, skim milk, gross. Yeah, not much going on there. I had a bowl of cereal the other night with skim milk. It's and like I was water. Like, yes, yeah, you're a big yeah, we, cereal at night guy. Oh man, love cereal, especially at night. I think it might be better at night than it is in the morning. What's the what brand are we eating? That night it was Frosted Flakes. I oh, mean, we're going to old school go. like sugar cereal. Oh, what do you think I'm eating? Bran flakes or something? Yeah. No, puffins. Oh, God, no, no puffins? You know, I love puffins. If I'm going to eat cereal, it's going to be like a dessert. My go-to all-time favorite is Reese's Puffs. Wow. Love a good Captain Crunch. Love a good Cinnamon Fruit Toast Crunch. Fruit Loops are all right. I'm more of the... Uh, Fruity Pebbles? Fruity Pebbles are all right. I would rather go Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles. Count- Reese's Puffs, though. Just look for the bright orange box. That's what I'm going for every time. Count Chocula? Eh, not as big on that. You ever have oatmeal squares? No. You can't just make up cereal. No, that's a great one. So uh, if I, Special K is good. They try to pass that off as healthy. but K New York, right? No. Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, the I forgot. Yeah, he says that's king. What a nut. Yeah, that is weird. Um, I don't even know how we started talking about this, but it's all very weird. Uh, Ahmad. Salam alaikum, Ari. Wa alaikum salam. Two quick questions. If TJ wins the belt in Abu Dhabi, is he the 35 goat? You know, he said this. Let me see here, TJ Dillashaw. Now, here's the thing. He's lost. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. How many title defenses? So, he wins the belt against Baral. He defends it against Soto. He defends it against Baral. And then he loses to Cruz. Then he wins the belt back against Garbrandt. So, wins the belt against Baral. Defends against Soto, defends against Brow, loses to Cruz. Then he wins a couple years later against Garbrandt, defends against Garbrandt, and then loses to Cejudo. But that was at 25 gets. So in total, three title defenses in total. 
Dominic wins the WEC bantamweight title, which I'm going to consider the same because there was no UFC bantamweight title and he was fighting a who's who, beats Joseph Benavidez in 2009, defends against Bowles, defends against Benavidez, defends against Jorgensen, defends against Faber, defends against DJ. That's five, got stripped because of the injuries, never lost, beats Mizugaki, beats TJ, regains the belt, beats Faber, successfully defends it, loses to Cody. Loses to... I'm, I think it's... I think TJ is great. Obviously, the issue will, you know, always the 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 PD issue will always follow him. My vote is Dominic Cruz. Number two, do you think this year's UFC pay per views have been lackluster compared to twenty twenty one? Much love to you and the boys. Um, I mean, there's still a couple left. Obviously, we'll see what happens with two eighty two. I feel like they're pretty equal. What do you guys think? Uh, these were the pay per views last year. Corey McGregor, big time. Usman Burns, Apex. Uh, March pay-per-view was Miocha Chinganu. That was a pretty good one. Actually, there were two in March. Bohovic Adesanya, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, Usman Masvidal was stacked. That was in uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a little. Yeah, I mean, you were missing some big names. So maybe a little bit, but not by a lot. Anytime you don't have Connor fighting for an entire year, it's going to take a bit of a hit. Uh, Andres, Shalom Ariel, question for GC this week. Nice. Since UFC 280 is an early start time for us on the EST time zone, not GMT, EST, I'm curious to know what GC has planned for food this weekend. Wow. Little did he know. Uh, traditional UAE breakfast slash lunch. What's the plan this weekend, GC? Side note, I really hope the Parlay Pals get back on track this weekend or else we might need to start a GoFundMe page so Frank can afford his next haircut. Wow. Much love to you all. <laughs> As wrong. always, there's no show like the MMA Hour. Unbelievable question. Is there a traditional UAE breakfast lunch? Oh, is is there anything I could go to? Oh, let me tell you something. Uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, visiting the Middle East on many occasions and Abu Dhabi in particular. I mean, the food there and in particular the breakfast. Uh, the hotel that we stayed at in Abu Dhabi was five star plus and the lebne. You ever have lebne? No, never even heard of it. Oh, it's tremendous. It's like a yogurt. You ever have olives? Yes. But you uh, never yeah. had, have you, have you had med- like Mediterranean olives? Uh, like Kalamata olives? Mm, not the same. Not the same. Those are very sort of uninformed statement on your part. That's that's a little <laughs> Greek. That's a little Greek. Uh, have you ever had uh, Manushe Bezatar? No. Oh, you're missing out. You, have you ever had Zatar? No. Zata bread. Yeah, you everything you, that you're saying right now, it's the first time I've ever even the uh, words have ever even hit my ear. Wow. I mean so I much, would love to try all of this. A Middle Eastern, yes. Someone needs Saturday. to tell G C where he could get a good Middle Eastern breakfast. There has to be some Andy is shaking her head emphatically, yes, that she's got me covered. There we go. Is that what I'm gonna do before I come in here? So that's the thing. You know, far be you know, I wasn't included in any of these plans, but maybe a nice little spread, you know. That's what I was hoping for. Can we get a little baklava? Oh. You know? Now we're really talking. Can we get a little... Uh, I was thinking some throw some Eggos in the toaster, you know. Wow. Waffle and coffees wow. with, with some morning fights. But it sounds like we're going to have to do this big. 
No, 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 no. no. So you stop by in the morning area with all of these goods. Can we get a little sachlab? You know? You find me where to buy it, I'm going to buy it. I'll get it delivered There's got to be a place. Saturday. Someone hit up GC at Connor Burks on Twitter, Instagram. Tell them where to go on uh, Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh of course. Uh, New York Rick with the great call. You got to go to maybe my favorite restaurant outside of the city. As we've already discussed, outside of the, in the city, it's Sasabune, right? We've talked about this. You went, you had a great time. Cafe Mogador in Williamsburg is that spot. I was literally just describing a Mogador breakfast. I used to live uh, five blocks from Cafe Mogador in Brooklyn. I'm assuming neither of you have been. Andy, have you been? been? Anyone? No. Oh, it's just Those amazing. By the way, if you can make it over to Mogador on a Saturday morning, Frankie, heaven must be like this. No, 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 so, Frankie. We meet at Mogador uh, Saturday morning before we come in here. Yes, I'm talking early, bright and early. Get your paper, get your coffee. Yes, Cafe Mogador. Uh, jet over here. Here, you know, 30 minutes before the fight starts, <laughs> and then 10 o'clock, we're we're kicking it off. Yes. No. No. Really? really? You, this is actually. An, this is, what are we cutting close? Yeah. What are you cutting close? You got a late Friday night planned? I do actually. Wow. This guy with his plans. Smashing peas, late night Fridays. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird. Let me tell you something. If you can't do it on Saturday, do it Sunday. It's very busy. And and make sure you sit in the back. The back is just divine. I actually uh, celebrated my 30th birthday there way back in the day. Yesterday, I was doing uh, some video thing with um, a woman. I don't think I could say who it was or what it was for. But anyway... I've never felt older than in that moment. I was talking to her. She's in the world of baseball, and I was talking to her about the Expos in 2004. She had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, I'm not that old. Am I that old? Am I, am I that guy now who's talking about Vladimir Guerrero's dad? And I was watching his dad play, and I guess I'm that old. And now I just said I celebrated my 30th birthday, and that was 10 years ago. I guess I'm old now. Am I the old guy now? Like, Can I not get away with the same stuff that I got away with a few years ago? I feel like for the longest time I was the young guy. You might be past the threshold. No. Wow. See, anyway, the fact that that offends you is a sign that you're past the threshold. I feel great. Going to a trainer twice a week. Never been stronger. Lifting weights, doing burpees, all kinds of things. Can almost do one pull-up. I've almost hit that mark. I hate to keep going back to this. Yeah. Uh, Cafe Mogador it's has incredible. a Manhattan location now. Wow. What? See, that right near things. here, Frank. Where, no way. Where? Where? Can we get talked into that? I mean, Where? it's easier to get to than Williamsburg. It's well, it's in the Bowery. Point. It's not right near here, but it's, this is something we could do for sure. That's easier. Wow. So, Ariel, right, why don't you just see you Saturday up morning. the Ariel Mobile and bring us a whole catering spread? Yeah, I would love to. We got soccer Saturday. Big day of soccer. Actually, three games on Sunday. It's a little tournament. Um, I know we're talking Saturday, but uh, listen, I can't vouch for the Manhattan location. Never been. The Williamsburg one is tremendous. Go get a little coffee afterwards, a little cappuccino. Check out the Smorgasburg. Have you been to the Smorgasburg? No. Neither of you? No, I've been told about it many times by uh, Ariel Awani, though. I mean, are you even living in Brooklyn if you're not going to the Smorgasburg? Lewis, hi, Ariel. The last two UFC Apex events, UFC Apex 61 and Apex 62, I think that's another reason why I hate the Apex is, is because they call it UFC Vegas and... 
you know, there's been a hundred more events in Vegas. All of a sudden, we're supposed to ignore those events. Like, what's up with that? Uh, had main events between top women, top 10 women in their weight divisions. One is coming up in 10 minutes, by the way, Alexa Grasso. And there have been a couple of women's pay-per-view events since then, main events, uh, since 2020, UFC 277, Pena versus Nunes 2, 250, Nunes Spencer. What do you think could be the next women's matchup that could potentially headline a pay-per-view event? What about Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko? If Charles Oliveira loses, and all of a sudden you have a situation where you need a big main event title fight for 283. Nunes, Shevchenko, Moreno, Figueredo, four right underneath Nunes, Shevchenko. Now, okay, let me ask you guys. If you got Nunes, Shevchenko, three on the same bill as Moreno, Figueredo, four, what's the main event? <sighs> wow. I say I'm going to go, oh. You say Moreno, Figueredo? I'm going to go Moreno, Figueredo, yeah. No, I see. I mean, the trilogy, champion versus champion. Quadrilogy. Is that the word? Yeah, but it's champion versus champion. Well, that's champion versus champion too. Interim versus... Uh, hmm. No, I say you got to go with it. You got to go with the women. Are we going to get three title fights that night? I think it's possible. I definitely think it's possible. Uh, gym leader Tom. Hello, Ariel. I, well, now that there's no Glover Yuri. And by the way, that's true. They wanted Yuri to go to Brazil, and he said no. Is Yuri the most fascinating guy in MMA right now? He's got to be up there, yeah. I mean, you go three days without Three days in the dark light with no food? food? I mean, I want to ask him that picture that he took. seemed like there was light in there, but I guess if there was a flash. Also, who took the picture? He said he was by himself. Right. What about bathroom? Also, I noticed some books. Did you notice books to his right? Yeah, how do you read in the dark? Yeah. Anyway, uh, gym leader Tom. Hello, Ariel. I personally don't like how the UFC frequently does immediate rematches of championship fights, whether it be the likes of long-term champs Nunes Pena, likely Edwards Usman. Did you, I saw this one thing where Ali said that uh, Usman is open to fighting Leon Edwards in England next. I was like, what? I don't know if it's his call anymore, you know? Anyway, or short-term, short Yuri Glover. To me, it just feels like hitting the reset button, even though the pay-per-view buys may go up. Why is it they look to book these more frequently than just embracing a new champion and giving up top contenders a rightful shot? I mean, sometimes it's a situation, in this case, where you have Nunes and Usman, who obviously deserve it because they were champions for a long time. The Glover one, I think the fight was so good, there wasn't a clear-cut number one. He's a legend. He's going to retire. Every situation is different, but they don't always go back to the well. I get what you're saying. Moreno, Figueredo. I don't know. They're going for the biggest fight. Taco Enthusiast. Hi, Ariel. I couldn't agree more with your comments regarding fights at the Apex. Thank you. And the long-term implications for the UFC of holding events without fans. It's so frustrating to shell out thousands of dollars a year on ESPN Plus and pay-per-view to then be rewarded with noiseless, soulless, subpar cards. You tell them, Taco. The UFC will be king for quite some time, but I really feel like their mafia-esque business decisions, his words, not mine, all right, are creating a ton of opportunity for the PFL if run correctly. I mean, they got a long ways to go. To fill a gap and create an even more fan-driven product. Do you see the PFL becoming a legitimate competitor in the next 10 years? 
10, I mean, a lot can happen in 10 years. Thanks, and GC, how about them Falcons? Don't drop your fandom. Are you officially done with the Falcons? Absolutely not. That is, I am with the Bills for one year, one year only. We're riding this Super Bowl ticket out. How about my Falcons? Not only are they 3-3 three and three exceeding everybody's expectations, they're 6-0 and oh against the spread. Wow. Marcus Mariota, he's, he's back to his Heisman days, 13 for 14 on Sunday. An absurdity to say that I've deserted the Falcons. I'm just hitching my Super Bowl ticket to the we Bills. We appreciate this year. that. We appreciate. We need Bob all Miller the support. Miller jersey. I'm only here yeah. for one year. All right, you're not here for a long time. You're here for a good time. By the That's way, why it. were they drinking beer after their last win? Everyone was making a big deal about that. Yeah, they made an agreement that if they won and they rushed for over a hundred yards, the offensive line and head coach Arthur Smith could go to like the club level bar and drink beers before they go to the locker room. Really? Yeah, and it happened, so they did it. That's pretty amazing. Do you like their owner? Arthur Blank? Yeah. Legend, oh, yeah. right? Legend. Atlanta? Atlanta United brought us a title with them. Almost Didn't he got fly the out the Bowl. entire organization when they made it to the Super Bowl a couple years yeah. ago? That was a big thing? Yeah. Like, everyone? Secretaries? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, an Atlanta legend. Home Depot and everything. Does he a lot owns Home Depot? Yeah, that's how he got all his money. Wow. Good for him. Great mustache, too. Oh, yeah, great mustache, great suits, great guy. Yeah. Never met him, though. <laughs> that is dry. I've never met him. <laughs> it's just like it's automatic at this point. It's, it's incredible. By the way, did you guys know, I can't believe this. I just read this. Did you guys know that Mr. Rogers used to be in the Navy? Tatted up. Yeah, just sniper. Like, sniper. Sniper but... killed. I never knew that. That's crazy. Um, just like a whole other life that we never knew about. Used to drink before the show. He was completely like wasted. It's crazy. It's all in the movie. It's in the movie. Never saw the movie. You had to read him his lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, PFL, still a ways to go. Uh, I don't think the UFC is uh, too bothered by their presence. Witness the fact that, you know, they just like let Aspen Ladd go and all these people. But uh, look, you you, got to keep it consistent. Um, You got to keep building, making money sponsorship, ticket sales. That's the one thing. Like, I don't know if they're making a ton off ticket sales and they're paying out a lot, especially in the championship fights. So let's see. Still not ready to, you know, bury the likes of Bellator as well. Big money. Ariel, really enjoyed your Bills game recap rant last week, but was shocked to hear of your first blue cheese experience in Buffalo. Even the boys in the back were appalled when we all heard the dreaded ranch over blue cheese interview reply. Classic no-no in Western New York, to say the least. Thankfully, I rescinded and I, I apologize for my error. So I hope you all saw that. Wings, especially buffalo wings in Buffalo, can only be enjoyed with blue cheese respectfully. The chunkier, the better. I noticed that too. A lot of chunk tasted nothing like blue cheese in a salad. Just wondering if you received any backlash about this in the following days. Did the official Bills IG unfollow you? We can forgive, but probably won't forget. Thanks and go Bills. Hashtag blue cheese gate. No, I think this was a great lesson to everyone involved. I got ahead of it. I uh, I spoke about it before the video even came out. So I think that it's a lesson to anyone who's aired, who's a cheater, whatever. It's like Andy Pettit. When he got caught, he came out. And I don't think people remember him in the same light as, you know, those people who are deniers like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, etc. I came out. I said, mea culpa, my bad. I miss, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm mistaken. I've uh, aired. I didn't know what it was. I misspoke. I was out of turn, all right? Uh, so if anything, I've received more praise for my integrity 
And it feels like I've really been embraced by the good people of uh, Buffalo and Western New York in general, the 716, if you will. And of course, uh, we all know that there's only one team in the great state of New York who is playing in the NFL right now, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Shout out to Nottingham Forest, by the way. Big draw yesterday against Brighton. Uh, the, the ship is being steered as we speak. But no, no backlash. You know, Bills fans are a lot more sensible than the freakazoids. Uh, they listen to you in full. They don't take your words out of context. And uh, they don't just like pick and choose what they're going to listen to. They say, hey, this is a good guy. He means well. He made a mistake. Let's give him a break. And, you know, I appreciate that. And uh, that's why I am proud to be a member of Bill's Mafia. Also, I want to give a special shout out to Spencer Hawes, who uh, works uh, for the Bills in the equipment department. Uh, he sent me an unbelievable package. Uh, I was just blown away. I mean, the stuff that I got in here, shoes, uh, sandals, hats, gear, uh, pants, sweatshirts, shirts, stuff for my wife, stuff for the kids. A big MMA fan, even gave us gloves, guys. Gave us gloves at the game. Came up to me at the game, but it was very brief. Here's some gloves for the family. Told me in the letter that he wrote handwritten. So you know he's a mensch. You know he's an absolute salt-of-the-earth individual. Handwritten, uh, he he wrote to me uh, that those gloves were for... They were done for Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy back in the day, custom-made by Nike. He gave me three pairs. I mean, just an absolute so awesome. mensch of a gentleman. Spencer Hawes of the Buffalo Bills, thank you so much. Meant the world. I feel so much love, such uh, such, such, such a, an embrace, an embracement, embracing. You get what I'm trying to say. So much positivity and love from the entire Bills organization. I would do anything for them. If Terry Pagula called me right now to speak on behalf of his and him and his family for whatever reason, I don't care what it is, blind, blind request. I'm on the first plane out. I'm landing in Buffalo we're breaking bread. I'm doing whatever he wants. That's the love that I have for the Pagulas, Bills Mafia, the whole organization, the whole state, the entire region of Western New York, including Niagara and, you know, Toronto as well. Anyway, uh, let's put a pin on the questions because our next guest is ready to go. Our first guest, she had a massive, massive win on Saturday. And uh, she just, I mean, she is uh, living up to all expectations, uh, all uh, sites that we had set for her career early on, a huge win over Viviani Araujo, and now it feels as if she is oh so close to finally fighting for a belt. She is the pride of Guadalajara, Mexico. She is the one and only Alexa Grasso joining us right now. There she is. Hola, Alexa. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien. ¿Y tú cómo estás? Uh, muy bien. Did I say that correctly? Guadalajara, Mexico. Perfecto, perfecto. Uh, gracias. You're at the gym right now. You're working right now. No, I'm, well, I'm in the gym, but I came to do like therapy, you know, massage, boots, uh, compression boots. So this week is rehabilitation, 100%. Okay. Uh, how do you feel? First time for you going 25 minutes in the UFC. How, how does your body feel a few days removed from the fight? Well, even, you know, training was super hard, you know, body feels tired, you know, my forehead <laughs> had, had a lot of impacts, but, you know, it's, I, felt, I felt good, I was feeling good, I never felt like super tired, you know, it was different, but I, I like it, I like that uh, test, tough test, and I felt good in the, in the fight, and well, right now, normal, you know, sore, super sore, 
all my body is sore. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. And, uh, you know, for you, uh, this was a big opportunity. You're fighting in the main event. Uh, you weren't originally supposed to be the main event. When they asked you to go up after the, uh, the, the original main event fell off, were you down with that right away? Or did you have to think, you know, 25 minutes different than 15, preparation, all that stuff? Uh, when I got the message, I was with my coaches and I asked them, hey, um, we have the opportunity to be five rounds. They said, let's do this. Wow. And I was like, what? Yeah. Should I answer? Not Yeah, answer. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> okay, let's do this. You know, so it was, uh, it was fast, but I think it was the right decision. You have to take the opportunities and challenge yourself like, like this, this opportunity. And we did great. A lot of responsibility, more spotlight, more attention when you're the main event. Did you enjoy that process? Do you, do you like being the center of attention, having your face on the poster, being the main person that everyone wants to talk to? Well, of course, that's a dream come true. I always wanted to have like my full body and face in one of the UFC posters. I was coming event a few times, which I think helped me so much to understand how how the pressure was going to be. And I was able to handle all the pressure at my best, you know, always with a good attitude, positive, trying to smile as much as possible. But in the fight, you know, I changed completely my focus and I was just in the in the fight. So if you were to grade your performance, obviously you won. I thought it was rather dominant um, and a very, you know, easy fight to score. But for you, I know you're a harsh critic of yourself. We're all harsh critics of ourselves. Uh, what grade would you give yourself? Would you give yourself an A, a B plus, a C? How, how do you feel about your performance? Well, I have no idea how in the U.S. you score, guys. Uh, Mexico, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I would think I will have a, a nine. A nine, you know, I'm, nice. I'm very meticulous, you know, with my my performance. I would like to have like uh, some adjustments, but I think it did great. I she, she trained really hard. She's super, super tough, and even though she said that she wanted to take this fight to the ground, she trained her hands. You know, she never used to fight like that. She had her guard up and she was like trying and trying. So it was a tough fight when I did great. I was able to handle the pressure, you know, my takedown defense was on point. Uh, but yeah, just a little few adjustments I would like to uh, to do better the next time. Like what? What kind of adjustments are we talking about? Because I thought it was pretty perfect. I thought you were going to say 10 on 10. My forehead. Okay. <laughs> You know, even that any any of those punches were like uh, doing damage, but you know, my forehead had like a few uh, impacts. So that that was my adjustments I would like to do. And by the way, when you're in school in Mexico, uh, like when you get a grade from your teacher, it's one through ten. That's how they grade you. Wow. Yes, we don't have A, B, C. Okay. I, I don't understand. That's fair. That measure. Yes, uh, that, that, that was a mistake on my part. I should have known that. Um, by the way, how were you in school? Like, were you getting a lot of 10s or were you more of a, you know, an 8, a 6, dare I say, a, a 3, a 4? I was always a good student. I, I always like to do everything as, as best as I can. Right. And, and you wouldn't get into trouble, right? I, I don't feel like you were a troublemaker, someone fighting, things like that. Never, no. You know, I'm, you know it's like, that's my personality. I'm always, you know, just quiet, watching working and, you know, just just in my world, doing my best and try to achieve as, as best as I can. Did you ever get in trouble in school? No, never, never. Wow. I always avoid, you know, outside the school. Like I said, I, when I was in school, you know, in university was the same. I was 
I was training there and I was in Invicta FC. So it was morning, school, back to home, homework, you know, eat and go to the to the gym because I used to work with my with my dad, you know, at the gym. I was the receptionist. I did my homework there and at night training back home. So it was like, as soon as the as the school stopped, I, I was running, you know, running, running to my home. When everyone was there, you know, chatting and going out or something, I was like, no, sorry, I can't. <laughs> I have to train. I have to train. I have to train. <laughs> wow. Did you finish university? One year. I was one year, you know. Oh, because, no. Um, that's when the UFC came with the opportunity and I had to go to Mexico City to make our fight camp because of the altitude. So it was a super tough decision. My my professors didn't allow me, you know, to to stop those uh, four weeks, four or five weeks, and they said, "No, we can, we can wait you, and we want you will, you won't um, be able to pass, you know, the the grades and the assistance." And I was like, oh. "So I had to take the opportunity." <laughs> and uh, do you think you'll go back and finish? Uh, I try it. I try it, but because the career I choose, you have to be there. It's not I can do it online. I can finish. So. I Start another one, a new one. Uh, and what is that it's career? A, I'll try um, physical culture and sports. What does that mean, physical culture? Um, you learn about the body, like first, you learn about psychology. You learn about um, how to perform at best. If you want to be an athlete, if you want to be a coach, to program, to do. Uh, training programs if you want to have like a place like a commission how does commissions work you know like everything that it's related to sport if you have if you want to be the athlete the coach or of the or the organization that has like everything on rule to help athletes and coaches and in, in competition so like that's kind of the thing okay um and it's interesting that you mentioned that it, it was when the ufc called that you kind of put a pin on uh, that part of your life, that was uh, off the top of my head. When was that? 2017, 2016. When was it? What year was that? Two, 16 or 17? 16. Okay. Uh, do you like, obviously we, we don't know and, 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 and who knows how long it takes to do things, but six years later, did you think around this time, like you would be in the spot that you are in now? Has it taken longer for you to get here? Has it taken quicker for you to get here? How would you like the, the person in 2016, if I asked her, in six or so years, where will you be? What do you think you would have said? Well, I remember that Dana once said, like, <laughs> he, he had, like, plans for me to be, like, Mexican Ronda, but, oh, my God, it's super tough, you know, to to feel all those requirements and to, to follow that path. I wanted, of course, I wanted to do, like, something amazing to achieve, like, that things so fast, but... It was hard. It was hard. I know I had like up and down and up and down, but finally, yeah, I think I'm find, finding my my perfect way, my perfect path, you know, without pressure, without, you know, thinking about what others want for me. And, you know, I know I can achieve a lot of things. I know I, I, love, I know and I'm doing it, but I just think that I had a lot of, pre of pressure on myself. But right now I feel so happy. I feel amazing. Also, I'm older, you know, <laughs> I'm 29 right now. I also get mature as a, as a person, as a woman, as a human, as, a, as an athlete, most of all. And, and I feel happy. I think this is the best year of my life. <laughs> wow. Best year of your life. Why would you say that best year of your life? Uh, 
because you know because of everything everything like you said i just realized that this december i will i will be 10 years after my first prom and my fight and i was like wow that's so t 10 years i can't believe that it's been 10 years and i also wrote and i also read a few times that Sometimes it requires 10 years to like feel like, okay, I'm doing good, you know? And it's true. It happened to me. I feel, um, I feel proud for others that can achieve that things like with a short amount of time. But for me, it was 10 years and it feels good. In retrospect, do you feel like that pressure got you a little bit? You know, I remember when they were calling you the, the, the Mexican Ronda Rousey, that you could be the next face of women's MMA. Uh, did, you, did you feel like you kind of you know, you let that get to you and uh, it didn't allow for you to progress as an athlete? Yes, of course. You know, I think I also was young, you know, I was, uh, you know, you know, when you're younger, you're, you think different. So yeah, I tried to do my best and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, but I think that the pressure also helped me. <laughs> Did it ever get to a point where you like got a big ego and you started to believe you're like, yeah, I'm the best. And then you had to be humbled. You don't strike me as that kind of person, but did it ever get your head, all the praise? No, 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 never. I think I never. You know, I tried to not let, you know, the good things go through your head and the losses go through your heart too much. And I also have a great team around me that tell me, hey, you know, like, come on and get up or calm or something. I also I also have a lot of good people around me that help me to, to be in the best mood I can be ever. So no, I'm I'm always you know like normal. I just like felt that at some point I had a lot of pressure on myself, but that's all. What do you think the turning point was for you? Now on four in a row, and this is the longest winning streak since you uh, started your career undefeated. You you haven't had a winning streak like this, especially in the UFC. What do you think was the turning point for you to go on this path that you're on now? Uh, the pressure. You know, I started to say okay. I I, st I also started to work with a mental coach, which helped with me so much Aletia she she's helping me like I think that mental preparation and mental training is important it helped me so much and and I also guess that thinking just about me you know do the things for me to me like uh, without the caring and of course I care about my coach's opinion and you know, media and it's, it's impossible to not care. You know, at some point it's important, it's impossible. But I also said like, okay, I'm going to took the good things and the things that I don't like or aren't, aren't, you know, matching to me. I, I, I won't pay attention. So I think that was a, the turning point and that I'm feeling happier. <laughs> wow. And you still talk to the mental coach? Yeah. Yeah. Always, always, you know, this fight week, I, I talked to her once before the fight but I also have some audio. Oh, you know, it's like a neurolinguistic programmation, like something like that, and it's hypnosis. Hypnosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's different kind of audios that can help me. You know, every single day, maybe three times a day or twice a day, I was, you know, okay, we focus, focus, listen, 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 and help it a lot. Wow. And and what what are you listening to? Like, what is what is the audio saying to you? Uh, it's different because it's for uh, it's personal. Okay. You know, each person has different issues, uh, goals, um, ambitions. I don't know. Every single person has different mood, also character, uh, and 
we have some to heal, we have some to sleep, we have some to perform, we have some to, you know, different kind of audios depending on the situation and the mood I'm, I'm feeling. And each one is how long? Um, like 30 minutes and wow. the one to sleep, like one hour. And, and the ones like uh, the 30-minute ones, are you listening to that on fight day as well? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I love that stuff. That is fascinating. All right, so it's all working. It's all coming together. And you said one more. You'd like one more before we start talking title shot. Why one more? Because it's the first time I test myself in training, and it's the first time I test myself in the octagon. It's I can tell you. I know... Maybe people say, oh, no, I look easy, I look good. Oh, yeah, I did it because I trained it super hard. But it was uh, it was different. It was the first time I tasted it. It was the first time I, I felt it. And I wish I could have one more opportunity because that's my wish, you know, that's my wish. But, but I also understand that if I have obligations. And if I have to do it, okay, I, I will do it, you know. But my wish is to have one more, but... I also understand I have obligations, so whatever the UFC chooses, I I will be ready as always. As far as your wish is concerned, like who who would be who would be that that opponent for that one more fight? I don't know. I I was thinking about uh, Morphe, but she also right now has a fight. But I also have to wait for the Fiorot Chukigan fight. That's that's an important fight for our division. They yeah. will if any of or any of them who wins will have five in a row. So I don't know. I don't know how the how the rankings will move and what position I will be. But yeah, let's let's wait and you know whatever the UFC says, I I'll do it. I feel like maybe they'll match you up against the winner of that fight, and especially if it's Mano, since she has never fought Valentina before, and uh, that would be a number one contender fight. That seems to make sense, right? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Do you think Valentina is ripe for the taking? Do you think it's, you know, slowly but surely, it seems like people are starting to, the gap is closing. Do you feel like she's about to lose soon? Do you feel like that time is going to come? Well, first, I've been a fan <laughs> of hers since a long, long time. You know, she's someone I aspire to be like, you know, someone, someone like that. But she has a lot of experience. Like, she has tons of experience, like a lot of miles run before all of the 125 girls but yeah i think that every fight like every fighter you can study better you can study patterns better and i think that um we're getting closer to understand her game better and how to um how to fight better to her you know in order to put her in in, in worse position like tyla did i think tyla did a great fight and even that it was a super close fight I said again, the experience of Valentina, you know, at the end of the fight was was like the thing that was shining the most. But yeah, I think that every fight we can get closer to to understand her game better. Okay, two last quick things. I saw on your Instagram today, uh, you had an amazing ice cream cone. What was that ice cream? Is that like a Mexican ice cream? It looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's a Mexican, Mexican cone. Cone, I don't know. cone is the correct word, like... Mexican waffle, <laughs> waffle yes, ice cream. Yes. Tastes good, but it's sugar free. Like oh wow, but even like the yogurt. the way the ice cream was, it looked a little hard. Like is it like hard shell on top of that? Like what was that? It looked different. Uh, no, it's just like a waffle. Oh wow, okay. Waffle. Even the ice cream itself. 
no, no, no. It has chocolate. Oh, okay, look so, fantastic. Okay, and uh, one last thing, if you don't mind me asking, um, are your earrings are, are is that the is that evil eye? Is it the, the earring? What what is that? The actual earring? Oh, it just, just earrings. I don't use, I don't use it much, but today I wanted to. Look pretty even with my panda eyes. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I, I, uh, it looked like the evil eye thing, like the symbol that people. I don't know if you know about that. Uh, the symbol it's called the hamsa. But the reason I was looking at them was, what age were you when you got your ears pierced? Do you mind me asking? Oh, uh, when I was born, all the girls okay. in Mexico when they okay. do it to you. My daughter is turning six next week, and uh, tomorrow she's getting her ears pierced, and we've been arguing a lot about I don't want her to get her ears pierced. I feel like she's too young. She said, Daddy, I'm six. I have to do it. All my friends do it. My wife said it's okay. You know, And I just wanted to know if I was being unreasonable. Is six okay? It's not too young? Let her do it. Let her All do right. it. Let her do it. <laughs> she's a little baby. You know, six, yeah, I feel like. But you say one, you, know, you were born. When you were born, you got your ears pierced? Right off the bat, like super babies, not not baby that were born, and then yeah, know, no, 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 but super babies, like you, know, I don't even remember that. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, now I feel better. Uh, Alexa, uh, congratulations on the win. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Enjoy. Get well. You know your body. Get well soon. And looking forward to what is next for you. I, I think it's going to be big things in twenty twenty three for you. I hope so. I hope so too. Thank you so much. It was nice to talk. Yes, there she is, the great Alexa Grasso. Uh, and I really do feel uh, one fight, and I feel like that fight is going to be um, Mano Fioro and uh, Caitlin Chukagian, right? Now, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, what's happening on our stream here, Frank? Uh, YouTube's a little laggy right now. Is it our fault or YouTube's fault? It's ours. Oh. Seems like it's... Is it okay now or no? Yeah, the network is being worked on right now. All right. Saw a message there and I was like, what? What's happening? Um... I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Hour. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888 888- Seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. Twenty-one plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. cdkng.com/mma.com. Yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What a lovely young woman.
And yes, it has been a big uh, point of contention in the household right now. I've been trying to fight it. I've been trying to fight it for a long time. I've been trying to get uh, get her to wait, you know, for the ears, uh, the ear piercing situation. But alas, I think I'm going to lose uh, tomorrow. It's going to happen, my poor baby. I don't want them to stick a gun in her ear. They, they could like, do it with a needle. It's a lot less painful that way. Yeah. Yeah. You you have your ears pierced, right? No. You don't? I've I've had it pierced before, yeah. I feel like I've seen you with those like big circle ones. Oh, the big yeah, the hoops. Yeah. yeah. All right. Isn't that in ears? Yeah. That's, that's in the ears, yeah. You, don't you have that right now? Mhm. Wait, so why'd you say no? Because I <laughs> What? <laughs> Is that too much information? Just too much. Ears? Look, those are my ears. All right, fine. Um how old were you when you got that? Uh, did that last year. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Like when you started? Right. Like the day I got the job, I went out to a piercing okay. salon and let them put a needle through my ear. Is that true? No, Ariel. Why, why would I not believe this? Where is she going to, to get him pierced? Is she going to Claire's? Because that's kind of funny. That would be funny, right? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, if you must know. You see, I'm okay with uh, divulging. Um, my wife is having a piercing party. Have you heard of such nice. a thing? Yeah, I've heard of that. That's fun. It seems a little weird to me if you ask me. Hey, different uh, things for different people. Uh, yeah, piercing party. Well, we're all just gonna we're all just gonna show up and uh, pierce our ears. Very strange. I guess it's something you do in the jewelry world, the jewelry business. Yeah, but also it just seems very um, ritualistic. Does it? Like a. It's a powerful memory besides going to the mall. You know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're doing it at home, but uh, I actually never knew that people did these sort of things. Piercing parties. Like we actually all get together. And so anyway, uh, as you know, my wife is in the jewelry business and she's having one of these parties. And then, you know, unfortunately, my, my, my daughter found out about it. And now she says that uh, she wants to get her ears pierced. And uh, for whatever reason, six seems like the uh, the point in which it's going to happen. So it's been a real point of contention. In fact, we had multiple uh, rock, paper, scissor matchups to determine whether or not this would happen. I went, I think, 10 for 10, if not 9 for 10. Uh, and still, somehow, I, I'm losing out. Uh, anyway, I wish the best to Alexa Grasso. And I really do think, uh, especially given the timing, I think what the UFC should do is... Grasso versus, especially if it's Mano Fioro, let's say Mano Fioro wins on Saturday, opener of the pay-per-view, Mano Fioro versus Grasso, number one contender, Valentina versus Amanda in January. Not a lot of talk about what's next for either one of those women, um, Valentina or Amanda, but that's what I would do and then have the winner face the winner of that fight for the 135 belt. Now it gets interesting if Valentina wins, can worry about that later. In a matter of moments, uh, we're going to be joined by Alistair Overeem, who had the big win over Badrahari at Glory Collision 4. That was two weekends ago in the Netherlands. He is back, his first fight in quite some time, his, uh, his first fight in kickboxing in over a decade, and he was able to break the tie, if you will, with one Badrahari, and they were one and one Remember, we had the, uh, the face-to-face a couple weeks ago. They both did great. I thought Alistair was in fine form. 
and he was able to pull off the big win and then had a nice little tete-a-tete, uh, if you will, with one Rico Verhoeven after. Without further ado, let us say hello to the Reem, the demolition man, the one and only Alistair Overeem. There he is. Hello, Alistair. How are you? Reporting for duty, sir. I'm yeah. good. Uh, congratulations. Good. Thank you. Are you happy? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, you know, the big trilogy fight. Yeah, what can I say, right? It was a rematch uh, in 2008, then 2009. So it's already some time ago, 14 years, 13 years. And I kind of, you know, I'm not, me and Bother are not friends, but there's a mutual respect. So we kind of run into each other every now and then. But um, yeah, once that fight was on the table, it's, uh, you know, you're going to sharpen your knives. By the way, where are you right now? It seems like a beautiful location. I'm at my mama's place. Oh, you're here. Oh, hello. Hey, hey, she's running out of screen. Why? She's shy? Mama Claire. So this is the... How was that again? That that. Hey, okay, guys, we don't. So this is uh, my Dutch side, right? My, uh, grand, yeah. uh, my, ex, my grandma, my mother's side, the Overeem side. Yes. And, uh, the King Willem III descendants thing. That's here. Wait, now I, I kind of feel bad. I feel like I'm taking away time from you and your mama. Now, mama, you say your mother or your grandmother? My mother. Yes. Yeah, grandmother so I, passed away. Year. Right. I wasn't sure if maybe it was the other side, but my, my uh, uh, do you hate me right now? I feel like I'm I'm sort of intruding on no, your personal no, time. Uh, a, a deal is a deal, right? A time is a time. So we're, no, we're good. Okay. We're good. Um, and uh, does your mom like to watch you fight? Uh, let me ask, Mom. Have you ever seen? You ever seen oh, she didn't watch. She didn't watch me fight. She went, wow. Okay. <laughs> so she she came to my fight once, and I was twenty years old. So that's like a long forever ago. And um, yeah, that was the first and the last time. Wow. She just got super nervous, and that was also the fight. My brother was also fighting at the same event. It was here, not too far from here, in Holland. It was kind of like a medium event. I would describe it if you compare it to the big ones that we have now. But um, my brother fell from the ring, was concussed, so he kind of lost his fight, and I won my fight. But my mother got, got yeah, you know, traumatized-ish something, and she just couldn't do it anyway. What was that? Oh. Okay, yeah. So she got a little traumatized. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah that's, is she the one that... That was the first one. Is she the one that introduced you to horse meat? Have you had a grandma? Now, my mother's vegetarian, so I don't think that's, <laughs> that's a thing. I think myself, because you just go to the butcher, and then you're going to talk, and then sure. yeah, they're going to display what they have, and then horse, oh, let me try that, and that was kind of tasty. And you're having it still, right? Because a lot of people were uh, noting that your physique looked fantastic before this fight. They were saying the old Ubrim is back. So, um, ah, the weight was a little bit down, I would I think it was 114. In the room days, I was 119. Okay. So there's a difference. Um, yeah. No. no. I've actually not eaten horse. Wow. No. Okay. I'm actually also thinking about being vegetarian. No. Well, Come on. What? After all these years? Why? All these years. Um, well, I'm, 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 you know, you're, 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 
leveling up, you're experiencing new stuff. I actually, okay, so I'll tell you. So today I fasted for the first time and I fasted for 27, uh, 72 hours. Whoa. So I did my last thing was Sunday evening and now it is Wednesday evening. So I had a three day fast was easy uh, easy and um kind of once you try to do this once you kind of play with around with these things these kind of longevity things after i can tell you after not eating for three days it was not hard but the food that you eat after is so tasteful so delicious why did you do this can i go quiet no because i'm uh so first of all health benefits right longevity health benefits and I, you know, when I look at my career, it's kind of like I, I'm training now 30 years. I compete 25 years and it's always been learning stuff and trying it out. And then you can assess uh, if it's useful or not. Right. So you you I mean, that intermittent fasting is also very interesting to me. Fruit fasting, just only eating fruit is also very interesting to me. So I'm just playing around with new concepts. Um, and then you can figure it out, make the conclusions for yourself if it works for you or not. Because, of course, everybody's different, but they definitely are general rules. And fasting is super healthy, super healthy. I can uh, recommend it to everybody, anybody. Okay, interesting. Now, how did you feel, like, back, you know, fighting for the first time in a year and a half, back fighting in kickboxing, first time in a decade or so? Uh, you know, it was a while for you. How did the body feel? How did you feel mentally, physically out there? Um... I felt very, very good, actually, overall. I kind of knew in advance I was going to win. I kind of did my homework. There's um, a lot of details to my training camp, um, you know, a lot of discipline. But, but I don't know. I'm doing it with pleasure. I enjoy it every day. Um, the people, the chemistry in the group was amazing. So when, when you know, I've kind of been doing this for a while, right? And then you can kind of, yeah, have the formula. And it was just everything was there. So when everything is there, you kind of already know beforehand, we're gonna smash this guy, and that's that's what we did. But first two rounds a little dicey. Were you uh, were you feeling the heat going into the third? Um, I think um, it's a little bit ring rust, right? Because it literally is ring rust. Not being in the ring in twelve years, eleven years, whatever, twelve years. But then also not fighting in general for twenty months because it's been yeah February Volkov was the last one. So, yeah, I think combined, uh, let's not forget that Butler is one of the best. He's not just a guy. He's one of the best, but he's does just doesn't have his thing together right now. But he still is one of the best, and he came there to uh, to win. So, you know, in, in these fights, I kind of went in new, and like, okay, this is going to be a fight. Um, and, yeah, in a fight, you, 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 you're going to get hit, or you it's possible that you're going to get hit. You can't go in there and think I was just going to... I mean, I, I went in there finishing. I was going to finish the first yeah. round. But then, yeah, it turns out to, to be a little bit more than that. By the way, how did you feel about the open scoring? Uh, I actually didn't really follow that at all. Oh. At all. But I do uh, believe after after the fight happened, he was leading to the first and the second round. I believe that the second round was a little bit, little bit up in the air, according to me. But then, yeah, we did it in the third, so that was good. You like open scoring, though, the idea, or do you think that it's uh, it's actually not useful for a fighter? Um, so they're doing that kickboxing or also MMA? In, uh, well, I understand they do it sometimes in kickboxing, but also uh, in MMA, some promotions, Invicta is doing it. Um, so it depends. It's not really widely regarded. I feel like I it's good for you guys. I think I like it because that gives you time to adjust and that takes away this this um, bias that a ref could have. I mean, it, it kind of generates new situations, but <clears throat> the bias that um, 
that uh, that could arise because yeah, you there's been some fights that people have no idea how they how the judges were able to score that in the way that they did. So yeah, on this there's going to be that immediate response reaction. You know, I have That's to say, that. the buildup was great. The buildup was fun. The fight was fun. The scene was fun. But the aftermath was very fun because, you know, you're a very respectful guy. But then you got on the microphone. I'm the champion. Where is Rico? Then they show him coming down. And then you did the face like, oh, I'm so afraid. It was great. I thought it was amazing. Is there, is there, oh. I just wonder, is there animosity? Is there true animosity? You, I feel like you don't like this guy. I feel like you don't respect this guy. So, um, I actually don't have any animosity. I think that uh, Rico has done a good job in, in promoting himself and kind of, yeah, his enter, in, entrance in the in the kickboxing uh, gym has created ripples. He is a known figure now here in Netherlands. And internationally, not so much, but in Netherlands, he's known. He's doing a lot of TV shows and stuff like this. No animosity. Um, yeah, why would I have animosity? I'm going to smash him, and that's going to be the end of that. Other than that, it's kind of okay. Ten years ago, we trained together. Actually, yeah, he, he joined me for um, in Miami for the Bigfoot camp, and yes, yeah, he's a nice guy. Nice guy. He's not hundred percent my type. I would give him a sixty percent my type. Uh, what? Why? Why not hundred percent? What don't you like about him? Because, um, nah, it, it, it's the mindset. It is the um, the way that he uh, portrays himself, the way that he behaves, um, the way that he. It's a little bit the ego there, which I which I think is um yeah, which I dislike a little bit because it's 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 well, you know, when you listen to the interviews, uh and again, you know, I don't even want to get into all this. Oh, but no, it's good. we're selling the fight. Time, we are selling the fight. <laughs> his time now and blah blah blah. And I was like, and, he, and everybody in the Netherlands is like <clears throat> he never won a K1 tournament. Right, K1 was kind of like the, the the top deck. Glory is now the top deck, but Glory is not doing Grand Prix. And um, for you to be able to win single fights, very good. But the real, uh, in my opinion, the legendary status comes from going through the tournaments. That's a little bit where you can kind of see where somebody's made of. And some tournaments you win, some tournaments you lose. I lost 2009, right? The bother rematch. I got eliminated in the second round, and then 2010 I won it. But he never participated. So, yeah, I think he has a little bit difficulty with that because he's not getting the recognition that he thinks he deserves. But for that, he needs to do the tournaments. And there are no tournaments. Do you think he dislikes you? Uh, 100%. And he's going to dislike me even more after we fight. You think he's jealous of you? <laughs> the black page from the book. That's me. Do you think he, he he's jealous of you? You know, those are those are kind of big uh, statements. But um, but if I if I would put it in my terms, I think that he would like to sit on the front alone mm. here in the Netherlands, here in Europe, here in the world. And I th I think that's that's the case. But yeah, he's going to have to share that uh, mutual space with other big fighters. And yeah, sorry, Rico, <laughs> you're not the only guy. Is is that a hundred percent your next fight? Yes. Do you know when? No, but it should be somewhere first quarter or something. Okay. And I mean, a big venue, right? It's going to be in a big venue. It has to be. Yeah, it's going to be a hell dome, so it's going to be nice. Okay. Um, and what do you think the capacity would be for that? 40,000, something like that? 30,000? 30,000. Okay. And would you say, would it be fair to say biggest, would, I mean, you tell me, biggest fight in, I think, glory history for sure, 
biggest kickboxing match in Dutch history ever? Like, where would you rank this? This feels like a clash of titans. This is a big deal. Um, so definitely biggest uh, for Netherlands. Definitely biggest for Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. Previously, that would have been the bother one, uh, bother Rico one, and also two, and then yeah, this one. This one is the new one. Incredible. So for now, your sights are uh, 100% focused on kickboxing. I mean, why would you think about anything else? This is massive stuff. Yep. Yep. Full focus. And kick, and uh, Glory, treating you well? You happy with them? I mean, you fought for everyone. You've been around. Yeah, you you like them? Like him a lot. Um, I know Pierre, nine years ago, met him. The owner, right? And the, the matchmaker, like... So yeah, it, it, beautiful organization, great organization. The pay is, uh, yeah, as UFC or even better, I would say. So uh, yeah, I, I have not, no complaints. Glorious, uh, is it, they're putting on good big shows, all the weight classes, all the all the except only the tournament. They could improve on the tournament. Okay, you want the tournament? The would you be in the tournament? I, I think uh, I think everybody wants a tournament. And for me, we'll we'll see how the cards are shuffled. Then can't. Uh, make a statement of if I will be in or not, but um, everybody wants to turn us back. Yeah, everybody, everybody you ask, right? Wants them back. Why would you even consider MMA anymore? Like you've got a great thing here. Why don't you? Why don't we put MMA mm-hmm. to bed? Well, so so there is still a little thought process that I have um, that is like MMA didn't finish correctly. So there could be room for myself for one more MMA. Uh, um, yeah, could be, could be. We'll we'll see a little bit. We'll what would see. be that dream scenario for you? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. We we'll, we'll talk to some promoter and then we'll figure out something nice, uh, some MMA farewell, something. Um, yeah, we'll fi- we'll figure it out. And by the way, it would be nice to also or something. Or I don't know. We'll yeah. figure it out. I I I sort of brought it up when we did the face to face. By the way, the face to face was fun. Did you enjoy that? Uh, actually, did. Yeah, it was a new experience. It was nice. It was nice. I, I, you're right. There's some electricity going on there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, it's always better in person if you can, but obviously we couldn't do that. But I, I'm just curious. I brought up a little bit. It wasn't the right place for it. The wrestling thing. Uh, what happened there? What, like it just kind of disappeared, the whole wrestling thing. Um, I have no idea what happened. So because I kind of did a couple of workouts and uh, it's kind of fun, right? It's like not 100% my thing, but it is, you know, I was a big fan uh, when I was 10, 12. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, Osmond Ward, these guys. And um, so, of course, there's some some familiarity uh, there. And I actually trained a couple of times. And then, I don't know, I think they went bankrupt or something. And something bad happened anyways. Okay. So that's... Not- okay. So is that dead? Like, are you not pursuing that? Are you done with that? Yeah. So, so uh, I did the workouts a couple. And... Um, it was fun, but to me personally, I think I, I believe I should not pursue uh, anything other than than Rico right now, because Rico yeah. is kind of like the big. He is the champ, and you need to have full focus for that. Because let's not forget, he is the guy, right? And um, I feel that I have all the cards to beat him, but I I will want to be and need to be one hundred percent focused. Yeah. So there's not going to be any. Um, yeah, any, any, uh, yeah, any, any wild goose chases. He didn't like when you said that you could beat him in a street fight. He didn't like that one. I'm just being honest, Ariel. I'm always honest. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love the dynamic I'm, between you two. Annoying, a guy that's just honest. Nothing else, just honesty. Everybody knows 
he knows it himself. There was even on the on the we did some interviews here in Netherlands, and and I just said to him, face, I think you know it yourself." Yeah. So and this is where we come back to. He's coming in the ring in my face. It's an act, right? Because he wants he wants to become an actor, and he doesn't. Um, he's not the guy to punch first. So it's just yeah. Well, you're coming in my face. You're not going to punch anywhere. So what are you talking about? I love it. I love it. And I know and you. Yeah. He's wearing makeup. He was wearing makeup. Uh, I saw it. I saw stop it. it. I saw it. He was on TV, the I poor guy. It. Ariel, really? What? Yeah. What? Huh? You, you've never worn makeup on TV? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, you wear makeup? Every, every time. Are you wearing makeup? Yes, of course. Okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> this is where the intervention starts. Yes. Men do not wear makeup. You Real men do not let me tell you something. I absolutely wear makeup. Never in your life? I'll put gel in my hair. I'll put the cream on, but I'm not going to wear makeup. I, I was actually, I had a photo shoot yesterday, Alistair. It was fantastic. I had makeup all day. What do you think? I'm comfortable enough, Alistair, to say that I am proud. What's going to be next? A wig and a skirt? Yeah, you, you, you never know. You know, I'll keep you on your toes. By the way... I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Everybody... I, I, can you ask me more? Yes. My mother's all over. I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> She's upset. Everybody has the right to display themselves um, as they wish, right? Sure. Everything's free, yeah. right? Yeah. But I'm also free to have my opinion. And my opinion is men do not wear makeup. Well, it, I'm talking about TV makeup you, right now. Who are you? It, makeup is makeup. Who are you trying to look better for? Who are you trying to fool? You know who? The ladies. <laughs> You're right. You're right, Alistair. When you, you know what? I'll take the compliment when you have a face like mine. You're right. Nothing needs to change. It's that damn great. Is it not, Alistair? Is it not? It's a beautiful thing. By the way, uh, Iris, the great Iris, who's been by your side for a long time. Is it pronounced Iris or Edis? Iris. Iris, it's her birthday today, so happy birthday to her. She told me you had to be out of here. But did you not know it's her birthday? <laughs> you just made a look. <laughs> did you not know? I have to laugh. Uh, <laughs> because somebody else said, everybody's looking like, her. Oh, what? Huh? Well, okay, so we need to make a different, <laughs> another phone call. <laughs> She's been with you for like 10 years, Alistair. What are you? You're crazy. I knew that. Nine years. I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah, you knew that. Anyway, she told me you had to be gone by 8.55 and it's 8.57 now. Okay, yeah, so then it's time. Then it's time. So I need to hang up, okay. give Iris a call. <laughs> yes. And then... Alistair, congratulations. Yes, you're the man. Thank you. Talk to you soon, my friend. There he is, Alistair Overeem. What a legend this guy is. Uh, Iris has been by his side working uh, in his management, on his management, building the Alistair brand for years. As long as I've known Alistair, I've known Iris, the great Iris. She's a legend, celebrating her birthday today, and he didn't even know. Now, is our uh, internet connection, has it been uh, fixed or what? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, it looks like it. Okay. Uh, let me just say something uh, to the people. Should I tell the people? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Network connections have been resolved. Please read. Join us here. Uh, ben Askren is about to come on the program. I mean, that's a big deal. Do you know that my post-fight interview with Ben Askren after the Masvidal fight had over 2 million views in 24 hours? Could you imagine such a thing? Uh, A lot of people appreciated the honesty in which he um, spoke after that fight, the way he handled that situation, and that has been a theme throughout his entire career and life. And wouldn't you know it, you can now get a hell of a lot more of Ben Askren in his brand new book, which comes out on October 25th, wherever you get your books. It's entitled Funky, My Defiant Path Through the Wild World of Combat Sports, written by the great Ben Askren, with some help by the great Chuck Mendenhall, the man in the hat. Yes, some breaking news there. Even uh, some advanced praise by the likes of Ariel Hawani and Daniel Cormier, Everyone's talking about it, and now he's here to talk to us about it, the one and only Ben Askren. Is he there? Oh, there he is in his familiar spot. Hello, Ben. How are you? Good. My podcast studio, keeping it nice and warm. I talked about some wrestling this morning, and I'm ready to talk to you. Well, congratulations. By the way, the IFB, it's always been something I've wanted to bring up to you. You know that thing in your ears called an IFB? It's supposed Ah, to go... No, I didn't know that. Yes, it's called an IFB. Uh, it's supposed to go over the ear, not in the ear like that. Why don't you do it over the ear so that it's supposed to be hidden? I got cauliflower ear. I got are you making fun of me? No, it won't work. I mean, it's in there. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's no like so. Like if I do this, like because of the way my ear is shaped, uh, right, it just okay. pops off. All right, all right. I appreciate it. So it's subtle enough. It works. It's good. I actually to the headphones you have. When I first started podcasting, I had those type of things. And I didn't like the way they felt on my head for like, you know, if you pod, I mean, you yeah. go for like three hours, I yeah. go for like say 90 minutes. I just, did, I didn't like it. I was like sick of it. I wanted to take it off. I agree with you. Uh, I don't like how they feel or how they look, um, if I'm being honest, but they sound good. You can really hear yourself in yeah. them. So I go with it, but it's a, it's a little, I mean, for being honest, I feel like a dork wearing these things for three, four <laughs> hours. Who speaks to people like this? In any event, uh, brand new book comes out October 25th. Yeah. Uh, the great Chuck Mendenhall uh, worked with you on this, but these are. Yeah. Uh, how about that? I wanted to put his name on the cover. Well, you're just out here outing him. I wanted to put. He his told name me on I the could because, uh, yeah. But then he wouldn't let me put his name on the book, and I felt weird because I don't nearly have the writing capabilities that he does, and so he makes he makes it sound like it's my voice. Um, 
which, you know, so the, our process was it was during coronavirus and I needed something to do. And I, I love Chuck. And I said, Hey Chuck, let's write a book. And, uh, I said, sure. And so right after my hip surgery, uh, he came out because I, I, I took two weeks off from everything after my hip surgery because I couldn't really like walk or do anything, you know? And we just talked for like three days and then, you know, he would, he would write a chapter and then I would read it. And then we get on the phone for like an hour and just kind of talk through it. And I was just always so impressed with how it literally sounds like me. I would read it. I'd be like, that is like exactly how I would say that right there. It was just so impressive. So I wanted to put his name on the book and, uh, he was, he was always pushing back against it. So, but I guess now everyone knows. He's a very humble guy. He doesn't like the attention. Yes. He wanted all the attention to be yours. Uh, it's it's a great read. It's a very quick read. It's less than 200 pages, but it uh, you know mm-hmm. talks about all the great moments in your career. Is this something? Was this like a bucket list thing for you? Like if 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 COVID never happened and everyone wasn't at home during that time, do you think you would have done this, or was it just something that you thought of because mm-hmm. you were kind of bored? Um, definitely not this soon. I mean, I'm I'm an avid reader. I've read I, you know i love reading biographies i was actually complaining on my wrestling podcast about how there's there's not a lot of wrestling biographies like it's really slim pickings over the last 20 years um you know cejudo anthony robles like there's a couple but not a lot well there's also uh, uh Emma, there's also the rock china stone cold mankind <laughs> no. no yeah sorry. i mean i like those guys but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and mma and there's been some in mma i mean uriah had one george st pierre bj tito uh, I believe Rhonda, you know, so like th- there's been some good ones and I, I believe I've read anyone who's kind of high level who, who's put out a book. And so there's just to me, like I would just continue to read wrestlers and fighters biographies, but there's just not that many of them, you know, coming out. So I felt like, you know, uh, with Corona, it gave me a good opportunity. Um, I had a interesting careers in both wrestling and mixed martial arts and I thought people would enjoy reading it. Um, and another one who uh, had a book recently that I thought was really good was Michael Bisping. Shout out to Bisping. I don't know if you ever read his. I have not read his yet. No, I, I yeah, you're right. I missed that one. You don't like Bisping? Is that why? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I mean, I don't know. He's kind of an interesting character. Uh, I generally find him, I generally find him entertaining. He's had some hot and cold takes on me, but I think that's kind of what he does. Uh, and just say, hey, whatever, that's part of the job. I, speaking of which, I feel like you've, uh, kind of stayed out of the, uh, the limelight over the last few months. I know you're very, very you know, obviously very involved in the world of collegiate wrestling, yeah. but as far as MMA, like, uh, was this a conscious decision? Maybe knowing that you were going to come out and do some media for the book, uh, it mm. feels to me last few months, we haven't seen a lot of Ben Askren. No, not really. I mean, I just try to, I try, I mean, obviously it's not in my day-to-day life. Right? I'm not training any fighters. I, I worked out with one guy, Jordan Newman, who he came up through AWA and he won a couple of national titles and he's fighting in Bellator. And so I train with him like once a week and he, he still works at one of our AWAs. Uh, but that that's really it for my involvement in mixed martial arts. And so it's more like, um, I try to be authentic in all my, I mean, I'm really active on Twitter and that's it. So I try to be authentic. And so like, you know, if there's something I want to see or I'm sitting down to watch a fight, I'll tweet about the fights. But, uh, man, if I don't have anything to say, I, I probably won't say too much. I'm very happy that you wrote this book. I'm very happy that you decided to do this. Because can I say something? Can I, can I be honest with you? Yeah, be as honest as you want. There's something that bothers me uh, that really okay. annoys me, especially, uh, I mean, up until today, it, it annoys me. I feel 
like there's a lot of revisionist history when it comes to your career. In MMA, yeah. I think in the world of wrestling, people know who you are. Well, who are you writing to right now? You're typing to someone. What's going on? Are you with me here? Well, you... How do you? How can you see that? I can, can see. see I'm very perceptive. Who are you writing I to? I got right? a business deal going on. Right uh, no now, worries. you're doing no, a business no, no, deal. No, no big biz. No big business. It's small. This is business, how yeah. uninterested you are in me talking no, about your I'm book and career. I'll finish your sentence. Oh, I, I, I already. What's the I business? Know where you're going. Is it Bitcoin? No, is it Ethereum? Bitcoin. Bitcoin's in a no. Is it dead? We're in a bear market. Okay. Oh, it's not. No, hell no, not dead. I went to. Three thousand dollar Bitcoin. I, we're great. Keep keep going. Okay. I'm. I'm, I'm I mean, I just. This is where we, we got let, the fight in the first place. All the way back in like two thousand and. This is the fight. Two thousand and twelve. No, you got mad at me because I sure. think I was eating and you were like, <laughs> uh, you were pissed about it, and then then you said I suck or something. I'm like, dude, I just beat Douglas Lima five rounds or nothing. And you said I suck. Like, I just couldn't punch him hard enough to finish him. It sucked. And I'm so I, happy I you bring better. this up. By the way, I, I learned. I learned. When you're on top of someone, you use your elbows, and they're a lot more effective. But it took me a while to learn that. You know, actually, one of the guys I was thinking about uh, when I was thinking about this is Bo Nickel. Because I remember I ran to his sister at the NCAG graduate, which was either 18 or 19. Uh, I don't recall which year. One of those two years, right? And one of, one of my things I, I said was, like, he should fight as soon as possible. Because it, it does take a while to get into the limelight. So you're going to have this period where you're probably, like, not making barely any money, you know? And he did a few years where he didn't fight, like, at all. He was training the whole time, but not fighting. And now he's kind of being thrust in the spotlight, and hes I, I feel like he's built up a lot of skills in that period where he wasn't fighting. And so now I'm thinking, was my, was my, was my advice wrong, or maybe he just would have done, done that good in the first place? Wow. Okay. You know? So you just you just you just presented me with three completely different paths to take this interview. Uh, that's, I, that's how my brain. You're works. so good. Okay. Let me just because you just because the last point was Bo. So let's just stick on Bo for a second. How about yeah. this guy? I mean, can I just tell you something? I don't remember the yeah. last time I was this excited about a prospect in MMA, and I'm not comparing that's him to I'm like saying. Connor or someone like a guy who was this young with this type of potential, this refined, this confident, yeah. this good. Do you share this enthusiasm that I have? Um. Yeah, so I think he's good. I think obviously we need to see him against someone more high level. Uh, I do. I think. I think like part of me says like he can go all the way and take a title right now, especially because there's you know not really a lot of high level wrestlers at that weight class. Um, especially if they give him the UFC gives him the the push and they give him the right matchups, he can definitely go far fast. Um, and then part of me says, well, what if he's just not there yet? You know, and maybe he should take a couple of years beating up some guys who aren't that good and then and then make that jump. You know, so it is it is kind of like, where do you go there? Um, and and then, yeah, I mean, the other thing I, I think about this a lot is there was a period maybe we'll say somewhere between four and eight years ago. And it might it last a little bit where almost every single UFC champion was an American, specifically American wrestler. Right. And now we're at a period where there's almost none, you know, so it was mm. Cormier and Stipe and Woodley and Demetrius wrestled and Henry wrestled and uh, T Dominic Cruz wrestled and Dillashaw wrestled. Yeah, I mean, all these dudes, I, I know I'm forgetting a few. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Wideman. Um, That's a great point. And now there's almost none. So I think the American wrestling community is so fired up for someone to go represent us again and, and do really well. Who wins right now if they fight in December? Bo Nickel, Hamzat. Oh man, that's fun. Oh man, I, I mean, anything I would be giving would be just speculation, right? Because we haven't seen Bo against anyone. But right now, level. knowing him, you know him very well. I know, but I've never seen. But yeah, I mean, 
I haven't seen him fight. Don't fight, sit on the fence you know? right like, now. He, who wins? Bo Nickel, Hamza. <sighs> that's such a tough choice. It really, it really is tough. I mean, the fact that I'm saying it's a tough choice, I think, is is a huge compliment to Bo, right? Yeah. Because Hamza is a guy that people were saying should be fighting for a title a while ago, and he, you know, he's he's probably right there, but he's not doing it quite yet. Um, I, I'll say Bo, but it's 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 pure. I speculation. feel like I feel like your your point there is 100. percent the fact that we can even have this debate speaks volumes yeah. on how good he is. I feel like yeah. your heart says Bo, your mind says Hamza. You just don't want to disrespect your wrestling brethren. Yeah, and obviously I'm cheering for my wrestling people. Um, you know, Hamza's a funny one because when he came out in 2020, um, it was like, wow, this guy's going to be fighting for a title really fast. And the weird part about it is he hasn't lost. And so it's like, well, how is he still not fighting for a title? Because we thought this was going to happen a while ago now. And he's still like, his next one's probably not a title fight. So is it like one away? Is it still two more away? Why do you lose steam like this? It's kind of weird, you know? Well, he was out for a year. He got really sick. He retired, yeah. remember? Uh, so that slowed things down. And I think that yeah. had he, had Usman beat Leon, I think that uh, he would have fought Usman next. Now, what's the deal you're doing yeah, now? You're yeah. typing so something you th- else now. you think now. Usman and Edwards are going to fight again? Uh, yes, of course, in March. Although I did see a comment oh, from that's... his man, or sorry, April, his comment from his manager saying that uh, Usman would be open to fighting Leon in England. And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's your call anymore whether the fight happens in England or not. I mean, Leon's the champ. Yeah. He gets to decide. By the way, how crazy yeah, was that, yeah. huh? Were you shocked? Uh, that was wild. Dude, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Uh, I watched that fight, but like a little before the knockout, I walked away. I, well, I, you know, it was like the fight, it was up. It was going to, I thought it was over, you know? And, um, I don't recall what I went to, whether it's grab a book or grab something to eat or go to the bathroom. I don't recall. And I come back and that happened. And I was like, oh my God, what did I, for- what did I miss? This is crazy. Right. And you, sometimes you forget how insane the sport of mixed martial art was. So, you know, uh, Leon is a guy who I gave a lot of shit to, um, cause it took him so long to get a title shot. And I, I actually do in my book also. Um, uh, but I gotta say, and I, I, I do not know this guy. It kind of felt good seeing him win. Yeah. He's a very likable guy, right? Yeah, very likable. Uh, do you think he wins the rematch? Uh, he's going to have to make some adjustments. I mean, it's possible. You know, one of the things that having a lot of cage time that some wrestlers have um, is is like, you know, when Usman pushes him that hard for, for 25 minutes, practice is always different than a fight, right? Practice is always different than a wrestling match. It's all I don't, I don't know why it is. And as much as you try to simulate it and make it the same, it's just not, you know? And so now that Leon has been pushed that hard in a fight, um, he knows he's got those extra gears. And he might not have known that before, hmm. you know? And now he knows, dude, I can battle for 25 minutes. I, I So that's going to make him fight harder and longer. Obviously, he's still going to have to become more proficient at stopping the takedown. I mean, I think, you know, obviously the first round. And then kind of moving on, he was... He was definitely a proficient, more proficient wrestler than I anticipated against Usman. Um, but he did get tired in that third and fourth round. He was really starting to fade. And then, you know, fifth round, I guess he just said, hey, I'm going to freaking go do this. And he went and did it. It's a fascinating thing, right? Because uh, obviously Usman won three out of the first four rounds. But then when you get knocked out for the first time like that, uh, it changes you as a human being. It changes you as a fighter, right? So I'm not really quite sure which I don't Usman. think it did. No. Uh, for me, no, I was just like, that happened, that happened. And, um, it doesn't make you trepidatious. It doesn't make you second guess yourself. No, I didn't, I didn't feel that way. Um, yeah, I, no, I didn't feel it. You know, did I ever tell you the story? I just told the story to someone for the first time 
but it involves you. So oh, um, please. I know you're, you're kind of my, you maybe your bad, my bad luck charm. Oh, uh, wow. Geez. You invited me. I don't know if you remember this in June uh, of 2019, you invited me. You did a, like a, a game show type thing. You remember yes, that? in Chicago. It was great. Okay. And I'm forgetting who all was there. I Stipe. remember I remember the majority of them. Okay, Stipe was there. Stephen Thompson was there. Eddie Alvarez. Um, and then Eddie, Eddie. Oh, that's who I forgot when I was telling the story of the left time. Eddie. Okay, I could not remember. I, I was like, I'm trying to picture us sitting in this room, and I, I couldn't picture everyone. Um, and they they got they started talking about the last time they got knocked out, you know. Huh. And then everyone kind of looks at me, and they're, they're all kind of like, yeah, it happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. And they're like, except you. Wow. Like, oh, why you guys got to do that to me? And then effing a month later, it freaking that happens, you know, and it was like, but they were all for a second. They were like, except you, it's never happened to you. That's pretty, you know, like, yeah. And was that something you took pride in? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, being undefeated is something you take pride in, right? Undefeated, so but also not knocked out. out. Like it's one thing to lose via decision, yeah. submission. I've never really been knocked down or anything. Even um, in training. I actually uh in training no never not once ever wow there's this one really weird story i'll tell you a weird story there tell was me. one time um when i moved to phoenix in 20 2009 so i i, had not, I had not fought in bellator yet so i had had i actually had my two fights february and uh april my first year and then my next one was like september so i moved to arizona to coach at arizona state wrestling and I'm like, okay, let me go check out all these gyms, okay? And so I'm kind of going around the gyms, and I go into Arizona Power Sports. That was what it was called, right? Uh, that was the, the one with, Brothers. Yeah, I don't know if it was Power Sports. Power MMA? How, no, Power MMA is a new name. I don't know. All right. How was it called? Arizona Combat Sports. Combat oh, Sports. Sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Combat Sports. Thank you. I was I was confusing yeah. with Power MMA. Yeah. Um, and so this is like, I'm a brand new fighter, and they're like, okay, it's sparring day. I'm like, okay, cool, it's sparring day, you know? So uh, I was sparring with this big dude. Uh, I didn't. I don't think he was a good fighter. I mean, I don't think he was a, a known fighter. Um, I went a couple rounds with him, and I kind of had my way a little bit. And then he said, "You know, hey, let's go again." And I said, "Okay." And he was really like swinging hard at me. And then the next thing I remember, <laughs> I'm punching the bag. I'm punching the bag, and I look around. I'm like, "Oh, it's, it's Ryan Bader. I know him." Oh, that's uh, Aaron Simpson. I know him. I'm like, "Okay." I'm at Arizona Combat Sports, and I'm hitting the bag. I'm like. Did I get knocked out? You know, and so then I said, Aaron, I said, Aaron, hey, did I like, did I get knocked out or something? He's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, um, all right, whatever. You know, I didn't think much of it. So I may, I got clipped a little bit there. Obviously, I didn't go down or anything because, you know, Aaron would have surely yeah. known if I had fallen down or something, you know? So, um, yeah, I guess I just got clipped and then I just kept fighting and then, uh, you know, but I was, I kind of wasn't clicking for a couple minutes and you know, cause it was, it was the last round and then we we're hitting the bags afterwards. So you just so kind of like forget everything. Yeah. For at least a couple minutes. Wow. So yeah, that leads me to ask, um, do you remember the whole night against Masvidal? Like, do you remember everything? Not the fight. You you have no I talk about this in the book. Yeah. Well, you know, I... Yeah, no, I don't know. I, uh, no, my, my, my first recollection, my first recollection there was this is hilarious. I sit up and I see Luke Rockhold. I'm like, fuck, that's Luke Rockhold. That means I'm in the hospital. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. I knew he got here, got knocked uh, out by Jan Blockwood. And I sit up and I'm like, what's Luke Rockhold doing here? Wow. Fuck, I'm in the hospital. And then I looked and I said, my wife was over here. And I saw my wife, I'm like, 
what happened? And she's like, it wasn't good. Oh. I said, uh, I'm not sweaty. Like I can feel like I'm not sweaty at all. You know, I'm not sore. I kind of, I didn't hurt at all, you know? So it was like, I must have been in like hard fight or nothing. Like I kind of knew that. When does the memory end that day? I'm staring, I'm staring at George getting ready to fight. Okay. And you remember everything yeah. up until that point. It's yeah. Not like that's I'm okay. I'm getting ready to fight. And then, yeah. Boom. Amazing. And I'll never forget that night we were texting and I don't usually like to ask people to come on my show on, on the Monday after a loss, but you were like totally fine, even kind of self-deprecating yeah. about it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot my shot. And you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And I couldn't believe yeah. that you didn't hide. You didn't run away. You didn't, you know, go dark for two months. Why is that? What do you, things happen in life, right? What do you, what do you do about them? Like, oh, is, is hiding going to make it any better? Is it, it, it going to make it go away? It's not going to make it go away. And that's, you know, that's kind of, I mean, I don't, I think that's a big part of my book. And one of my friends who I, I sent it to, he said he was reading with, uh, I think like his 10, 11, 12 year old son. So there are a few F words in their parents. So my wife thinks that's a big deal. I, I don't think it's a huge deal. Just FYI. Um, but he said he was reading with the son. He said, you know, one of the big things, and this is kind of earlier, especially early in my wrestling career is like, um, you just got to go try. Right. And there's so many people who are paranoid with this. What if I fail? What if I fail? And there's so many things they don't even start. They don't even start them because they're worried about what if I fail. And to me, it was just like, I'm going to go try and I'm going to try and I'm going to try. And I'm just going to keep, you know, every time I do something, I'm going to learn a little bit. I'm going to get a little better. I'm going to get a little better. And that was kind of in wrestling. You know, I started out as someone who wasn't very good and really the entirety of my wrestling career. So I you know, retired at the Olympics 24. Like I got significantly better every single year from say like age 11, you know, age 11, every year was like a big jump, big jump. And, you know, and that was why I just, yeah. So I never saw, I never saw like protecting a record or, or trying not to be embarrassed. I never saw that as a virtue. My, the virtue was like, let's go compete in battle and see what happens. I have a theory about this. I want to ask you about it. I think that the internet yeah. and social media has made, especially younger people, afraid yeah. to try because they're afraid to fail they're afraid to get embarrassed they're and i'm even talking about like athletes like they're so afraid to turn yeah, yeah. into a meme a clip a tiktok thing we when you were coming up when i was like we didn't have to worry about that is that a yeah. real thing uh i mean i think there's something to that i think i think sometimes social media is maybe like demonized too much and i think sometimes it exacerbates human original human nature and you know you were a you were a fifth or sixth grader once, and I was too, and everyone was. And really, I, th I think, honestly, middle school kids, they're the biggest dicks of everyone. Like, <laughs> kids are the worst to each other in middle school, for, for sure. I, I coached all the ages, and middle school is the worst one. And, you know, there's that, like, uh, and it's funny now, like, being older and having talked to other people who've gone through the same experience or talking to kids who are currently going through the same experience. Like, you know, I thought about this stuff sometimes but not like a fraction of what a lot of other people thought about, right? Like, am I wearing the right things? Am I saying the right things? Am I hanging out with the right people? Like, you know, these type of things, like that's human nature. Like that, that's, you know, I had those thoughts in middle school and, you know, like I said, now given I talk to other people, not nearly as much as they did, you know, some people are like paralyzed by like the choosing which friend group to hang out with or what clothes to wear or, you know, stuff like that. So no, I, I think obviously social media maybe makes it a little bit worse, but I think that's, those thoughts and behaviors are probably already within our human nature. So what I was going to say like some 10 minutes ago was I'm happy <laughs> that you wrote this book entitled Funky. Yes. 
and it comes out October the uh, 25th. There it is. So next mm-hmm. Tuesday, you can get it now. You can pre-order it on Amazon and all the other places where you get your books. Because I feel like there's revisionist history when it comes to your career. And I don't think that that's fair. I don't think it's fair, especially the way Human nature, though. MMA fans talk about you. And now it has happened to Tyron. And I don't know if it's the Jake Paul thing. And I don't even think it has a lot to do with Jake Paul. It's probably stemming from the Masvidal fight and then the, you know, the no, subsequent... I think Jake Paul's got a little bit, definitely has a little bit to do with it. You think because so? Because I think people... People dislike him so strongly. I mean, they people like I was kind of indifferent. Like, uh, like they asked me to fight him. Like, I was like, who's this kid? Like, some social media guy or YouTuber, or whatever. I didn't really know who he was. Um, and so um, I had no feelings towards him. It was just like, hey, this guy wants to fight. Okay, let's fight. Whatever. Um, whereas a lot of people had this like really severe distaste for him. And so the the notion that he he might be at least a little good at boxing is like something they can't handle, you know. Like he's obviously like I was hoping he sucked. I I probably got the worst end of this. I was hoping he was really bad. I was gonna beat him up. That was gonna be a lot of fun. And I was gonna make some money, and there we go. And you know now he's fighting Anderson Silva, and he's actually not that much of an underdog. I mean, Errol, if I told you I was gonna box Anderson Silva, you'd be like, hey Ben, uh, you're gonna get your ass beat. And I'd be like, oh, it's Anderson Silva. You know, he's really good. So. You know, um, unfortunately, he is significantly better than than anyone anticipated, and that was something I didn't anticipate. And yeah, I, th- I think MMA fans really struggle with that because they really, really don't like this guy. Um, and you write yeah, about I mean, to, you write about Jake in the book. Do you regret taking that fight? No, life 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 sucks if you have too many regrets. But, <laughs> so I try to I try to live my life with any. It doesn't bother you that there's if it's because of him, if it's because of my. Like people don't remember no. how dom- there was a period you weren't getting touched. Like the the yeah. the stats in your fights, they may not have been you know the most fan friendly, exciting fights, but that was dominance yeah. unlike we had ever seen for quite a while. And no one wants to acknowledge it, talk about it. They want to talk about the last couple fights, the losses. That's yeah. not fair to me. This is human beings. This is human beings. This is what that they doesn't are. annoy you. Talk- uh, no, because I've accepted people for who they are. Mm. Um. You know, I actually, so I talk about in my book early, one of my first experiences, I have probably said this to you before, um, but one of my first experiences with, and this is right, pre, pre-social media. So like the uh, mass of human beings, right? Like lots of people th- thinking together, like in a hive mind is there was wrestling forums. And so this is the year what, 2000. So this, this predates social media significantly. Um have I told you this before? Am I going to bore you? I don't think so. No, go ahead. It's good stuff. I've never told you. Okay. So um, I got done with, so in we go essentially go sectionals, then state in Wisconsin, right? And I got done with sectionals. And everyone says, hey, there's this forum and everyone's talking about you. Because my thing that year was I wanted to set the state takedown record. And I did, right? But it was, it was so, you know, now looking back, it was so boring because I would just take kids down and let them up just repetitively, you know? And so naturally that engendered a lot of dislike from people. Right. So someone says, hey, there's these forums and people are talking about you. I said, "Okay, cool. I've never heard of this. Let me go. Let me go look at these things, you know. And sure enough, there's there's these people just talking all this shit. And and I knew it then and I'm certain of it now. But it was like it's like 90 percent adults, you know. And so I fired back. I'm like, I'm going to win state next week. I'm going to whoop this dude and I'm going to whoop that dude and blah, 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 blah. And I did. I went and whooped them. And but people hated me for it. 
And so then, of course, I just continue to antagonize them for the next you know, two years of my high school career. Um, and I, I started recognizing how easy it was to upset people. Right. And this is a 15, 16 year old kid. Like I would like uh, just do something stupid. Like, I mean, one thing I did was grow my hair out. Right. That that made people mad. Like, oh, his hair is so dumb. He needs to cut his hair. Or I would take this like a, we called it the ghetto blaster. But it was like a boom box back before. This is this is pre iPad. They are not iPad. What are the first things called? iPods. iPod. iPod yeah. Pre iPod days. Yeah. I would take a boom box and play it. And it just makes everyone so mad. And so I saw very early on how group psychology worked and obviously how I could use it to continue to antagonize people um, and get people to talk about me, right? Which I would use later in MMA. But I also realized it was fully unrational. Uh, it's irrational and that people really want to like have someone to hate. Like that is a big part. I don't know if you realize this is a big part of sports. It's like everyone wants someone to cheer against. Everyone wants someone to hate. Um, so that's fine. I was fine being that guy, but I realized how people's minds work. And MMA is MMA is classic. Like, dude, you can have a great, and I'm, this is not me talking about myself. This, you could apply this to 27 other people. Um, you can have an outstanding career. You can have a great run. You lose and you're a bum, right? Like once or twice. And people are like, oh, that dude sucks. I knew he sucked. He was terrible. He was always terrible. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's just how MMA is. And as a fighter, if you don't accept that, if you start having your ego tied in with the fans' opinion of you, dude, you're going to be all jacked up. Mm. You are going to be like, oh, I feel so great because the fans love me. And then the fans turn on you. You're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. No one likes me. Well, you know, like that's just that's what the fans do. When you go back and uh, I know that you're going back to uh, Missouri this weekend. When, yeah. you, when you go back, do you get that love? Do you feel appreciation? Um, yeah, I mean, I do. Generally, in my life, I feel appreciation. Um, it's it's pretty rare that, that I feel. I mean, it's social social media. They'll say that, but no one treats me like everyone treats me great, right? I, I have an outstanding life. Um, I haven't been to Mizzou. When was the last time I was there? Uh, it's been maybe a couple of years. So, but I'm really excited because I get to go to the football game. Uh, we have five Ashton Wrestling Academy wrestlers on Mizzou's team now. One of which is a national champ. Um, so I get to kind of see those guys, hang out with them. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited for it. Even the trade, people look back on the trade. And I know you write about the trade as well, and it's fascinating yeah. stuff. Like even the trade, I feel like is is looked at with uh, a bit of revisionist history goggles. Like, oh, what a what a horrible deal that was. By the way, when you came over to the UFC, I don't know if I've ever seen someone garner that much heat in that quick amount of time. Like your, I remember your yeah. your social media game. You were freaking. You were like spraying everyone with an Uzi. It was like there were no, you showed up at MSG. Remember that? Yeah. Like it was like yeah, was the awesome. NWO showing up back in the wrestling days, if that means anything to you. You were on fire. They yeah. would have done that deal 10 out of 10 times. And yet now people look at it times. like, and then, oh, what a dumb that, deal. That journeyman bum Masvidal became one of the biggest stars in the game. You're welcome, George. Do <laughs> you think he appreciates um, you for that? If he doesn't, he's an ungrateful son of a bitch. How about that? He better. He needs to send me a Christmas card every year for the next twenty years. Um, but legit, if he doesn't, he's ungrateful. But he probably he probably doesn't want to give me credit for anything. So suck it, George. Um, you know, with the trade, the other thing the trade was tremendous is um, is you know Demetrius is, is, he's still over there kicking butt. But it's like I was retired. I honestly that one championship. Yeah, they did do good job because I wasn't gonna do nothing else for him. I said I'm done. You know, so 
they they had an asset that was going to do nothing. I was I was happily retired doing nothing. And then they were able to get Demetrius Johnson, who's now had, I don't know, t- 10 fights. or You know, he's had a lot of fights for them. Um, and then UFC, I think it was just like, they were just, obviously, if they really, really wanted to keep, keep Demetrius, they, they would have. Um, and I think it was just one of those things where, for whatever reason, and I, I guess I would have guesses, but I'm not going to put it out there because I don't know, like, their relationship wasn't that great. They just didn't really mm. like each other. There was a, a lot of bitterness there, and it was, um, yeah. He wanted out, and they they let him out, and it you know, worked out great. They honestly, there should be more trades in MMA. I was there just really going to ask you that. Are you surprised? There really that, should yes. be. I don't know what they're doing. Like yeah. the only one that ever happened was awesome. Yes. Like, why has no one said, "Hey, that was really cool"? Like, why don't we go do that again? I'm shocked. Ah, maybe it I'm really not shocked. Shocking. No, there's I'm so many shocked. egos. I'm, I'm there's so many egos. But like a Bellator and PFL, make a freaking trade, guys. Spice things yes. up. But even even with the egos between the so the, I'll say the four you know more major ones around PFL one championship, uh, Bellator and UFC, surely there are some fighters in all those organizations that don't really want to be there anymore. Sure, of course. You know, so you got like, hey, we have five hundred fighters. Hey, these fifty don't really want to be here anymore. Like, uh, and they're they're kind of tough to deal with, pain in the butt. Who could we go? Get, who could we go get in exchange for them? You know, how can we get rid of them? They don't even want to be here. Like, let's go. Let's get rid of them. You know, like, I don't know. It seems, seems reasonable. You have to agree to it, right? Like, that trade doesn't happen if you don't agree to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have had to agree. Um, actually, did I? I don't, I don't even think about it. I, I, there, was no, there was no debating for me. It was like, yeah, let's freaking go. Um, but, yeah, I actually, I would think the athlete would probably have to agree. But I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't but I feel like in most cases, language. like, hey, AJ McKee, you're unhappy yeah, yeah. here. We're going to trade you to the UFC for so-and-so. Makes sense. By the way, uh, I wanted to mention this. Just to prove that I did read the book, page <laughs> 106 of your great book okay. entitled uh, Funky, which comes out October 25th, yeah. uh, you write this, I didn't want any of that to happen. Neither did Bellator or the UFC. You're talking about uh, your foray before trying to go to the, you know, when you tried to go to the UFC initially. Um which hated when information on fighter pay became public. The matching clause was a problem that I needed to figure out before doing anything. This is when you left Bellator. In truth, yep. I genuinely believed I was headed to the UFC. Yeah. At this point, I was undefeated, a perfect 12-0, and 0, vocal, polarizing, dismissive of certain media, smug, confident, cocky, and all kinds of other adjectives that got thrown around in the media. Now, certain media has a little footnote, number 58, and if you Uh-oh. go down, it says, <laughs> namely, Ariel Helwani, with <laughs> whom I had beef for talking shit about my fight with Douglas Lima. He, quote unquote, banned me from his show. I tweeted to him that I didn't want to, didn't want to discuss the merits of my style with a non-fighter while inviting him <laughs> to, quote, go in a cage with me. When you do that, I'll do your show. Otherwise, kiss my ass, end quote. We later reconciled. I mean, here's the thing about that. That all that happened. I feel like we later reconciled is unfair to the relationship that we developed afterwards. Like, I feel like yeah, you say, we, not only did we reconcile, he became one reconciled. of my favorites in the game. And we had some great moments in interviews afterwards. I mean, I feel like for someone that may not know, you might think to yourself like, oh, they're still kind of frosty. Is that a fair, yeah. is that a fair uh, criticism? Um, I guess that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's... Um... I think we later reconciled is also it's it's truthful. It is truthful. For sure. Um, you regret yeah, that, that, don't you? Right. That was the one thing. Right in the book, you say you like you know I you asked earlier about regrets. Uh, I think it's the only reference to the Jake Paul fight. And I, it, living life with regrets is is 
bad. You'll like if you regret saying something to someone or doing something to someone, like call them up, tell them like, hey man, I'm sorry, I was an asshole, whatever, right? Um, but like the one thing, you know, writing the book and then read, you know, I read through it obviously a couple of times to make sure everything was factually correct, and and then I did the audio book, which that was pretty, that was really hard. Wow. Um, uh, is like, how did I not end up in the UFC? I mean, I remember at the time in 2013, like having those thoughts, like, how did how did that not work out? I'm like, I'm like 12 and 0, ranked like seven in the world or something. Like, how did this not work out? And you, you know, don't, and then you still don't the book, have the answer, like, right? I still don't have the answer. And I, I said, you know, so this book was written, like I said, during Corona. Um, and then the the one only time, time time slash times. Um, Dane and I had phone conversations. It was actually during the Jake Paul fight because he hated Jake Paul. And um, so a couple of times he just called me just to kind of chat about boxing and whatnot. <laughs> and I, I, but those, those were a little bit of my own. I never had a, a really, a even when you got traded. No, what? no conversations. I wish I would have asked him. Um, yeah, because it was just like, why did that not work out? And I have my guesses obviously. And I put them in the book, but yeah, not the notion that uh, you know I was twelve and zero and number six, seven, eight in the world um, with the wrestling pedigree that I had, and you know they, he gave there was a lot of excuses he gave, and unfortunately I don't think you did, but a lot of the media ate it up. But like um, he doesn't want the challenges, uh, he's not experienced enough, yeah. like all these things. You know he's he's not going to sell any fights. Uh, you know all those are now obviously false, and so. Like what, what was the real reason? And I, I would guess it was something about me being a Bellator. Um, you challenged him a like little that. bit with the USADA stuff. And I think he might've challenged him with the USADA stuff. And that probably had a little bit to do with it, but that, that like that can't be the whole thing. There's no way. I mean, he holds a grudge. Let me tell you. Yeah, he's a grudge. Holder. <laughs> uh, and, and so he would call you up to check in on how the training was going to, to talk boxing. Like, why was he calling yeah. you up? Uh, yeah, a couple times. Yeah. He called me up and yeah. Uh -huh. He set you up with Freddie Roach too, right? He did. Yeah. He great, really great wanted you to beat Jake Paul. Yeah, of course. And I don't think. Well, I was like an asset that, uh, again, you know, kind of like when I retired from one, I was an asset that was no longer of any value to them because I wasn't going to fight again. You right. know, so it's like, okay, well, if Jake Paul calls up, calls out someone on my active roster, then I might lose them for a said period of time, or if they lose, maybe they lose value, and I'm I'm an asset who has no value because I'm not fighting anymore. You know, so it's like he's probably like happy for me to to be a distraction and he probably thought the same thing i did that hey this dude like legit sucks and right. it's gonna be you know he might outbox me for a couple rounds he's gonna get tired then i'm gonna rough him up you know by the way who do you think wins jake or anderson i this is not like the uh hazmat uh no this um, one's actually happening in a week and a half well, i don't understand but i know about it. it's like the bo nickels like for me it's just a it's a guess like I don't know. Like, it feels like, I mean, honestly, I, I genuinely thought Tyron was going to beat him up. Mm. You know, I thought I was going to beat him up. Um, so obviously I've, I've underestimated him multiple times now. Um, so, you know, obviously part of me says, well, if he beats up Anderson, I feel a little bit better about myself because <laughs> surely Anderson's like 10 times better of a boxer than I am. Um, and if he loses, I get to get see him beat up, which I think every, everyone wants to see him get beat up. So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, who doesn't want to see him get beat up? Everyone wants to see that. I feel like there's some 13-year-olds. I'm sure he fully understands that. He fully understands that, and he's good with it, I bet. You going to watch? Nah, probably not. Probably. Ooh, we, uh, there's a big wrestling event that a bunch of my wrestlers are taking part in. 
called Who's the Big Cheese. It's going to oh. be like to determine who the number one wrestler is in Wisconsin. Uh, and that's at night. So, so you don't there. feel like any kind of emotional investment in this story? No. MMA guy, MMA guy. No, nothing. You've completely rid no. yourself of it. Yeah. All right. That's fair. By the way, uh, you talked about the hair. You talk about the hair in the book as well. I wanted to ask you a question. We have this, guys. I want to ask you um, who wore it better? Me or you? Oh, I've seen this picture before. I mean, definitely me. Look how big that afro is. Are you kidding? I feel like mine is a lot thicker. The, I think you do like a. Uh, uh, is it a black power symbol in your right hand? What are you doing over there? Well, no, right I'm just saying. Right? You know, power to the people. <laughs> power to the people. You know. You know. For, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting for the little man. You should grow your hair out again because you got you got a nice hairline. It's not like you're getting old and you're losing all your hair, Errol. That was or me in college back, back in the day. How old are you in this picture? Seventeen, probably. Wow. You know who that is in the background right there, right? Kurt Angle. No. Yes, again. Mm. Come can't, on, you can't get this. It's my eyesight is really bad. Mark Kerr. No, how how would I wrestle with those guys? Those guys are way older than me. That's freaking Johnny Hendricks. Come on, wow! I freaking lost to Johnny Hendricks that year at Junior Nationals. Um, By the way, it looks nothing like Johnny Hendricks. Always wanted to get that mic. That, that yes, it does. It looks exactly like him, right behind me. Wow! Just, like zoom in, uh, producer. Who's producing the show? Yeah, they zoom can't in do on that. that. They can't zoom in. We this, don't have that kind what? of capability. Uh, I don't think so. But yeah, okay, I'll take your word for it. I just think mine looked a lot thicker. Um, by the way, did the did the ladies like yours? They didn't like mine. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't think... Uh, this would be my <laughs> advice to all the young men out there. Sure. Because, you know, for a while, my very younger years, I thought, you know, I'm, I ain't a very good looking dude. So, I, you know, girls aren't going to like me. And then I realized, if you just go start talking to them and say the right things, like, they're totally into it. <laughs> and, and that's the, it. And that's then all you, you got to do. And now you got. And you Amy. get a lot of reps. You got. Hey, to take it back to the beginning of the conversation. Sure. You got to be. You got to be okay with you know getting turned down. You, you're gonna fail sometimes, but you just keep attacking like a single leg. I tell my wrestlers, you don't. You, you shoot single leg for the first time, probably not gonna be very good at it. You shoot it for the hundredth hundred time, you're gonna be better. You shoot it for the thousandth time, now you're gonna know where to go for some success. I mean, if there isn't a better. Uh, promo, if you will, for the book and the lessons, because it's not just a book about your life. It's about getting knocked down, dusting yourself off, yeah. fighting again. And I, I always yeah. feel weird saying this, but I hope you know it's a compliment because it didn't happen often to you. No one has ever lost better than you. Do you know what I mean? And and I hope you understand where I'm coming from because everyone loses at it. some point, even if it's just once. Yeah. But everyone Except loses. That son of a bitch, Khabib. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone loses. You dealt with it better than yeah. anyone. Last thing, by the way, speaking of which, Islam, Charles, who do you got? I mean, I feel like this is a fight that you would um, love, right? Yeah. Uh, I, this is another one that I've, I've been having a very hard You've been hard time sitting on the fence a lot with these predictions. I have been. Yeah. But I told you I, I always try to be authentic and say how I feel. It's really weird. I look at Islam. Islam's record to me is so strange. Because he's won so many damn fights in a row, but yet he's never fought anyone that's yeah. like in the top five. Like, how have they not bumped him up? And maybe the answer is a lot of people say no to him, right? That's that's definitely a possibility. I just did this today. Hold on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like I think the best guy he fought was Dan Hooker, who's you know yeah. he, he's Short good, notice. but he's like yeah. a you know like a six through ten rank guy type thing. Yeah, probably Dan. I mean, Bobby Green's a tough guy. Yeah, you look through that record, and 
you're like, how has he never fought any of the other guys? It's almost preposterous that he's won this many fights, but not fought in, um, you know, Poirier or Chandler or yeah. any, you know, now, any of those guys. In his defense, he was booked against some, you know, RDA a couple times, some bad yeah. luck, some injuries, but, you know, you're you're 100% right. Yeah. So it's tough. So I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Charles just because he's been so good for so long. Um, if you look at his last, I think, eight fights, it's like a who's who. He's just taking out the best dudes. You take him out in different ways on the ground. Um, you know, he took Tony down and controlled him. He strikes well. So I'm going to go with him. All right. Uh, again, the book is called Funky, October 25th. Congratulations. It's a great read. Really, And you're right. There haven't been a lot of great MMA books. Um, so I'm happy. And, and I know your career is not just MMA, but I'm happy that uh, you did this and you got the great Chuck Minnenhall by your side. So that alone is all you need to know. There's the picture pre-order now. It's available wherever you get your books, October 25th. Fun to do this, Ben. Thank you very much. Good luck with sure. the book. Uh, have a great day. All right. There he is, the one and only Ben Askren joining us, one of the... Uh, the best to talk to in this game. Always enjoy our conversations. Very fun. They flow. And I could say the exact same thing about our next guest, who is always kind to join us, who's one of the best minds in the game. And of course, with a lot of focus on the bantamweight division this weekend, I thought it would be a great time to check in with Dominic Cruz. Uh, truth be told, I bothered him a couple times over the last couple months and uh, probably was a little too annoying about it all. But he finally said yes. So I guess there's a lesson there for all of us. Dominic Cruz, the greatest bantamweight champion of all time, joins us. Hello, Dom. How are you? What's up, Ariel? Good. I'm good, man. How are you? I, I hear your conversation about me not getting back to you a couple times. What's that about? I just said, yeah, I knew you were listening. I said I was annoying. So I said it was my bad. Yeah. No, I I mean, how do you interpret that you were annoying me? I, I probably asked too many times. Twice? Or maybe I, maybe I just wasn't ready for an interview. I know, I know, that's right. And uh, that's it. Isn't there a part of you that's like, you know what, bud? Leave me the f alone. All right, I've given you enough interviews. Just give me some time. Well, I mean, I think the fact that you know that that's a conversation for all us fighters, and you do it anyway, is something for you to think about. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I, by the way, I I never I, I I usually have a personal rule where I never ask someone right after a loss like unless I could tell that they want to speak that's that's a personal rule. But you did so. Well, I think I waited a little bit. Okay. All right. How are you? I'm great. I'm outstanding, man. How, I mean, come on, life is good. Life is too good. Let's be honest. Why is life, life so is good? good? Man. What? I mean, I come from a trailer park. I'm out of the trailer park. <laughs> Let's be honest. Life is good, man. I got a job. Uh, my family loves me. Um, I've got a home over my head. I've got a car in the garage. I've got a job in a time where a lot of people don't have one. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things to be grateful for, don't you think? Honestly, absolutely. I'm I'm very appreciative. Very grateful. Uh, that's great perspective because you've you've had these things for a while, but it seems like uh, you're very appreciative of them right now. Is is there a reason for that? Well, it's always been that way, but um, you're asking me how I'm doing, and so I'm telling you right now. That's where I'm at. Yeah, gratitude is. It's impossible to be in any kind of sadness when you're in gratitude, and it's not that. Um, I am sad. It's just that it's impossible. It's it's physically impossible. So I, I focus on on the things I can be grateful for as much as possible, especially uh, times like this where everything's up in the air. Sure. Uh, can I ask, back in August after the fight, were you sad initially? 
Uh, sad isn't the word, you know, it's, it's disappointment in, you know, that obviously the whole goal when you put in a 12 week camp is to win. And when you don't win, there's disappointment, but sadness, um, isn't really the term. I don't think for me, it's, it's more just like, you got to reset everything. You know, you have to, you have to look at everything and, and rewrite it. So it's just, a okay reassessment and uh have you watched it yeah because you're such a critical eye uh you're such a great analyst i know you do a ton of research ton of homework i i think the idea of you watching yourself especially after a moment like that is is fascinating how do you watch it like do you just sit and watch do you take notes uh are you with people are you with coaches are you by yourself what is that experience like you do all of it uh at first you watch it alone then you watch it with coaches so that they can make the assessment. Um, that's still going to come. I've just been watching it on my own. And, you know, Tarantula MMA, uh, Brown, Randy Brown, uh-huh. I actually heard, because I get the benefit of doing these fighter interviews. And I learned so much from these fighter interviews, so much from the fighters. That's one of the reasons why it's like, it's nice to be able to be on them because there's so many different minds you get to pick. And something he said is he goes back and he watches his wins and his losses over and over and over and over and over and over. And and like he worded it like that. And I remember looking at him thinking, man, what a strong soul to go back and watch your losses over and over and obsess about it. And he's a young up and comer, you know, and I feel that as a veteran in the sport, Uh, through my assessment and my experience, as long as I've been in the game, the ones who are actually the experienced ones are the youngest fighters. Now it's, it's weird how, how I see it that way. Really? It's like, because they, yeah, because they have the intangible, which is the clear intention and the, you can't stop me because they don't know any better. They're Mm. just free. They're just so free. And so I love to listen to like, I got some 21 year olds in my camp. Like you could literally knock them down three times and there's no score that they're keeping. They're just trying to kill you. They don't know there's a loss going on. There's just no scorecard in their heads. And any up and comer, any youngster that wants to grow and get themselves out of the gutter that they're in or whatever they call, whatever their intention is to getting to the best in the sport, those are the ones you got to learn from. They'll do anything. They'll, they'll run up a mountain. They'll, they'll sleep in a gutter. They'll, those are the ones to learn from. And so um, Randy Brown, listening to him say that, it's like, okay, you know, there was a time in this sport where film study wasn't even a thing. Right. You don't watch, you just, it's not even, you can't even find film. You know, you look on Sherdog, you can't even find people. That's the era I was in. This era, watching it grow to this time where now it's like football and basketball and baseball, you watch film. And if you don't watch film, you're behind. And listening to a Randy Brown who's young, you know, in his twenties, rising up the ladder. Um, and then watching all my young guys that I train with, they get me ready for these fights. Um, it's just a learn. It's, you got to pay attention to that. Yeah. You got to watch the film and, uh, it's not easy either to go back and watch yourself lose. So that's something I heard from Randy Brown. I just want to give, pay respect yeah, to yeah. because that's something that a lot of people could learn from, I think is the humility it takes to go back and watch that. And I think that's why fighters sometimes are Sometimes the most uh, down-to-earth people that you can meet is because we have to watch those things. And we know the humanity that's in us better than any pro athlete on earth, I think, because we don't play games. 
it's life and death. Was there a period in your career early on when you didn't watch film? Uh, well, I was winning a lot, so I never really watched my wins. Wow. Do you, do you regret much. that? I, no, I can always go back and watch them. No, but like in the moment, were you appreciating them? No, uh, I wouldn't say I regret it. But uh, what I noticed now is going back, I didn't appreciate any of my wins. I didn't appreciate any of the things that I've done uh, as much as maybe I could have. I wouldn't say should have because everything's uh, you know, yeah. the way it was supposed to be. But like I could have probably been, uh, I can remember winning a world title and being more upset at myself for the damage I took in the fight than I was for losing some fights, which is super, it was a real big learning lesson for me to show me how the dichotomy of wins and losses and how equal they really are if you, if you actually take a minute and pay attention. So yeah, that's why I think I don't get sad about losses, but you definitely like it takes a, a moment in time, which I've been taking this whole time, month and a half to just sit with and notice it and allow your body to do whatever it's got to do with it. You know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, you're having a nightmare. You're, you're, you're pissed off at yourself. Wake up at three in the morning and, and just yell, you know, the F word. Really? Because that's the first thought that, yeah, that's the first thought that comes to your head is you open your eyes. And the first thought that comes to your head is that bad thing that that loss, the very first thing. And you just go, you yell out and you let yourself be there. And then you move forward like this. It's part of the process um, of learning. It, it's never going to be pain free. How many times have you watched it? Um, myself. Um, by myself, I've watched it like three or four times. Okay. And and what is your and assessment? I watch it more with my coaches. Um, well, if you look at my past, any of my losses, I lost by guillotine, and then I've lost by kick essentially three different times uh cody cut me henry caught me and uh caught me and it, that one is something that i'm still like i really do believe i need more time but it, it's done so yeah. i lost that one by kick. and then um this last one was by kick again so it's a it's a common assessment of analysis that you know one of the, I, I listen to Russell and I, and I use a lot of like comparison and parallels in other sports. Russell Wilson said something that was really uh, funny to me. And he, he was a pocket runner when he first came to the NFL. Like he ran out of the pocket. He's all over the place. I don't know if anybody knows football, but yeah, yeah. I know you do. Yeah, yeah. So he's all over the place, right? All over the field. And then one of the goals that he said was that made him one of the best is when he could stick to fundamentals, stay in the pocket like Brady, like Aaron Rodgers and have that stature even though he's not that like to be able to be that but then use all his other gifts worst case scenario to still have in the back pocket is what makes him special i see that similar with me you know when i'm as i'm you know i'm raising in the ranks and i'm i'm staying in the top 10 of the world at this at this level with all the film study on me with all the years of tape that you have to watch me you know, it's a lot of time people have to adjust and make adjustments while the sport's evolving well. Also, everybody has all the tools. Everybody has all the coaching. Everybody has all the, the gym now. You got personal trainers that are teaching people how to recover well. Like, everything's there for all of us now. So all that mixed together is like, you got to look at this and, 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 and analyze it from a place of how do I stick to fundamentals? 
if I stick to fundamentals and, and stay with those fundamentals and then have my gifts that I use, then I'm good. And that's the game is I can't take away what I am because it's winning. Like I've won many world titles and I was still winning that fight. It's just that you've got to find these margins where you can go fundamentally sharp back to your gifts, fundamentally sharp back to your gifts that mm. make you different. And if we change what makes me different, if Eric Del Ferro changes what makes me different, me slipping and moving, then you kind of take away what I am and what, what's helped me win. But if you don't make some adjustments, maybe change the margin of me being who I am and, and kind of minimize it to, you know, what if I did two and a half minutes of unconventional minute of commit? I'm not saying that there's a, a number or a time that you can set, but there is adjustments that could be made. And when I look at it, when I listen to Russell Wilson, he said, what makes me the best when I can stay fundamentally sharp the most. So when I can stay fundamentally sharp, that's what the sport is. Early in the sport, when I was champion, it's pure offense was everything. Offense, 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 defense, the offensive, out cardio, everything. As the sports progressed, it's become tight defenses. Now back what's, what's coming on, tight striking defense, uh, fundamentally sharp, keeping a stance. And then what's also switched is now we're switching stance. So the fundamental striking defense is there at a whole other level and different. And the stance switch is different, which so that people at home can know that's the equivalent of having a basketball, the best basketball player on earth, being able to go lay up on the left and the right. It's the best pitcher on earth being able to throw lefty and righty. It's the best batter on earth being able to bat switch hitter. It's the best soccer player being able to kick the ball in the goal with the left foot and the right foot. That's the level of sport that mixed martial arts has gone to overnight in 10 years. People are now turning lefty and just as effective with their defense and their offense as they are being conventional, as they are being southpaw. So it's like now you're seeing guys like Jose Aldo get beat by a guy like Jan because the man's switching to lefty. And that's a whole different fight. Right. So it's like you're fighting two fights in one fight now. And then you've got five rounds, which is five fights. In one night, five fights in one night where you've got two different stances. This is the level. The sport's just rising very quickly. Wow. And so you got to make the analysis. And the analysis is fundamentals are going to be key when guys are switching stance like this, which wasn't the case early on when I was winning titles. So it's just different. And I appreciate it. I appreciate watching the sport evolve. I appreciate being part of it. You know, I was one of the first guys, me and Demetrius Johnson, I was in the pound for pound list. Me and DJ were at the top of the pound for pound list and two of the only guys that ever switched stance early on. And now you're seeing it as not just switching stance for a moment. These guys are switching stance and staying there defensively and offensively sharp and sound. It's so fun to watch and um, it's fun to be part of. It's fun to be, it's honorable to be still be at the highest level and still competing with these guys. Your style was revolutionary when you were champion. Do you feel now like you have to be revolutionary again because, as you say, people are now doing a lot of the things that you were doing. You were one of the only ones to do back in the day. I don't see it as revolutionary now. Now it's um, stick to fundamentals. Okay. So does that mean it's next not, time we see you, there'll be less of that old school? I, no. changed, I changed nothing. I, I can't change anything, right. Ariel. Like, that's who I am. I got, you know, my hand was even up when I got caught. So it's like, I was even like defending myself, but this is a game of inches. Like you've seen, how many fights have you seen 
for instance, one of my favorite fights of all time to watch, John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. Yeah. I top, you know, you see in the fifth round, John Jones lands that spinning elbow and it just changes the tide of the fight. It's once we're one strike away and these guys were trading for 23 minutes. Yeah. And we're always an inch and one strike away from something landing on the other. I hit him and I was winning for three, three rounds and I could have dropped him any of those times. He could have dropped me any of those times. It happened when it happened. Um, when you look at the analysis, all you can do is make your own adjustments and control the controllables. Not, I can't control the uncontrollables and the uncontrollables are the other person. So I focus on me and fundamentals is something that I can add. I'm already doing it. That's already what we've been adding to my game. It's already what we've been doing. It's just, there's more, just add a little bit more for, for a little bit of a longer pace. But when you watch that fight, uh, it was, it was a great competitive fight and I was, you know, doing really well and I got hit and it was a nice, uh, read by, by them. And that's how it goes. I've made reads and I've embarrassed people. And you know, that's happened to me now too. Was he better than you thought he would be? No, it's top five in the division. If you think that the top five in the division aren't going to be world champions, you're, you're, you're an idiot. And I think it's the best weight class in MMA, to be honest. I think it's the best weight class by far in the UFC. Do you think he can be champion? I agree that it's the best weight class in MMA. And I think that, like I said, if you're in the top five, you absolutely can be champion. Definitely. Um, I think that just like for the rest of us, fa matchups favor are more favorable than others. Yes. So I think that if Dill Shaw and Marais or and Vera were to fight, it'd be a better fight uh, for Vera than Vera and Sterling. Stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Like he could still beat both of them. He's still at that level, but it's like there's certain matchups that are going to be um, tougher for each of us. You know, um, I think that for Sterling, he called out the toughest fight for him in the division. He, I think he, in his head, wanted to get that out of the way personally. Um, that's because for his style. Yeah, I yeah. think so. For his style, that's the, the one of the toughest ones in the division. Yeah, for him. Right. Him and me. I think Dillshaw and me are the two toughest because we scramble and we wrestle. And when you watch Jan, what made him win that fight was the the non-scramble ability and the grappling of Jan in those positions. Whereas Dillshaw is really hard to get a hold of after he's been taken down. I'm really hard to get a hold of after we've been taken down. Certain guys scramble and wrestle. Uh, Jan uses his striking defense and his wrestling defense. But once you get past that first move, you could see that you can kind of stay with them. Um, I don't know if Sterling's going to be able to keep control of Dillshaw the way he was able to keep control of Jan. That's all, that's the difference maker, I think, is can Sterling control Dillshaw like he did Jan? And I think that Dillshaw has enough wrestling ability that, that, that he's able to make it just a pure stand-up fight for five rounds, which is, a, I think, a tougher matchup for Sterling. Do you think Dillshaw wins? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm picking Aljo. Because I think Aljo's big and strong and the the style that he fights, he he keeps you on the outside with kicks. And then when you try to get in the boxing range, he, he wrestles. Right. So as long as he's got five rounds wrestling cardio, he can win. That's the question. Do you have 25 minutes of wrestling and grappling cardio? And I don't mean necessarily grappling because remember, 
part of grappling cardio is control. He's going to have to have wrestling cardio, which is scramble ability, takedowns, nonstop, clinch work, and then just nonstop scramble, wrestle, scramble, wrestle, scramble, wrestle. I don't see a lot of moments where you're going to get Dillshaw and just keep that static hold. If he can, he wins quick. That's that's best case scenario for Sterling. But if you look at the results, you know, TJ's takedown defense is up there. It's hard to hold him. Even if you take him down, it's hard to keep him there. Whereas Jan, Jan's hard to take down, but he's but once you do get him there, you've seen he can be held there by certain people. In his in the results of the matchups that you watch of Jan's film, he can be held there if he does get taken down. That's what Sterling did. And that's what Magomedov Magomedov did in another show that I saw mm-hmm. when I watched Jan too. So we've seen that, whereas we haven't really seen that with Dillshaw, where somebody's just held him down and grappled him and controlled him. He's been outstruck. He's been outmaneuvered, taken down, outpointed, but not just, you're done. And I think uh, Aljo kind of needs that each round in order to keep that pace that he likes to keep. Uh, earlier today, speaking of those two, uh, there was a media day in Abu Dhabi, and TJ said very matter-of-factly that he's the greatest bantamweight of all time, bantamweight champion of all time. I went through your resume, his resume. I think that's the debate. And I, I don't, you know, obviously you're going to be confident. You're going to believe in yourself. I don't know how you can argue. And that's not a knock on him, but considering the amount of title defenses you had versus his, considering your matchup head-to-head, can I can I ask for your uh, response to that? How do you feel about uh, that that statement? And and uh, do you think it's a no brainer that you are the greatest of all time? You know, I think on it, and I mean this like the people decide that, not the person. Like if I'm over here saying I'm the greatest of all time, anybody can say that about themselves. You know, history is made by the people, not by the person who does it. Like we're going to be remembered by what we've done and how we carried ourselves during that time, who we made a difference for, who we made better around us. So to me, that's what matters more than you're the greatest of all time. You know, like that's going to be said by the people. I can't decide that for myself. Um, I believe that my results speak for themselves and uh, I'm still here competing at the highest level, you know, um, like I said, I've been on the pound for pound list. I have all these things. You can you can go find all these things. But when it comes down to it, you know, I've never been in trouble with USADA. And that if there's anything that you can look at that makes a difference, that makes a difference for other people. That doesn't necessarily make a difference for me because I come up in the sport that you never know. So mm. you can't hold on to it. You just got to fight whoever's there. But it's like, what else do you got to say? That's a difference maker. Are you going to keep fighting? I'm here, yeah. I'm, what do you mean? You want like, to resume. I, I think I'm there just... was a question, obviously, after the fight. If uh, I didn't think so, but you know, obviously wanted to ask if uh, that would be it for you. If you would say, all right, I'm, uh, I'm done. Is, 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 is there anything to that, or you're going to continue your career? I'm here. Like I'm just, right now, it's been a month and a half. I'm just running again. I'm lifting. I'm getting the body strong. I'm still at the highest, still top 10 level. I don't look at myself after that loss and go, oh, I'm not there anymore. I do the opposite. I go, all right, speed's still there. Power's still there. All this stuff's still there. We just got, you know, tighten up some defense. You either retire or you lose. And 
those are your choices. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of people who retire, they didn't lose because they retired. Right. It's like, you, you can just keep going and, you know, but there's a point where you're just going to, you know, stack up too many losses because you're not there anymore. I don't really look at my last fight and go, ah, you're not at the level. These guys are just outclassing you. It wasn't really that. So take my team, fix the fundamentals and take it a day at a time, get my body strong and just, just training and love training. Like this is, you know, I don't, I'm still calling fights. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of Dillshaw. I fought him. I'm a fan of Sterling. I'm a fan of all these guys, whether they understand it, uh, Jan O'Malley, like, so to get to call their fights to compete against them, it's cool because um, I'm still here. You know, I'm still, still competing. It's, you're the it's only one. To get By the way, you're the only one. It was almost kind of like, a, like it hit me when you fought Cheeto. You're the only one of the broadcast team, not not the desk guys, but the you know the the the, the color analysts that is still fighting. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, Vera is on the Spanish side. Well, um, yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't watch that. But fair, but uh, I, I mean, of the guys on, you know, ESPN and whatnot of of that crew, um, of you know, there's there's five six of you guys. You're the only one, which is supremely impressive uh, that you're able to do both. And you looked great. You looked amazing. It was vintage Dom early on, and so I'm happy to hear that you're going to keep fighting. I have to say, a little bit sad. I was hope in the back of my mind, I was like, man, now's the time, Dom versus Aldo. The 35 King, 45 King WEC guys, but it doesn't look like he's gone now. Did you uh, did you ever have those thoughts? You know, before he left, were you like, oh, maybe this is the one? Th- th- that's kind of like a dream fight for a lot of us who kind of came up in that era. Back, I was calling for it before this Vera fight. I yeah. thought that should have happened. Yeah. You know, it's not like those both. He beat Vera, so it was like, all right, let, you know, I was. I'm always trying. I was. I've always been just trying to move up the up right. the ladder. Vera moved himself into that spot, so let's fight. You know what right. I mean? It was like, okay, that was my that was my shot, and I needed to beat him to keep the momentum going, to keep going. And I get that. The crazy part is, I'm one fight away from being back in that conversation at any given time. Yep. One fight. Yep. I go out there. You know, I just got called out by Jonathan Martinez. What a sweetheart of a fucking guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's be honest. The nicest guy on earth, calling me out, and it makes sense. Like. Do you want to fight a guy that's got 300 followers and is lethal? Or do you want to fight a follow a guy who's been doing this for a long time and is also lethal? But either way, you're facing two dangerous guys. One guy moves you. He was a former champ. One guy is nasty, not a former champ. Who are you going to call out? People are going to keep calling me out. I understand that. I can't knock them. All I can do is sit there with the microphone in my suit and go, thank you. Appreciate the call out respects like what are you supposed to say be mad like no. i get it it's no a, it's, respect. it's a business move yeah it's a business move and um it's a little weird when you're standing there and you're like ah you know what do, you, do i be fighter dom do i be analyst dom i think this is things that people don't really know unless you're in that position it's not it's not necessarily always easy because you want to tread lightly on on the fighters because i know what it's like to be in that position and you also got to do the job as an analyst which is what your producers are in your ear about so you got producers and then you've got the fighter and they they don't they're they're conflicting jobs let's be honest they don't necessarily work together so all i can do is pray that my producer zach candido gives me a break on some of these shows doesn't make me travel too much internationally because that's the hard part is how do i travel travel internationally 
and compete for the top 10 of the entire world and keep giving the platform to these fighters and keep supporting them and building them and explaining what they do so amazing and still build my career and still be sharp and still be strong. You know, that's what I did in this last fight. I took all the time off to prepare for it. So you can't really do the TV stuff. Right. And so you hope that that's understandable with the producer and you hope that that's understandable with fighting with the coaches. So the balance of those two careers is definitely something that I, I don't think people really understand. There's not a lot of athletes in the world that are doing common color commentary of the same sport that they're competing in. It's no. like telling Aaron Rodgers to go jump on the desk in the middle of the football season and talk about his, the guys that he's going to face next week. Like how do you, on Monday night football, Aaron yeah. Rodgers is going to face that team and then he's got to commentate about him so that he can pay for the camp or the next game. That's my life. Yeah. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have it. I'm grateful to have it, but it is a lot of work. I work a lot. I work very hard to be where I'm at. It's is, not just given. When, when you see, when you know that Rogan doesn't go international. There's two massive bantamweight fights on the pay-per-view this weekend. Is there a part of you that's like, oh, that's one I'd like to call, or are you happy international? You can sit back. Like, how, how do you? Well, I can train. I yeah. can train. Like, if I'm international, it's I can train, but I got to bring somebody with me. Train right. every day while I'm there. Pay to, you get what I'm saying? Like, you have to bring a partner with you everywhere you go. You have to be drilling. You have to be getting hit. You have to be running. You have to be boxing. You have to be hitting pads. You have to be grappling. So if you don't have a body with you, nobody nobody cares if you're calling TV. Like, your body has to be ready to fight whether you're calling TV or not. So you got to mix it all together. So to not, to not have to travel internationally is quite a gift when you're a professional athlete. Hmm. Do you have a preference who would be next? Do you have someone on your mind? No, I don't. Um, I think it's, I think that I'm going to keep probably getting called out in the division, which is what's going to happen. So right. I don't think it's going to be too hard for me to find a matchup. I don't think I really need to think about it. And if I, let's say I had a matchup in mind, they give me somebody totally different. Right. So what's the point? I'm just like train fundamentals, get the body sharp, feel sharp, feel good. Be happy doing what you're doing, and uh, I think the next the next thing will will take place. And I'm just excited to watch this fight. You know, I, I mean that when I say like the only reason I I bring up Usada when it comes to TJ Dillashaw is not out of disrespect. It's just literally the facts. It's like that's if we had one difference in our careers, it's just that he's one of the nastiest guys in the whole. I'm proud I beat him. I'm proud that I got to fight him. Um, I'm, just watching him still win makes me proud because I beat him. You know, when you, when you beat guys like that are doing well, I enjoy seeing that. It's great. You know, I hope Vera goes on to keep winning. I do. I hope he goes for the title and wins it that, you know, that shows me where I'm at too. So it doesn't bother me to see these guys win. I'm fans of them. Regardless of what happened with Bill Shaw, I'm a fan because I'm a, I'm an athlete in this sport and I know how hard it is. So um, it's cool to get to watch them. By the way, just a couple more, couple more things, and I'll let you go. Uh, great insight, as always. Just curious, uh, speaking of this weekend, what does Sean O'Malley have to do to pull off this upset? Um, you know, he's got the body and the frame, and, he, you know, he's grown up a lot. I think people are forgetting this. He's not a kid anymore. This dude's grown into his body. He's a lot bigger and a lot stronger than he was two years ago, a year ago. He's growing. He's filling out. So he's a big guy at this weight class. Um, I think the length, the range, he throws, 
he switches stance and throws like lunging left hands, lunging right hands. It's like I call it a dart. And he's super good with that, which makes him longer. I think the key for him is footwork. And I think he's going to offset stance with, with Jan every time to stay longer. So if, if Jan goes southpaw, he's going to go conventional. That way he's always playing that lead hand fight game. You know, like D- Diaz and if you watch any good southpaws, they're always playing that lead hand fight game. They're always reaching for that lead hand. That can only happen when the stance is offset. Southpaw, conventional, conventional southpaw. So I think that we're going to see O'Malley play that game a lot to shut down the lead hand of Jan, which makes him longer. Footwork, lateral movement, long darting motions. And other than that, he's got to stop the takedowns. Um, and he's got to get the respect. But he's got power in the hands to get the respect. So the one thing you got to look at is Jan. How did he lose to Sterling? He got inside in the pocket and then got wrestled. Well, does O'Malley have the skill to wrestle when Jan gets into that pocket? I mean, that's yet to be seen. And I think that's what makes the difference in this fight. What about Charles Islam? How do you see that going? Um, if you look at Oliveira and, and, the, and his past, the only fighter that beats him ever in all of his losses is Makachev. It's this, it's that style, you know, like the guy who takes him down, who can uh, stay out of submissions and keep all of air on his back. It's not, it doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be fancy. It needs to be forward. Keep, keep the forward pressure, stop the hard defense, get the takedown and blink it for five rounds with your Mahachev. And that's the one thing that's beaten Oliveira. If you look at any of his fights, it's the only way he's really been beaten, like, is that way. So that's how I see if you're Mahachev, that's what you got to do. You make it a boring fight, you blanket him, you get a takedown around, and you keep him there, and you don't let him up. That's it. And if you're Oliveira, march forward, throw your knees up the middle, throw your elbows in the pocket, throw your long strikes to get him go into that pocket and connect with the knees and the elbows. You throw the long strikes to force them inside into your knees, into your elbows, forward pressure pulls out the timing of the takedown. And you try to knee him, you try to elbow him and you try to submit him. And the whole, every moment of the fight, he's going to be having to try to submit or get to his feet. If he doesn't get the submission, he's got to use that submission attempt to get back up. Mm. Um, your Oliveira. That's the one thing that could change for him is does he use the submission attempts to stay in full guard and keep attacking with his black belt? Or does he attack a couple times and then use his guard to get back up and create a stand-up fight? I think in the past, Oliveira's kind of stayed on his back a little longer and then lost the decision. If he can make the adjustment of spending a little time, a little less time on his back, even if he's taken down and using his guard to get back up to his feet a little bit more, he can mix in the, the guard and the striking and really create a lot of problems for Majeb. Man, incredible stuff. That's why you're one of, if not the best, when it comes to this. By the way, time frame for you, when do you think, oh, we just lost him. I was just about to ask him, like, my last question. He was like, you know what? I've had enough of you, Helwani. We'll reconnect with him in a moment. Great stuff there. From Isn't he amazing? I mean, geez Louise, just Literally breaking that best. all down. He is incredible. He is really incredible when it comes to breaking down this stuff. And I could just listen to him talk about the analytical, you know, this show has never been that kind of show uh, because I don't have that kind of mind. I don't have that kind of experience, but I love listening, especially to the 
you know, to the pros, to the good ones, to the guys who have been in there, I would never, ever, 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 ever pretend uh, to know 1% of that to even try and pass off like I know any of that. And even even though I've watched it for so many years and, I mean, he's he's a different kind of beast, but, you know, watching it every week, obviously you pick up on things and, you know, you dabble here and there, but he's been there. He's done it. He has lived it. He has experienced it. It's really remarkable to hear him break things down. And uh, I thought, I, you know, his insight on Dillashaw Aljo is fascinating. Obviously, the big question with, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about Sean O'Malley on Saturday. And I think it's, uh, you know, a bunch of questions that we've wanted to to answer. He's taking a big leap here. I mean, there is a big gap between where he was fighting in Piotr Jan. Um, because I still think that people feel like Piotr Jan is the best bantamweight in the world, despite the fact that he just lost to Aljo. Um, even though Aljo won fair and square, that's how much respect people have for Piotr. And, you know, they're 1-1, right? So that's why it's always interesting to see how these things play out when it's 1-1 and why eventually I would love to see a, a trilogy uh, between them. Maybe next, maybe after one more. The Aljo Dilshaw fight is super hard. I, I I really of the three fights, I feel like that's the toughest one to call of the three. And yes, uh We haven't come in back. You're right. Uh New York Rick reminded me that yes, Aljo is two oh, but I guess I just view the first one as a loss. And I think Aljo does too. But yes, technically it's two oh. Thank you for that. Um does anyone view the first one as a win? I feel like that's why the trilogy is acceptable because it's not 2-0. But yes, technically, my apologies. I misspoke. It is uh, 2-0 for Aljamain Sterling. I feel like of the three, that's the toughest one to call. I feel like you can convince me of uh, how the other two are going to go. The, the the main event, or the co-main event, excuse me, is the toughest. Is he back? He is. Sorry about that. My phone oh. died. Oh, man. I just had two more questions, so I'm sorry to make you go no, through I'm, all of this. Bad. Uh, no problem, no problem. I, I wanted to ask time frame. Like, it, I know it's still fresh, but uh, what do you think? First quarter, second quarter? Have you even thought of that, of when you would return? No, I'm just having fun, like, training. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, honestly, Ariel, like, it's hard. It's, like, to be world champion and then, now being the top 15, I'm just glad to be competing yeah. at the highest level in the sport still, you know? Um, what a blessing I've been to be able to have the career I've had, and now I still get to compete against the best. Like, So I'm just trying to enjoy the moment. You, this doesn't last forever for any of us. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I haven't been this healthy in most of my career. So that means that my mind is there because I find that when my mind is healthy, my body follows. So I feel really healthy mentally. I feel more healthy mentally than I've ever felt in my life, which is contributing to my body. And so I'm just happy to be competing and be healthy and be tra- fight, facing the best in the world at this time still. And that's a beautiful thing considering everything you've been through. It still is amazing to me that uh, all those guys that you came up with, none of them are fighting anymore. Not only are you still fighting, but at the top of the game, it's an incredible testament to uh, your heart, your mind, your body, 
One last thing. Could I ask, and maybe you don't have a good answer, but you know, I, I, I like to, uh, to dig a little deeper with you. Is there something that uh, the fans, the media, the community, that we don't appreciate when it comes to how a fighter deals with a loss? I was, I was uh, reading someone talk about like losses and how uh, it was Deron Wynn and how he feels like, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's like, we, no one understands the depression that a fighter goes through after a loss. Um, and what life is like on that Monday after a loss. And I feel like even 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 myself, like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but it's like, all right, on to the next event. You know, we talk about it on Monday and then it's on to the next one. It's on to, and then you have to sit with it. And you have to, even like you talking about waking up and saying the F word is not something that we think about or I think even appreciate, especially with the gambling now. Everyone cares about their picks and this and that. We don't remember like how much you pour into the fight, the three months, and then what it does to you afterwards. And so I'm just wondering, since you're coming off of it, like, do, do you feel like we don't, it's not like losing a football game. It's not like losing a basketball game. This is you. And sometimes it happens in a very, very tough way. What do we need to know and appreciate about this? Um, you know, the, the crazy part about that is you might not like what I say or whatever, but I come from a place of hundred percent responsibility. That's my choice. It's a, it's a context. It's not a fact. And so I choose everything I create in my life, everything from the response of my loss to what I, I created this. So the question isn't how do I get everybody else to understand? It's how do I stop fighting? What is that's it. Th- this is it. You lost. And if I fight it, I'm miserable. If I can surrender to the fact that it's done, it's in the past, you know, surrender is probably not a good word because people might not understand it, but stop resisting what is like, stop fighting it and just accept it. I guess is the word you're not as miserable. So really what happens is before a fight, you move into your ego heavy. You have to, you need your ego to win. When you get hit, your ego is what brings you back to life. No way. Not today. I'm getting that money back. Right. When you're done with a fight, your ego no longer serves you. It's not there to serve you. It's there to hinder you after a loss. It's there to tell you you're lesser than, you're weak. That's the depression. So the truth is, for fighters, our ego attacks us after the fight. Win, lose, or draw. Now, if you win, your ego builds you. Mm. And that can also be a bad thing. It can make you too big. I mean, right? Like It doesn't always work to have your ego telling you how great you are. You can, uh, the pride comes before the fall, they say. When you lose, your ego tells you how you're lesser, how you're not this, how you're not that. You are your results to your ego. You are not your results to real life, to the world, to me, to you talking right now. I am not my results. So what it comes down to is not as a fighter from my own experience, it comes down to not trying to control the world and how they're going to see you, but it comes down to controlling the fact that you get to, to, it comes down to not controlling, accepting that your ego is the one telling you that, that you don't need your ego right now, that you need to be your regular self. Your ego is not there to serve you and uh, accept what is. And then that is where the peace can come. If, if I keep fat, fighting it, then I'm going to be miserable and depressed. But if I accept what is and I get to move into it and then take, the, then I get to get the lesson from it when I accept it. Um, part of the gift of surrender that I think people don't get is surrender means to let go and receive. It doesn't mean to just give up. I think people forget the receiving part of surrender. And when I surrender to the loss, 
It's not easy. It takes time. That's why I've, I've been a month and a half off the radar. It takes time. You got to really look at yourself. And, uh, but then I stop worrying about what other people see, what other people think. And that, uh, you know, the, the world mirrors itself back to you. If you show up as love and nourishment to yourself, the world will mirror it back to you. If you show up as I'm lesser than, I am my results, I'm a loser, the world will mirror itself back to you. So it really comes down to what you're responsible for creating. Uh, the, you, I think we're, I'm responsible for creating the environment around me. So if I'm showing up as that, that's the environment I'm going to get. Wow. Um, it's my responsibility. <laughs> I love that. That was wonderful. Thank you. And I think that applies to not just fighting, but to life as well. There's a lot that we can learn from that. Dom, you're the man. Much love. If you were here, I'd give you a nice big hug. Uh, I appreciate you very much and uh, value your opinion and your insight on this sport and life, to be honest. So thank you for doing this as always. And uh, my best to you, and we'll talk to you soon. I love. And Darren Wynn, I called that fight. You're the man. All right. Hang your head up. Thank you. Nice. Uh, there he is. Dominic Cruz. Man. I mean, how lucky are we, right? How lucky are we? That was pretty awesome. Oh, man. How lucky are we? I mean, Ben is great, too. And again, the book is great. Dom should write a book, too, one day. Uh, just just unbelievable stuff. And um, very lucky. You know, he's right about fighters. They are extremely down-to-earth, and they're some of the most interesting and um, introspective people that I've ever come across in life. Uh, just fascinating human beings who are just open, raw themselves, don't put on a front. And I'm not trying to diminish what an athlete goes through when they lose a big football game, Super Bowl. It's it's heart-wrenching when you lose a big basketball, hockey, uh, even, even the one-on-one sports, tennis. But there is something different about losing when it involves physicality combat there's something different and how you know essentially naked they are in front of the world and then that's why that's stuff you know like the memes the videos the gifts people posting like still i see see it to this day dc crying other people it's like man you guys have no idea you have no idea what they go through and it's why i'll always defend the fighters and if you want to call me biased i'll, I'll always be biased towards the fighters as as a whole obviously there are a lot that I don't agree with their way of life or their, I don't know, their values, whatever. But as as a whole, uh, it's why I think it's paramount that first and foremost, we always see their perspective because they're the ones who are risking everything. And, and another thing that bothers me, if I may, look, there's a lot of fighters who, you know, we may not agree with, whether it comes to their values, their way of life, their politics, this and that. I do feel like we often quickly dismiss the ones that we don't share the same values, point of views, whatever. Like if it's not exactly the same, we dismiss them. They're bad people, this and that. I've never been that way. And it has nothing to do with who I try to get on the show. Not, like there's a ton of people who I don't uh, agree with who, you know, are on the show. And, and that's that because that's part of the job. But I also feel like a lot of the people who I actually don't agree with are some of my favorite people in MMA because just because they don't mirror my thoughts, values, perspectives on certain things doesn't mean that they're bad people. And I feel like there's too much of that, especially in this day and age. There's too much of that. There's too much of that dismissed. Like, name a person in MMA um, who may be polarizing this and that. And more often than not, they've either been on or I've ha- I'd have no problem with them 
being on the show because I think it's very important to, there's too much of like, let me just pick my, you know, my lane with my thoughts, with my perspectives, and let me just stick to that and everything else is wrong. That's why I hate political reporting because it's crazy to me that you can literally go on the network, the channel, the podcast, the show that mirrors everything that you want to hear as opposed to a channel, a show, a network, a podcast that is down the middle that presents everything and opens your mind to other stuff. That's the way it should be. And it blows my mind that that's not the way it is in the real world. What we do is the fantasy world, is the toy department, as Howard's, uh, Howard Cosell once said famously. Sports are the toy department of the newsroom. And yet in our world, we have to be unbiased, down the middle, um, you know, completely... Uh, straight. And then you go to the real world stuff and it's like, oh, let me just follow exactly what I want to hear and have people continue to reinforce that, reinforce that. And to me, that's just not the way it should be. It's not healthy and I don't agree with it. So anyway, just wanted to say that. I uh, look forward to Dom's return. I think he was a nice table setter to this weekend's card. Speaking of this weekend's card, we got to make some picks. We also have to answer the rest of the questions. So without further ado, and speaking of parlays, it is time, my friends, to get us back on track. I don't know if you guys heard this. I have personally guaranteed that the Parlay Pals will get back on track this Saturday. I am guaranteeing victory. Is this just for yourself or no? The this is parlay? for the entire unit. This reminds me of Patrick Ewing back in the day. He used to always guarantee victory. The New York Post used to uh, make fun of him sometimes when he wouldn't get it right, but he kept going back to the well. Of course. Most famously, Mark Messier prior to Game 7. He guaranteed victory, and the Rangers got it done. I am pulling a Messier. Joe Namath. Joe Namath, of course. That's a big one. I was thinking New York. Yeah, man. Joe Namath. New York. Yeah, New York Jets. Yeah. Uh, we're winning. I we are winning. It. Are you upset that Mohamed Mokhaev has moved beyond minus 1,000? Ah! He can no longer take it. <laughs> are you serious? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I knew ah! that upset you. I was like, thank God, Mohammed. No, nah, he he's here to minus 1150. No. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, well, two things on that. Actually, a few things. I have a few things on this. One, <sighs> like he's fighting a Canadian. Come on. You got to. Listen, I don't care. When it comes to getting back on track. <laughs> two, I don't care. I mean, there's props. You know, there's props well. that you can make sure. with, with Mohammed here. Um, and three, I love how we just gloss over like, yeah, the post used to make fun of him when he would get them wrong. You're like guaranteeing, but then pointing to the fact that, yeah, they would fine. get them wrong. Like sometimes we're, we're not getting this wrong. There will we're not getting it wrong. We're not getting it wrong. This, I like this the will confidence. Happen. But by like the way, the on Monday, he was under minus 1000. He, he was. was. Yeah. It's Mother effort. Yeah. According to who? Draft Every Kings? book. Ah. Yeah. DraftKings was actually like the last book to have him under a thousand. And as of this morning, he was still under a thousand. I was oh. like, oh man, I wonder if he's going to hang on. Uh, he did not hang on. He is uh, <laughs> currently minus 1150. This is such a disappointment. I was so excited. Yeah. Pick. I said at lunch, I was like, all right, so we can already chalk in uh, Mokhaev for Crowani. Uh, it took him at UFC London. I had a feeling you were high. Oh, a thousand percent. And by the way, the rest of the card is pretty much a bunch of. You know, minus 175s plus 150s yeah. in that range. There's Not some close easy. ones on this Not one. Not easy. Got to get fancy with it with some props. Uh, All right. All right. We're ready to do yeah. the uh, the order. We'll Let's throw it in the old uh, parlay randomizer, and here we go. Watch me get first. Mm. Oh, 
there we go. Frankie. Frank what was that, Rick Connor. I, I, I didn't want to wow. because I was just thrown off here. I mean, I was going to pick. <laughs> Do you want me to trade with you? Or? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm totally good. Um, right, by the well, way, oh. where can I see these props, by the way? Uh, if you go on sportsbook.draftkings.com. Yeah. At the top, total well, rounds. Ariel, you, you use best fight odds, right? Yeah, but you don't see the That's props That's where you there. usually look? You can. On the right side, there's little arrows that you can expand and see the props. Oh. Uh, also, while Ariel tries to find that, uh, Frank, we actually have some breaking news here. Oh. Big stuff from DraftKings Sportsbook. So instead of just being essentially forced to ride the parlay with us, you can make your own if you want to. It's a, uh, it's a stepped-up parlay. So the way it works is you add your picks, and with each pick that you add, you get a bigger boost. So if you start at a three-leg parlay, you get a 20% boost. Four legs, 25%. All the way up to 10 or more legs, you can get up to a 100% boost. So whatever kind of parlay you want to build out, it's on you. Or you can you know, choose to ride with us. Uh, either way, we're getting you the boost. Wow, that's fun. Also, this arrow yeah. thing that you just told me about is really fun. I had no idea this was there this whole oh time. Oh, my God. You've been looking at Best Fight Odds uh, for the last year. This thing and is no incredible. Idea. You can see the props across all the I books. never would have gotten any of them wrong had I been. Oh, oh my God. That's, that's the <laughs> so it's my pick, right? It, it is your pick, Frank. Pick, Kick right? us off, man. There are a lot of people to pick from. A lot of money lines. But I'm going to go with a prop. I'm going to take Aljo oh. over two and a half. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Aljamain Sterling, that, TJ that, Dillashaw that. over two and a half. Wait, is this just total. Aljo? Or no, both. No, that fight Thank over. You for the fight okay. goes over two and a half. So that's interesting because I'm looking here. Wow, there's a whole new world that I've just been exposed whole to. Whole new world, bro. There's <laughs> an over one and a half and a two and a half. Why are you going two and a half, not one and a half? Because I know it'll go over two and a half. Wow, he's that confident. Jeez. You could have taken the one and a Better half. Better odds. Yeah. You could take over one and yeah. a half in uh, Chukagian uh, Fioro, Ariel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, how do you feel about that pick? GC. Wait, I mean, <laughs> all right. I'm just, I'm just asking. I just wanted to know. Okay, yeah, that's how I feel. It's gonna, it's gonna be sweaty. I mean, TJ Dillashaw. He's got what the most knockouts as a as a champion in bantamweight history. I mean, he's got the power in the hands. Uh, full disclosure, by the way, I was looking at one and a half. That's why I was asking. Mm. Um, all right, one and a half is safer for sure. Yeah, I'm just curious, like why you know? Well, we gotta you know put a little bit of skin in the game. So. Yeah, I also just personally guarantee. Hide so, under you know, the yeah. safer out here, Frank. <laughs> Uh, what what do you got, New York Rick? Oh wait, is it who's who's next? It is Rick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick I think is it is me, right? Yep. Okay, I'm deciding between two. Doing this on the fly. Wait, what? I really want to take one, flops. but <laughs> no, it's because it's this one I really have it. wanted to take for a long time. But then it's bitten me over and over. Uh oh. Think about the parlay. <laughs> Think about the yeah. guarantee. Most confident pick on the car. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna do it. Wow. I'm just gonna do it. I'm, okay. I'm going with money line Islam Makachev. Wow. <laughs> he did it. He did. Sorry. It. He did Sorry, do I, it. I, I wow. That throws that. a wrench in the party. Why? I was gonna go. Fight doesn't go. Wow. Wait. Are you not allowed? Now I'll no. do the same fight. I think we're not allowed because of the same fight, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we could technically do Islam inside the distance. I guess that would be a, a little combo. If bet. we get, if we're starting to get dicey at the end, I had another pick, but you know what? Like, no, and, can... and the reason I say it's bitten me is like I've been, I've been, been predicting the demise of Charles for a long time. I've been picking everybody against him, and he's been making me eat crow. And here I go again, just picking Islam, and Charles is going to kick me in the face and shut me up. Well, I'll take the super chalk. I'll. Uh... I'll find something else here. I, I just mentioned it, uh, you know, with Ariel talking about the over one and a half. So why not? Why not just take some big juice here? I'll take uh, Chukagian Fiero over one and a half minus seven fifty. <laughs> that was my. Mm. That is like the, the. That is the lock of the night. That you is the lock. Of, oh my god! I saw you that and know. I was like, please God, no, and take that fight. Uh, that really that's a great pick. Jam, yeah, that's a great pick. There's there's some other things that you could do here. Yeah, I guess. Um, all right. So you're saying doesn't what is it over one and a half? Over one and a half. So right now Lock. we're sitting at over two and a half. Sterling Dillashaw, Islam Makashev, and over one and a half. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, <laughs> Plus one sixteen is where we stand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, scramble mode. You wanted to be last. I mean, there's some there's some Okaev props like you know. No, you listen. Know, look around here. I'm looking around. Chill out. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you got to give me a second. Uh, yeah. I was literally, I was going to pick that one. I was, I was, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, can I tell you something that I'm leaning towards? Yeah. Or, I'd love, yeah. I'd like to hear it. Um, leaning towards uh, Brady Bilal over one and a half. Okay. Just got a shrug. I don't hate that. Two wrestlers. I mean, I, yeah, I parlayed that up. Um, I'm uh, looking at Carl. Hossa, just money line. Yeah. Money line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lena Landsberg's forty. Hasn't won a fight in three years. Yeah. You do get that pressure though that Frank mentioned last week of the first fight of the night. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Or if it wins, then you're like, all right, mine's out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also have to look into the future, and I know if Ariel hits his pick and one of us doesn't hit, he's gonna be like, I made the guarantee. I no. I'm, you know what? I feel like I'm being branded no, as not no. a team player. I'm not that guy. I'm just trying to boost morale here a little bit. All right. Um, all right. You know. You know what's interesting? Can I just ask on the best fight odds when you go on the drop down? There's actually no yep. over one and a half for Hossa Landsberg. Every uh, fight's not I gonna can, have it. I can no. tell you, it's minus five fifty. On DraftKings? On DraftKings Sportsbook right now, yeah, it's minus 550. Wow. Hosa Landberg, same thing for Bilal and uh, and Brady. They're both there, minus 550. You know, there is something nice about not having to root for a winner, but just like rooting for the fight to go a certain length. Um, you know, because I don't want to root for anyone to lose. I'm not there's, that kind of there's guy. There's pros and cons. Yeah. There's pros and cons. Um, okay. two people can bust your parlay in, in each fight. That's true. That's true. I'm going to go... Oh, God. Uh, Hosa winner or distance? <laughs> Over one and a half is what you're saying? Or distance? Over one and a half. I'll, leave, I'll let Rick make the choice. What? I, I get to make two picks in the fuck? <laughs> I don't uh, like no, the pressure. You, I, I, I want you to yeah, pick what you I really want. I want Ariel to choose. Okay, fine, fine. Let me just ask the YouTube chat just one second. <laughs> no, no, uh, don't do this. Last time that was a disaster. Go with okay. your gut, man. What? Is, what? Is, you go with your gut. Last right. time yeah. you went what, against your what's gut. Deep, and, deep and down in your Carol Hosa. Carol Hosa is my money pick. line. Money line. Money line. Oh. That Lock brings us to plus one eighty four. And as I mentioned, 
If you don't like these picks, you can make your own stepped-up parlay. Don't know why you wouldn't like these picks, though. We've yeah, guaranteed victory. And we're boosted, right? Let, let me tell you oh, yeah, one of the boosted. other ones I was thinking about. Yeah. Well, the other one that I was thinking about instead of Islam was uh, Krilov and Uzdemir under or doesn't go to decision. One of, one of those two because yeah, I, don't I feel that. like that one's going to be a slugfest. And... I mean, Krilov does not go to decisions. 34 of his 37 yeah. fights. Although I think... Did he go last time? But yeah, he yeah he had like uh, a streak of fighter. three decisions in a row. But those are the only three times he's ever been in in the thirty seven fights he's fought yeah. in. That was my other one. That was the one I liked. But uh, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Islam and and live with the results here. It's always fun to have one in the main event, and we got Komain too. So yeah. over two and a half. No one touching Yan uh, O'Malley. It's a hard one. Dicey. It's a hard Dicey, one to Dicey. figure out. I can't lie going out. into it. Uh, this was not the parlay I was expecting. But, what were you expecting? Uh, I don't know what I was expecting. But Carol Hosa, over one and a half, Fioro, Chukagin, Islam Makashev. Wait, no, by the way, mine's just Carol Hosa money line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you said Hosa over one and a half. For Chukagin, Fioro. Oh, okay, yeah. Then Islam and then uh, Sterling Gilshaw. Plus 184. There we I go. I feel good about it. That's pre boost, right? Pre-boost. Pre-boost. So the boost will probably get us into the twos, right? It definitely will. Uh, And then, as mentioned, stepped up. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost you're going to get. All right. Here we go. Now I'm dying to know um, who you're picking as far as the actual card is concerned. Uh, By the way, is New York Rick going to be on the the watch party? Oh, yeah. Rick will be there, I guess. So. Oh, I, I was trying to do a he little bit. He did the bit surprise thing, and you just gave it away. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say. I mean, you asked. Well, he did uh, the shrug shoulder. He was trying to tease it. Yeah. And is there a chance that we're, there. that mysterious Maybe Frank's identity will be revealed on Zero. the? No, okay. not gonna happen. By no. the way, you're supposed to say. Yeah, just stay tuned. It a little bit. Jeez, Louise, <laughs> your first time doing this? Yeah, it actually is my first time yeah, doing this. I've, I've really messed this up. Huh? I've botched this this promo. Uh, Maybe we got to build the drama. Maybe Get Rick will be. In, all right, here's the real question: Is Rick going to be in studio? Right oh, because I don't yeah. know the answer to that question. You can mm. work. I mean, probably. He, we will see. Okay. Wow. Is he bringing the uh, baklava? Am I bringing some? How some good food? is Mogador? Right. I mean, I was the one who recommended yeah, it. You were, of course, you were. It's, it's the best. I'm it gonna look like is it, like it's it's gonna look legit if uh, me and Frank go there Saturday morning. Oh, what do you mean yeah. is it gonna look legit? Also, I mean that's just a good spot. Like that's like, a date spot. Amazing. That's a that's a great dinner spot. Right. Like, you're I'm locking it in. I'm gonna see if I can get a resi. Maybe call yeah. ahead. You're in the Manhattan location. Manhattan, so. correct? Oh, yeah. can't speak to that. Have you ever I been can't to vouch. the? No, no. Wow, only Brooklyn. You really think that? A few miles. Their, their website seems pretty confident in their Manhattan location, I have to say. Where is it? There you go. Downtown? Uh yeah, it's it's near NoHo, Avenue A. Mm. It's All a right. little bit it's a little bit off the way from uh Katz. Katz is. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right. Well, let us know how that goes. Uh now let's see your picks. Yeah, let's do it. Buckle up. Ten singles, four parlays, so I'll keep it brief, keep it blurby. Uh, on some of these, I start with Carol Hosa, the the woman that you just picked. I took her earlier in the week. Uh, Lena Landsberg is 40. She hasn't won a fight in over three years. She landed one significant strike across 15 minutes against Sarah McMahon back in 2020. Uh, by no means do I think Carol Hosa is uh, you know, a world beater. The, the bantamweight division isn't necessarily stacked, but I, I do think she will 
beat Lena Landsberg in this situation, so I'll ride with her. Uh, next up, we've got Makayev Gordon going under one and a half. Uh, we're going to keep the flyweight under trend going. Under, it has wow. been. I mean, it's been money for us. We're getting our first under one and a half, though. That's going to be a good test for it to see if it really is the lock like we believe it is. I mean, Mohayev, over 1,000 at pretty much every sports book. He's not the biggest finisher in the world, but he does have finishing capabilities. And a reason that I'm a little bit more confident in it is if you look at who he's fighting. Malcolm Gordon, 10 of his last 11 fights have gone under one and a half, win or lose. Three of those have been losses. uh, And nine of those 10 ended in the first round. So would not be surprised if Mohayev ended up getting a submission or maybe a ground-and-pound TKO and ended this one early. Next up, Petrosian Dobson. Under two and a half. A.J. Dobson, I mean, he comes in here with reckless abandonment. He comes in here swinging. He looks to end fights. Six of his eight fights have ended in the first round. Petrosian, same thing. Six of his eight fights have gone under the two and a half. Last time out, both of them fought grapplers uh, in Malkoon and Barajo. Couldn't really get the fight going. Couldn't, you know do what they do when it comes to finishing. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think they're going to stand and bang and, uh, you know, brawl till they fall. I think someone's going to go out and we go under the two and a half. Brawl till they fall is a great line. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I coined it myself. Um, I feel like that's like uh, stand and bang, you know, like that's yeah, one that they're going to yeah, they're gonna steal that for sure. Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. No, no, no. But it is a, it is a good one. Uh, we'll keep it rolling with the props. Ozdemir Krylov. Under two and a half. New York Rick just mentioned it. Uh, these guys do not go to many decisions. I know three of Krylov's last five have gone to a decision. Volkan, uh, or I mean Volkan, three of his last four have gone to a decision. But I do have good news. Krylov, that is the only three times he's ever been to a decision in his career. 34 of his 37 pro fights have gone under the two and a half. Volkan, uh, 16 of his 24 have gone under the two and a half. And then if you look at first-round finishes, Krylov. He's had 27 of his 37 end in the first round. Vulcan, half of his 24 with 12 first-round finishes. I just see this one getting chaotic. That That's kind of what Nikita Krylov does. He, he brings the chaos, and I think it's going to be a brawl till someone does fall. I think I think this one does end inside the two-and-a-half. Next up, sub-props. I cannot hit these to save my life, so uh, tail with caution. But I am going with Kyle Brajo by sub, plus 550. Um, Muradov swings for the fences, man. He can get wild in there. 17 of his 25 wins are by KO, so he does have that knockout power, but sometimes he can get a little reckless. Uh, and if you look at his record, four losses by submission last time out, GM3 gets the back in round one, isn't able to finish it. Round two gets the back again, gets the hook in, and able to tap him out. And then just going back and watching Barajo's last two fights, uh, he goes up against Petrosian, round one. Body triangle, gets the back, just racking up minutes there. Does the same thing in round two. Godzi, same exact thing, just backpacks him for the entire rounds one and round two. The only thing that does worry me is that he isn't converting those into submissions, but I'm hoping he's going to have the opportunities here. I think he is going to get the back of uh, Muradov at some point in this fight, and hopefully he's able to get the choke out at plus 550 in a fight that I think he's going to have the chances. Uh, I'm willing to ride it, and hopefully we can end the... uh, the sub-losing streak that we're currently on. I appreciate your persistence. We're going to hit one eventually. Uh, Knock on wood. Hopefully we're going to hit one eventually. Next up, Sean Brady Moneyline. I played this one as soon as it dropped. I have made a habit of losing money on Bilal Muhammad. We'll see if it continues here. I don't think it does. Uh, I think this is a tougher stylistic matchup for Bilal than he's had in his last couple fights. Luke A., Wonderboy, 
mainly strikers, you know, aren't going to present much in the grappling department. Sean Brady presents just that. He's big, he's strong, great wrestling, BJJ black belt. Uh, I think he's going to be able to nullify a lot of Bilal strength. I think it's going to be a super competitive fight. Uh, but I think he is going to get this done, edge him out in a close decision. 29-28, remain undefeated. Plus, I mean, Philly sports on fly- on fire right now. Flyers are 3-0. and Philly's up 1-0 in the NLCS. Eagles 6-0. and I mean, our boy Brady can't let the city down. Don't forget about the Union playing tomorrow against Cincinnati in the Great MLS point. Uh, Great playoffs. point. I mean, on a collision course with Montreal, of course, for the Eastern Conference final. Obviously, obviously, yeah. I was going to let you say that so you could uh, big represent. soccer guy these days. I don't know if you guys yeah. know this about me, but yeah, nonstop talk about the World Cup for you. Love the World Cup. Love Men in Blazers. That's my go-to. Love Men in Blazers. You guys listen. I'm not lying. I, I can't I believe stop. you. I, I mean, believe you. You talked about it last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were like, I, I'm actually. Cons- I'm, I'm, I'm. To break the fourth wall, I'm, I'm having a real dilemma. Let me ask the people, like, when the World Cup is going on next month, do we go head to head? Yes. I would or love do their we opinion. do we start early? Do we do we try to avoid? No. I mean, Rick is uh, rolling You're his eyes emphatic. here. Emphatic. Let me tell you something. No. That Wednesday, when Canada makes its debut against Belgium, like that's how could a two you o'clock. Possibly focus? Ah, I might as well not have this on my desk if I'm going to go head to head with Canada's first World Cup game since 1986. 1986. You do realize the the World Cup is a pretty man, big right? deal, right, no. Mirror Crick? Like you know, this is a pretty important. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you know how the internet works, but uh, it's not 1986 anymore. And you can tune into the things you want to tune into, no. and it doesn't work like that. Where the whole the whole world is watching one thing. You think I'm going to watch the game on I tape get, delay? I get that the no no no. I'm not saying DVR and, and VOD and all that stuff, which is also uh, something to consider. Um, but yeah, the World Cup is still huge, just not as huge as it was in 1986. There's that's, room for people to be doing so other crazy. things this at is... the same time. Oh and I think there's a ton of crossover. Kind of watch party for the World Cup. Sounds like watch party. That'd be great. <sighs> yeah, why not? Let's just you know what? Let's just do it. Have let's the show. Well, let's just watch the World soccer. Cup. Soccer.com. Yeah. Soccerfootball.com. I mean, That's is, like MMA fighting. Soccer football. <laughs> this is blasphemous. This I is blasphemous. Like it, You're not going like to watch the World Cup. Kicking. I'll watch the World Cup, but that doesn't mean my life stops. Oh, my uh, life is yes, it does. Yes, Black Friday, That's your life stops. You're sacrilege. meeting me and Frank at the bar for USA England before we go oh, to yeah. PFL Championships. I don't want to hear this kid stuff. I don't want to hear this family no. Thanksgiving. We'll this see you on Black selfish. Friday. Very selfish. Get your I scarf, can't wait. get your jersey. I, can't, I, I always love the first game. The first game I remember a few years ago, Senegal won. Um, Qatar is playing. You know, it's kind of weird that they changed it. They made them go early. You know, it's a lot. there's a lot so of... What's, uh, what, Yes. What's the commitment here? What are we committing to? Every game? You yeah, have to every watch game. every game? I got to watch every game. I have to Every see, World Cup I game. have to see a portion of every game, even the five o'clockers. Come on, man. This is, this I'm going to be betting like a madman. Oh, what do you mean too much? Listen, Once every four I'm years. All, I'm all... Listen, I get it. The Olympics, World Cup, there are certain things that I care about are, the World are, Cup way more than the Olympics. Way oh, more. Agree. Okay. Infinitely That's fair. More. That's fair. The one thing the world can um, agree on. I'm trying to... I'm trying to... You know the global the global games. Let's call them. Sure. Um, I get it. I understand the appeal, and I think people should watch them. But I think this idea that like, what do we? Let's just have a, a holiday every single day that every the World four Cup years. Is on. Let's yeah, just sure. not work. Let's yeah. That let's sounds just, fun, Rick. This is a good idea. This, that these you're are actually great ideas. My vote if you run for office. <laughs> and by the way, the world is not historically. Stopping. It's always during the summer, so people are a little more lax with their, you know, their office hours. So it actually kind of works out. 
Now it's going to be weird. weird. It's actually going to be really weird because a big part of watching the World Cup is like you're outside, you're here, it's going to be freezing. Got to cozy up in the USA. The Qatar really screwed it up for everyone. I'll tell you that much. It's going to be great in four years. It's here in America. Well, America, Canada, and Mexico. Did you guys know that? Yeah. You know the finals at MetLife. That's confirmed. That I didn't know. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Which I think is a really bad choice for the final. There's so many nicer stadiums than MetLife. Sure, but it's New York. I mean, location wise, though, like just the the status. New Jersey, just for the record. Yeah, that actually is true. Great point. True. Great point. They should have it at uh, Orchard Park. That'd be tremendous. No. (laughs) If you want to come to New York, come to Orchard Park. (laughs) I agree. New York's only team. Um, All right. Did I interrupt you? No, but I like this break. It, you know, it, yeah. let me get my steam back There's as we get into yep. the main card. You know that you know that I'm going with the beast. I mean, come on, I, I've been been supporting her last few fights. What's not to like? Four and zero in the UFC. Four point zero eight striking differential for the numbers people out there, which is just an insane statistic. Uh, if she keeps that up, she'll be number one in her division. Ten rounds in the UFC has yet to lose a round on any of the judges' scorecards to this point. She's got the striking. She's got the takedowns, takedown defense. She's well-rounded. I think she's going to be quicker than Chukagian here. I think she's going to be more aggressive. I think she can mix in the takedowns. We saw Hebas have success against Chukagian with the takedowns in that close split decision. Uh, And I just think she outpoints her on the way to a uh, unanimous decision. That's why I'll be riding with the beast, Manon Fierro. Like that one? Uh, Next up, Piotr Jan, Moneyline. Took this one as soon as it dropped. Thought I was Mr. Smarty Pants. Got it at minus 275. I said, all right. I beat the lines. Love when I do that. It dropped down to like minus 400. Money is coming in heavy on Sean O'Malley. I now have a bad line. You can get Piotr Jan for as good as minus 250 out there. I think he's minus 260 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, So I was not smart in taking it that long. I mean, with inflation too, the money's been sitting on the bet for a few months. So definitely made a bad choice. But I do think, you know, this is a huge step up for Sean O'Malley. I think Piotr Jan is, is just a, a level above him at this point. I, I'm not sure if he's ready for this test. He's already had uh, a fantastic test last year in Sandhagen against a, you know, a long, rangy, uh, unique striker in Corey Sandhagen. I, I feel like he managed that well. I think it could be similar to that fight, though I won't be surprised. I know Cruz hit on can. Sean O'Malley mix in the wrestling. I wouldn't be surprised if Piotr Jan shot for a takedown here. He didn't do it in Sterling, too. He didn't do it in the Sandhagen fight. But in the previous six fights before that, he landed 16 takedowns, landed at least one in every single fight. We don't really know how Sean O'Malley is going to react if he if he was taken to the ground and and top controlled on. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that's an option for Piotr Jan. I just think this has Piotr Jan 29-28 written all over it. Does the slow starting concern me a little bit? Yes. Am I really not going to feel great if he's like even money after the first round? Then I'll really feel like I made a dumb bet. Yes. But I think at the end of the day, Piotr Jan is going to be the one that's getting his hand raised in this matchup. Bold pick. Don't hate it. <laughs> Bold pick, yeah. Uh, let's keep it rolling. Co-main event. Had to put a bet down for this one. Co-main event, UFC 280. I got action on every fight. I'm not going to switch it up uh, with the Bantamweight Championship. Um, surprised that the line is continuing to move in the favor of Algerman. I really think that this is a razor-close fight. Everything that Cruz alluded to, the questions that are unanswered. I mean, Dillashaw is the better striker. Aljo is the better grappler. Who is going to be able to have the success? Uh, a great stat given out by Jed Mishu on No Bets Bard last night. Dillashaw has a combined time of being on his back that I believe is 88 seconds in the UFC. Don't quote me on that. He could tell you the exact number, but... Uh, he usually pops right back up when someone takes him down. Um, he's got good takedown defense. Aljo, 2 of 22 on takedowns against Piotr Jan. But the thing is, 
All he needed was those two. He just needed the two, and that's why he still has that belt around his shoulder. I'm going to lean that he is going to be able to find some success in the grappling department in this fight. And then in addition to that, TJ Dillashaw, getting close to turning 37. He's fought one time in the last 45 months. I think the youth advantage will be there for Aljo. I think he does have the size advantage as well. Uh, Razor close fight. If TJ Dillashaw wins this, I will not be shocked at all. He's a fantastic striker. He looks to be in excellent shape. Uh, but I had to get a pick down, so I'm going to ride with the champ to get it done. All right. All right, we're now the big one. We're about getting to the end. I do have to lead into this. I've I've mentioned it a couple of times. The beautiful people at DraftKings Sportsbook had the lines up. I took this one on December 27th, 2021. Islam Makhachev to be the lightweight champion at the end of 2022 at plus 240, put 1.75 units down on it. So obviously, financially, I have to cheer for Islam. That's that is that is where my money is at. That is where my heart will be at. But I had to get an additional bet down as well. So I took Islam Makashev to win in rounds one, two, or three at plus 150. Uh, you know, just despite the lay and pray rep that he kind of gets because of his wrestling base, seven of his 11 UFC wins have come by finish. I just do not see this one going the distance. I, I think it's going to get chaotic. I think any fight that Charles Oliveira is involved in gets chaotic. 42 UFC fights for these guys combined. 35 of them have not gone to a decision. Oliveira... I think it's 17 of his last 18, uh, have not gone to a decision. And then 27 of those 42 have ended inside the first round. I'm going to lean that Islam can get the takedowns. Uh, another great point made by Jed Mishua. I keep going back to him on No Bets Bar last night. Oliveira's recent opponents have been scared to go to the ground with him. I don't think Makashev is going to be scared. I think he'll actually welcome that. And if he gets that top control, that pressure, uh, I will not be surprised if he eventually either – ground and pounds, Charles to a TKO, or is somehow able to lock up a submission. I just don't see this one going long. Whoever does win, if Charles makes things chaotic and gets a win himself, I won't be surprised there as well. Uh, But I'm going to side with Makashev. I'm going to double down on the future that I have, because why not? Um, And yeah, I'll take Makashev to win in round one, two, or three. Oh, yeah. And then, quickly for you, not much explanation, some parlays. I have Mohamed Mokayev. I had Magomed Mustafaev. He's out. Uh, and then I have Oliver Makashev. Does not go the distance. Then a little prop parlay for you. Mohamed Brady over one and a half. Chukagian Fiero over one and a half. Again, Oliver Makashev does not go the distance. I'll be very shocked if it does go. Uh, and then Mohamed Brady over two and a half. Chukagian Fiero over two and a half. A lot of props on this one. And then last but not least, our man Shaheen El Shadi joined No Bets Bard last night and gave us this beauty. I kind of thought of it sort of like an AKA parlay uh, inspired by Javi Mendez joining the show. Wow. Uh, you know, Coach Khabib. Our man Shaheen Al Shadi has coined it the Father's Plan parlay. Wow. Abu Magomedov, Zabira Tukugov, Islam Makashev, plus 319. That's all Father's bad. Plan. That's yeah. how it does. And Father's then, Plan parlay. Wow. What a brilliant, brilliant choice on his part. I mean, brilliant choice. Deeper breakdown. You want to hear it all. We went an hour 45 last night. Wow. Look at that. Look at that beautiful mug. Our man, Shaheen awesome. Shadi, joined the show. Fantastic show. You know, it's like a little Super Bowl we get this weekend over in Abu Dhabi. Can't wait for it. Uh, so tune into that if you want more analysis. But those are my picks. UFC 280. I cannot wait for it. That is amazing. That is a great breakdown. Um, you know, I keep th- this. That was one of your best breakdowns. 
Oh, wow. But I have Thank to say, you. I was very anxious throughout because I kept looking at the clock and I'm worried about Frank. Oh, you're getting nervous Frank. for Frank. Yeah, I, this is actually, this is, I'm, this I'm is being Connor's inconsiderate own of that. Fault. Yeah, so I just yeah. wanted to. I'm know, actually like, sorry. I was getting super I nervous. <laughs> I mean, like, let's break it down right now. So, first act is at 6 30. Oh, that's no unusually that's out the it's gonna be fine. early. Stop when, when, when is like the cutoff point? Like, between the stuff you have to do after you're trained by 6. I mean, you got what? Thirty questions left. No, Six just questions. just yeah. Not that I've been counting. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this guy is. One last quick thing. Can I just ask you guys, what is the obsession with Hasbulla? Oh, that's great. Has there been any news on that? No, it's just a lot. Like what I is see the, the obsession? like. There's a lot of I tweets mean, from the UFC. Like, what is the obsession? He's a, he's a funny character. It's yeah. Is it, it's, is it no, is it, but is it, it a lot? Is it too much? Is it sort of like the BMF title where it's like too much of a good thing isn't a good thing or am I just being a curmudgeon? Eventually I'm going to get burned out. I don't think I'm burned out yet. Anytime I see him on my timeline, it, it makes it my day. Is it weird? Like, are they laughing with him? It's a, at him? It's, no, it's a sight gag thing. It's because he's a little person. They are... But it's a lot. But he's got to, attitude. He's got this this, this, do they fiery do this with anyone attitude. Else? Yeah, and, he's, and he's got a good personality. Have they ever done this with anyone else? I mean, anytime they post the picture where he's standing, he's got the seatbelt on, but he's standing yeah. up in the seat. I can't get enough of that. Yeah. Do you think it's an yeah, Abu Dhabi I feel... thing? I no. did. This I, is a I global deep, thing. I deep dive on Javi Mendez's Instagram. And oh, I mean, he's like a part of the team. But my, my my thing is like, I don't know. It just you're you're, you're Hasbu let out. I get it. I feel like it was Hasbu let I don't out get last it. I, last I'm a year. Fan of him. I'm being I honest. support him. The thing is, is it an Abu Dhabi thing? Is it a part of the deal? You know, they get paid to go to these uh, Abu Dhabi shows, and I just wanted to oh, know. Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, like him showing up and doing all of this? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Well, he's also, you know, on the UFC roster now. Is that so. a real thing, too? Like, do they pay him? Is he an yeah. influencer yeah, for them? I mean, we don't know. We don't I'm know. Gonna, it's it's so there, is some kind of, there is some kind of deal. By the way, they, get you they his made, fight kit you know, for Hanukkah. Is it a crazy yeah. thought that if Islam wins, he puts the belt on Islam? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. I think yes. How I does, he, that's a crazy how does he even reach? Yeah, Islam goes on his belt. knees. No, no. I think Dana no, gives him the belt, uh, and then he gives the belt to Hasbula. What about Hasbula standing in between he'll, them? Yeah, Face he'll pick him up like he did last time. Do you think Hasbula walks out in his fight gear on Saturday? Do you think he's with Islam? Oh God, with Islam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like. This is, I mean, he's got the gear. You can buy it on the UFC store, and I, I'd be, I'd be lying if I didn't look at it. I had it. I mean, yeah, gold hoodies. Even and just everything. this conversation is making me realize that yes, this has way jumped the shark. It's ridiculous. Like, this is, it's it's over. over. By the way, it's if, over. Can I just say something? If Bellator used Hasbula as much as UFC does, they would get killed for it. Uh, that's yeah. I am it's I a wrong? Whole different world, though. It's I, a whole different world. I get it. There's still appeal. I 100 percent get it. But yeah, it's once once the once the machine yes. takes it on, it's yes. it's co-opted it, and now it it's gets it's less not cool. the organicness of it is gone. Like the BMF title. Yeah. I agree. I'm with you. All right. I, I will to Connor's point though, he's got a great personality. Yeah. I mean disagree. you see, I, I have no he's knock. an interesting character. I yeah. have nothing against him. No knock on the guy. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a hater. God bless him for making money and and, and becoming this worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they're using him too much. And, and what is the real reason why they're using him? Is it just because he draws attention? Is I don't know. I don't, I don't well, know. I mean, that's pretty much any social media celebrity. It's just to get more eyes on it. Yeah, I guess. No. If you've had too much of it, I would, I would two expect weeks ago, more Liver of it King, 
was was in an eating contest with Apollo Costa. I mean, this is this is the world we live in now. Is yeah. liver going? Is Liver King going to become Bellator's Hasbula? Hasbula. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this: I don't know if he has the same sort of charm that Hasbula has, right? I can I can promise you. Yeah, he, he doesn't. Yeah, that was weird because Liver okay. King was a PFL guy. What is that? What is that? Okay, I feel like you're. I think he was under an exclusive contract. Oh, okay. all right. Frank is literally no. Well, pace I, right now. you you just talked about Frank and his out. And all right, all right, all right. Back to my questions. Back to my questions. Walls back here. Okay, back to the questions. We go. Just a few left. Uh, Mount Sinai asks, "Shalom, Ariel. Well, I didn't get the job that you gave me the advice for last week. So my natural follow up question is: How do you personally deal with failure or being rejected from a job? Also, any thoughts on Sung Woo Choi?" Noah, uh, by the way, uh, just just read this. There's, and I'm not just trying to plug uh, Funky's book, but there's a lot of good lessons. Um, I've 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 lost jobs. I've been rejected. It has all happened, and you use them as fire. You use them as motivation. You take that rejection. You put it as a big fat chip on your shoulder, and you go show them that they screwed up. You don't lick your wounds. You don't feel sorry for yourself. You go out there, you seize the day, you seize the moment, you overcome the obstacle, and uh, and good things will happen. As Dominic said, the world mirrors you, right? Good vibe, positive, tends to give back. George, don't rush. St. Pierre says, Lord Ariel, I was asked this question in my friend group and it generated a lively debate and hoped you and the team at MMA Hour could give your thoughts on this hot topic. If you are having a pizza with only one topping, what would you choose? I said extra cheese, which is a horrible choice. What? You already have cheese. Extra cheese is just, you're being greedy. Anyway, and was ridiculed at length, I agree, because apparently that's not a legitimate topping. Disagree with that. But I kind of agree. I just think that's a horrible. Who I have never in my life asked for extra cheese on a pizza. You guys, absolutely have extra cheese in addition to toppings. Yeah, that is. I'm not going to go just extra cheese. But yeah, I've I've had extra cheese. Like you're ordering from a Papa John's, a Domino's, or something. I have never asked that. Well, the question is: Is extra cheese a topping? And what would you and the boys pick? Well, in my opinion, extra cheese is not a topping. That's just extra of something. It's not a topping. It's just more cheese. Cheese is typically a staple of the pizza. You're just asking for more of it. That's not a topic. Yeah, a topic we are in alignment there. I agree with you. Mushroom, olives, pepperoni, etc. cetera. Uh, mine is a no-brainer. Green olives. Has to be green, not black. Hate black olives. Nice and briny, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the green. My, my ultimate pizza, as I've said before, is green olives and pineapple. Like I could, I start to get like a, a sensation in my throat. I get so excited when I just think of olives and pineapple, green olives and pineapple. If I had to pick one, I'm going green olives. If they don't have green olives, I would rather pineapple over black olives. What do you guys think? GC? I mean, I absolutely love pineapple on my pizzas. That would probably be my go-to. So I still nice. have to try this, this pineapple and olives. But I mean, if I'm, if I'm Sweet, ordering for salty. a, if I'm ordering for a party, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do like a pepperoni. I'm going to do a classic. Classic pepperoni. Yeah, staple. Extra cheese? Now, do I get two? Is, we're not counting that as a topping? No. Yeah, let's, let's throw extra cheese on there. Thank you. Weird. Be what no, about appreciate you asking. stuffed crust? Oh, God. Don't I mean, are we doing extra <laughs> cheese and stuffed crust? We're just canceling tomorrow? <laughs> we ain't doing anything the next day? I'm down. I'm down, honestly. What about you, Frank? Mushroom pizza. Mushroom. Yeah. Straight mushroom? Straight mushroom. Interesting. 
There's different kinds of mushroom. Like there's ones that are sort of marinated. Those are good. But if they're too dry, I don't like that. But you just like the mushroom. Mushroom. All right. What about, you know what I hate? You know what would piss me off? We'd order pizza every Sunday night. That was our thing from Domino's. Domino's in Canada, way better than Domino's in the States, by the way. And sometimes they would mistake the green olives for green peppers. I mean, it's so that's, dressed. That's it, it's forgivable. so upsetting. <laughs> you open it up and it's like, oh, green peppers. It's a totally different taste. It, it, there's almost no taste associated with the yeah. peppers. I mean, if you're getting a Supreme Pizza, Let's like take the peppers are just... That, that's not true. The peppers have a flavor. Hot peppers I like. No, just like a bell pepper. Mm. Bell pepper, it's crunch. Nah. There's that's nothing. The it's like a water yeah. crunch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Christian asks, hi, Ariel. Hope all is well with you and the boys during this hectic but Super Bowl-esque week in MMA. Been rather quiet, but Saturday morning can't come soon enough. Question for you. A recent story came out highlighting Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts and his all-female management team. Yes, he explained how influential they've been to his success so far in the NFL, both on and off the field. This got me wondering, are there any leading females in the MMA management space that we don't know of or hear of? If not... Who do you see that could be some of the first to change the current landscape of management in MMA? Go Pats. Christian. Yes. There's actually one uh, young woman. Her name is Bean Wen, uh, Killer B or Killer B MMA on Instagram, Twitter. She has fought for one championship. Uh, she is getting into MMA management, has been working with KO Reps, Orin Hodak, uh, represent the likes of Kevin Holland and uh, Terrence McKinney they just signed, among many others. And she is very, I've talked to her about this. I've actually uh, told her, she's having a retirement fund. And I told her that afterwards, I'd love to have her on because there aren't a lot of uh, female representative. There's there's um, another one, Jennifer, aka JG. Uh, she's worked for Balangy Group. She's worked for Vayner. Uh, she has worked as a long time, uh, also, um, no, not Balangy, not Vayner, Balangy Group and CAA. Um, and now possibly doing some other stuff because CAA is no longer in the combat business, the representative business. Um, she's been around for a long time, but I think B will be a very interesting person to follow um, because she is a soon-to-be former fighter, so she knows that side of things. She was even in Survivor back in the day, and she's got strong opinions. Uh, I don't think she'll be pushed around. I don't think she'll be intimidated. I think she knows a lot about the game, trains at Extreme Couture, uh, so I'm very curious to see how her foray into the world of MMA management is concerned. So obviously not a ton, very uh, male-dominated, but um, I think that's a great story on Hertz. I saw that. I think it was Front Office Sports that wrote about it, and I'd love to see more women representing the athletes in MMA. There was also someone in um, GSP's camp back in the day, Shari Spencer. She also represented Frankie Edgar as well. Didn't end well, but there have been some. Uh, but watch out for B. I think B could be a player. Uh, Nick. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Ariel. Do you know if there are any hygiene rules before fights? Do fighters have to shower, etc.? I'm sure if they were riddled with BO before the fight starts, it could be used as an advantage if it goes to the mat. Just imagine. Yeah. Uh, I know I've heard of people not showering. I've heard of people not brushing their teeth. These are all, to the best of my knowledge, fair game. Now, things like Vaseline, all that stuff on your body, that isn't fair game. But to the best of my knowledge, other than just common courtesy, uh, there are no rules. And if you're going to go to those lengths, I mean, golly, that is intense. Imagine not showering for days and not brushing your teeth. Could probably work, right? Definitely. 
Yeah. Would you do that? No. I have questioned some of these rules before, like other ways to get out of a, a grapple. Yeah. Hold. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, my. Uh, Ariel from Christian Walker. Excuse me. Christopher Walker. Greetings from Cardiff. Long time, first time. I've been listening since 2015. Thanks for the five plus hours of weekly entertainment. We were going to go five today, but Frank has plans. I was particularly Would buzzing when you talked about your visit to Cardiff. I'm a Cardiff native and hope to meet you, but I was away traveling around California in a camper van at the time. Wow, I love a good camper van. I saw one in Buffalo with the Bills logo on it. It was tremendous. Two Wales-based questions for you. Any update on the Edwards versus Usman two-card being held at Principality Stadium in Cardiff? I have not heard that as an option. I think it would be a great option. I hear UK, uh, excuse me, England. Obviously, Wales is part of the UK. I hear England. um, But I think it would be a great option because there's a roof. And I was at Principality Stadium. It's in an amazing location. It's like right in the center of Cardiff. There's all these cool things, architecture, castles, shops, restaurants around. It's very easily accessible. And there's a roof. So they're always worried about the rain. Don't have to worry. But no, I haven't heard. Two, what are your thoughts on Jack Shore moving up to 145? Yes, our guy Jack Tank Shore announcing on his video blog that he's moving up. He was ranked at 35. Where do you see him stacking up against the 145ers? And then he writes something in Welsh, which I'm going to butcher, Diolch Yin Far. Thank you very much. I tried my best. Um, like it. I'm curious to see how it goes. He was doing so well at 35, undefeated for so long, said that the weight cuts were affecting him. Those are some big boys at 45, some very big boys at 45. Uh, Don't feel like he has to, you know, reinvent everything. It was just one loss to a really good fighter named Ricky Simone. So I don't feel like he has to, you know, drastically change his career. Usually you do that kind of move when you feel like you have to, but um, maybe the weight cuts were getting too tough and he wants to feel stronger. He wants to feel healthier on fight night. So let's see how it goes. Curious, hard to say that I love it or hate it without seeing it in action. We'll have a better sense once he makes the move. Gabe, Shalom Ariel. First time questionnaire, your charm and suave finally convinced me to send in a question. Wow, how about that? I seem to have noticed that some fighters are quickly forgiven for cheating by the MMA community while others are never able to live it down. Frankly, I think anyone who cheats their entire... Oh, I think anyone after... I think anyone after who cheats... I think it means... I think anyone who cheats their entire purse should be taken away and given to the other fighter. Brock Lesnar walking away with millions from the Mark Hunt fight while having used steroids and overtly denying it is one of the best examples. I also think anyone after John Jones who cheats should be disqualified from the UFC Hall of Fame or any other MMA awards. What are your thoughts on this phenomenon? I mean, yes, I I, I think it depends on how they are viewed. I think um, for the most part, MMA has been quite lenient towards steroid users and we're quick to move past it, unlike in baseball, where even if you were never caught, you are branded as a cheater for life based on suspicion alone and can't get into the Hall of Fame. Now, we can't compare the UFC Hall of Fame to the Baseball Hall of Fame because the restrict the, the restrictions are, I mean, like the requirements, I should say, to get in are incredibly different. I mean, there's an actual committee. There's a voting process. The UFC Hall of Fame is just like one guy deciding or two. 
it's totally different. Um, again, the UFC Hall of Fame is more like, you know, the retired jerseys for an NBA or NFL team or the Wall of Fame, whatever you want to say. But uh, yeah, no, we, we are pretty lenient and uh, some of the greatest fighters of all time have tested positive and over time it's just sort of forgotten about Anderson Silva, John Jones, uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, you can almost come up with like two greatest of all time lists. And, um, you know, I don't know why that is. I think the more popular fighters will uh, be excused quicker than the less popular fighters. It's it's just a thing. So I don't know about the entire purse. That's, I, I'm not against it. I don't know who would ever agree to that stipulation, but like we spoke about earlier, the fighters don't really have much of a say in anything. So if the UFC wanted to make that a rule, I'm sure a lot of people would think twice. So it ain't the worst idea. And the Hall of Fame, again, MMA Hall of Fame, it's hard. You know, it's like TJ. Does everything before he tested positive just get thrown out? Is that fair? I don't know if that's fair. But then you could say, like, how do you know when he started? Who knows? Uh, honestly, Baseball Hall of Fame, like, I think Barry Bonds should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's part of the history of the game. He broke records. Barry Bonds should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think Roger Clemens. Some of these guys weren't good dudes, but like you can't deny their place in history. So I don't agree with keeping them out of the Hall of Fame. But it's important to talk about it and to remember it and not just brush it you know, to the side. Last one, Jason B. Happy On The Nose Day, Ariel. Not going to lie, On The Nose is probably one of the greatest media segments in the biz right now. Wow, probably, huh? All right. Uh, means we have to work a little harder. It seems so simple, but nobody else is doing this in other sports media platforms. And I'm grateful you continue to be a man of the people and haven't gotten big time on your listeners. So thank you. No one else is doing this? I mean, I'm just answering questions. I feel like other people are doing this, but I'll take the compliment. Two quick questions. Maybe I'm just a mark here, but I can't remember a card that I was more excited about in the last three years than 280. That's ridiculous. You're just living in the moment. I can guarantee you've been as excited. Like, let's not get crazy here, guys. People are talking about this card like it's UFC 200. It's great. And don't make me crap on it, but let's not get crazy here, guys. It's great. But there have been cards I can assure you that you've been as excited for, if not more. When was the last time you've been this excited for a UFC card? I don't know. When Francis fought Cyril Ghan in January. Um, when, I don't know. What do you want me to say? It's a great card. Why do we always have to compare it? You know, um, it's great, but it's, it's a little top heavy. Is that, is that a bad thing to say? Is it not top heavy? Again, it's going to sound like I'm crapping on it. It's a great card and it's nice to see some depth. Five amazing fights, six if you count the flyweight fight. Love it. Second question, all respect to Volk for wanting to attack the double champ status. He certainly has the resume to call a shot. However, what does this do to the rest of the lightweight division contenders? If Benil wins, that's eight in a row for him. Does he face the winner of Chandler Poirier to solidify the next challenger? Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for all that you do for combat sports. So here's the thing. If Charles wins, there aren't a lot of guys left. He's fought a lot of them. So I don't hate it. If Islam wins, yes, there's a backlog. If Benil wins and Charles wins, yes, you know, Benil would be bummed. Um, but this has happened before. I don't hate it as much if, if Charles wins. And, and I honestly think that Volk has earned the shot. If he's going to go through this trouble, he's earned it. Pound for pound best, featherweight king, fly all the way to Abu Dhabi, you've earned it. 
If you're going to sit back and just be like, give it to me, all right, we can have a discussion. He's earned it, in my opinion. And again, for the 10th time this week, it gets really interesting. What If Charles wins, there's a whole set of circumstances that need to play out. Brazil card January, February Perth. If Islam wins, is he going to go to um, to Perth? If Charles wins, is Volk going to go to Brazil? Do you then just do Charles in Brazil and Alex in Perth? If Islam wins, he's going up. Now Charles is talking about him coming down to 45. A lot needs to play out. And you know what's great about it all? We will have all the answers to all these questions come Monday. Well, really come Saturday night, but we'll be back with you on Monday. So I can't wait for that. And that's a perfect way to end today's show. It's going to be a great Saturday. Don't forget about the watch party right here on the YouTube channel with Connor and and Mike Heck and Mysterious Frank. Not me. I wasn't invited, but no. I'll be watching. Yeah. Um, it's again, it's, you know, they'll get invited to the actual watch parties at people's homes, apartments, the football parties. The fighting parties. I mean, yeah. A bit of a theme. The birthday goodbye. the birthday parties. Yeah, the one over down the Don't street. Don't get anything. Don't yeah. get anything. But it's all good. No hard feelings. I'll be back on Monday, as always, to do the damn thing all over again. And by the way, special week next week. We're going Monday, Tuesday. Like the great Drake once said, we're going back to back. Monday, Wait, Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, check your calendar. Monday, Tuesday. Uh, we're going back to back. Monday, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. BST uh, for the MAR. So no Wednesday show, but we're still giving you the same two. So don't complain. So no it's just Wednesday. Monday. No, no Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday. Got it. We're going to Phoenix after that. We're going to your neck of the woods. Any good uh, food racks you can pass by? Yeah, actually. Appreciate it. Thank you. Whole Mishpach is coming. The whole family. That's really cool. Yeah. It's going to be Are you staying great. by the uh, arena or? Uh, close-ish. We could talk offline about this, all right? All right. Yeah, it's going to be a big week. We'll talk all about it. For now, though, we're out of time. It's been a great week here on the program. You know, I saw AEW go Tuesday, yesterday, and I thought, you know what? If they're doing it, I got to do it. So, again, they're inspiring me to be better. They're inspiring me to change, evolve, emulate, follow in their footsteps, and I feel feel really good about it and uh you know hopefully no one tries to counter program us and it gets to be this whole thing you know, we'll deal with that as the time comes for now though we are out of time what a great show i feel like i got a lot smarter today a lot of wisdom a lot of insight a lot of introspection retrospection all these things and more I want to thank all the guests today appreciate everyone who joined us thank you very much to alexa grasso i feel like the stakes are high I'd love to see Fiero Grasso. I think that would be great, fresh. And then let's see Shevchenko Nunez. Thank you to Alexa Grasso. Thank you for making me feel better about the ears piercing situation that's about to come tomorrow. It's going to be fine. Very nervous about it, Frank. Very uneasy about it. Do you think she's it. just going to be in pain? Or it just won't feel a thing? Yeah, it's tough. Don't love it. In any event, uh, thank you very much to Alistair Overeem. Congratulations to him on the big win over Butter Hari. Thank you very much to Ben Askren. Once again, check out the new book, Funky. Pre-order it now, out October 25th. And thanks, as always, to Dominic Cruz. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions, great ones. Thank you to moderator Lewis. Great job, as always. Thank you to the team. 
Thanks to all of you. Back on Monday, same time and place. Until I say, peace. I'm out of here. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA.com. Yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.